Hey, welcome to the 253rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Just uh, finished doing like the first uh, arc in New Teen Titans from 1980, George Perez, uh, Marv Wolfman. New Teen Titans, why did they get together? Who are they fighting? They're fighting Trigun. And uh, who died and who's whatever. So you can hear all about that. Um, what I'm going to do this week, <laughs> there's a couple reasons. I, I want to do a movie, um, and I, I may start doing some other things uh, the off my minds that I've been talking about for the past few weeks. Um, I, so I, I'm going to do a movie this week. It's a one that I've been meaning to do for actually... Uh, end of last year and it just it just got pushed pushed back so i'm just going to do that um and then we'll see about the following week so you get extra podcast every week but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four and that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck and i could really use the help this there's not a lot of news uh, update what the heck is going on in my life it's summer. Great, right? I'm not teaching, right? Great. Awesome. This is this last week has been the worst week. Uh, so I, I'm honest, full disclosure to you guys. I'm house had some termites and, and apparently talking to my neighbors in this, this town that I live in, it, it happens from time to time. You get turned. It was um, had a full inspection, just a couple spots. Boom, boom, boom. Nothing. And that wasn't like serious enough to get the big tent. Plus with a cat and with the bearded dragon and then just trying to find a place to go. And, and it's, it's, it just didn't seem worth it. So they can do a spot treatment. But let me tell you, spot treatment, bzz, 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 they drill a bunch of holes in the wall and then they do whatever they have to do. Patch it up. So I got all these spackle marks on my wall. when I mean, it was just going to have to be painted. There's also some damage on the outside. That means like sheets at a side have to be like pulled off and replaced they they do that. The, uh, the guy, man, the guy is is must, he is so amazing, and uh, he's doing an amazing job. Just cutting it, it looks so good. The problem is the the service. What I'm paying a boatload of money, way too much. They don't paint. They just they cover and patch and do that. So it means I'm gonna have to paint parts of the house at some point. And with the cost of the, all this treatment, man, I cannot afford that. And to make things worse. As they're pulling off the, the, the by this junction, I actually I had to get my gas meter changed because uh you know they they asked well actually I didn't need to get it changed because um, the the guy doing the repairs he's like hey can you call the the, the power PG&E where I live and have them come disconnect the meter because there's like an elbow joint that goes into the wall so he can put the new sheet there and everything like that. And he's, he's like, they've done it before. They're, they're like, yeah, okay, they'll do it. They come in the morning, they'll disconnect it, then they'll come back in the evening or as soon as you're done and, and reconnect it. But then they decide, I guess because our meter was old, they're like, oh, we're going to put a new meter. Awesome, great. Around this area, there's like all these boxes and, and wires and stuff like that. So the guy doing the sheet, he's like, um, do you need this? Like there's a line that goes to the phone line. I haven't had landline in years. I was like, I don't need that. I got like satellite TV and everything like that. So you can see the cable there and, and like that. Unfortunately, he cut something. 
I still understand the way to wire because there's like so many wires in this house, like from past services, because whenever we switch providers or people who've lived here before or whatever, no one wants to pull out the old, old wires. They just put new wires and stuff like that. So he accidentally cut the, the, the internet line. I haven't had internet for like a week. And then trying to call AT&T, shout out, all this stuff is in, in my wife's name. And there's there's a whole reason I don't, I don't want like utilities in my name. And it has to do with, with teaching and kids trying to track me down and weird stuff like that. I have weird stuff that happened like in high school, sort of. I'm not authorized. My wife's out of the country, literally out of the country. I don't have access to because they're so secure. You need to know this or this, and they're like, you need to know the four-digit pin. I go through like all the possible pin numbers that would have been, and I'm I'm trying to text my wife. She just has no idea what what this is, and the question is like, who's your childhood hero? Like yeah, and person's like, well, who's your 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 wife's favorite? I was like, my wife hates superheroes. <laughs> she does that. So this whole thing. Eventually, like have twenty four hours and like five phone calls, I finally get access. And because part of it, they're like, well, do you can you read us the serial number on the modem? And I'm like, yeah, I read a number. Okay, do you know what the the last amount of your bill was? I'm like, no, because we do paperless billing and it's all auto deposit and everything like that. Oh, I wait, I can't authorize you to send someone out. I was like, if you send someone out, you will see a cut cable. They're oh, we can't do anything because of security. And I was just like. And, and it doesn't matter the fact that, like, I, oh, I, I go to the AT&T store that's, like, a, f- a few blocks away. First, I get there. They're closed an hour for lunch because of they're short-staffed. So I go back in an hour, and then they can't do anything there. I have my driver's license with the address that I live here. doesn't matter. I've talked to this other person. Well, maybe if you can get, like, a proof of marriage, like a marriage certificate. I was like, I got married, like, years ago, like, decades ago, like, in another state, and... Finally, I was able to get through with the serial number to the modem, and I looked at my my banking, my online banking, and saw the amount. I was like, is this the amount? They're like, yep. Okay, great. Okay, can I get an appointment? This was uh, Wednesday. They're like, oh, we can get you an appointment on Friday. I'm like, okay, that sucks, but okay, whatever, Friday. Do you want 8 to 12, or do you want 12 to 4? I was like, 8 to 12. Give me the very first thing you got. 8 to 12, waiting. And then they're like, oh, we got just scheduled 8 to 10. Awesome. Smaller window. Oh, no, it's 8 to 12. Can you want to confirm this? I was like, yes, I thought I already confirmed this. Okay, you're confirmed. Great. Blah, 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 all this stuff like that. Waiting Friday, 8 a.m., 8 to 12. And then it's like, oh, it looks like they're running late. They're not going to be able to make your window. Do You you can either wait or continue to wait or, and I'm getting like auto texts because, you know, no one wants to talk to, to anyone. Why talk to customers? Do you want to wait or do you want to reschedule? You know, or, or they're like, do you, if you want to wait, you can. Or type in reschedule and we'll reschedule. I was like, I don't want to reschedule. I want you to come. So I don't do anything. I wait, wait. And now there's another, another text. Type in status and we'll let you know the approximate time to arrival. So later it's like, okay, they're still not coming. The day's like ticking by and I'm sitting here. Status, no information is available. Would you like to reschedule? No, I don't want to reschedule. I want you to come. I can't do anything. Text later. Do you want no information? So finally, I'm like, okay, reschedule. 
because it's it's you know this is like a Friday and and they're like okay what date would you want put in seven two a.m. or p.m. so that's Saturday I'm like oh, awesome Saturday yes a.m. first thing whatever sorry we have no appointments available on Saturday so next available is Tuesday because of Sunday and then the Fourth of July <sighs> so I have no internet and it's it's been it's been horrible I've used like all the high speed uh, hotspot data on my phone. So I could watch like Stranger Things and Ms. Marvel and um, what else did I watch? I watched something else uh, oh, and some Umbrella Academy. And that that's part of the reason why I haven't watched more Umbrella Academy. So I'm only so what's what's happening on the show this week? <laughs> oh man, um, this week we have Stranger Things, like 18 hours for two episodes. I think it was like four hours for two. I watched those as I was waiting. <laughs> For for the uh, internet to come, actually. So bottom line is, I think I need a new internet provider. <laughs> um, so uh, so Stranger Things of the final two episodes of season four, you're only gonna get three episodes of Umbrella Academy. Westworld, I I am gonna commit to Westworld. Uh, we got Ms. Marvel, The Boys, a Hero Gasm episode, Man Who Fell to Earth, penultimate episode, and in the season finales of Superman and Lois and the Flash this week. It's gonna be a long long episode i can tell you that right now because uh yeah so s- sit back <laughs> and en- enjoy the ride <laughs> so as far as news like i said there wasn't a whole lot actually eh, might be more than last week i'll just kind of go fast i mean there- there's actually not a whole lot to say there was a trailer for the super sons uh movie a warner brother home video movie I would would have posted this on on entertainmentfish.com but I didn't have internet and you know I don't want to use all my my phone data and it's just it's such a, a pain. Things are creeping along. It's like 1997 trying to use the internet that way. Uh the the trailer it's it's kind of hard in a way because I still I'm I'm really bothered the fact that DC or whoever decided to age Jonathan I loved having a young Jonathan Kent, Superboy, with Damien, the Super Sons. It was it was great. Now that they've aged him, and now he's kind of Superman because Kal-El's not on Earth and being a barbarian and whatever. <laughs> it's kind of hard watching this trailer. It's like, okay, why do you keep... Prom- it's like when they, they released a Super Sons miniseries besides the fact that like well we know that none of this is going to really matter because Jonathan's already aged so we have that trying to watch the trailer was a little rough because <laughs> it was like it was not high def on my phone when I, I i hit a dead spot or like a low spot of of data whatever and i i think it's cg animation which is kind of interesting that that they've gone that way cuz it looks it didn't look too bad um, but like I said, I couldn't really see that well on my phone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Oh, and what are they doing? Uh, basically, it's introduced, you know, Jonathan is getting introduced to like, you know, the, like the Batman in the Batcave and he meets Damien for the first time. And of course, Damien's kind of a jerk and there's an alien invasion, Starro. So it's going to be up to the Super Sons to save their fathers and the world. But what's kind of gross, uh, if you watch the trailer, the Starro's like, they actually like pop out of people's mouths. They're like walking in and it covers their face. So it's like, did they ingest it? Is it kind of like an alien thing where it's like birthed inside them? I don't know, but that was a, that was kind of, kind of interesting. There was also a trailer for paper girls. So this is a Brian K Vaughn, Cliff Chang 
uh, series is coming on Amazon July 29th. And I, I enjoyed the comic. I never finished a comic for s- stupid reasons. Um, I, I do need to read that at some point. I, I, I think, actually, I think I have the digital. I, I can't. I don't even know what I have. I do think I have the the complete compendium or whatever. So I need to read that. I r- really liked it. And you know, it takes place in the '80s. And of course, I'm sure people are going to say, "Oh, it's like Stranger Things." Like, no, it's not like Stranger Things. The trailer doesn't really show a whole lot. There is like some sort of like mm, time travel ish elements to it which is kind of apparent in the trailer there's more to it but i won't give away anything else if it's it's not super clear in the trailer but uh, i'm looking forward to seeing that there was a trailer also for star girl season three thank goodness i'm like where the heck is this show coming on uh or coming back but they don't have a release date just said coming soon so uh, I won't say anything in case you're one of the nutty people who still haven't watched season two, even though I, it's on HBO Max now, so you can watch it. And I thing, I can't watch HBO Max. I don't have internet. Um, thankfully, I can watch Westworld through my DVR cable box that I hardly ever use. So I guess it's a good thing I still have cable. AT&T. Movie news, Dune Part 2. Oh no, it's delayed. Not much though. So instead of coming out on October 20th, it's going to, uh, 2023, it's going to come out on November 17th, 2023. And I don't know the, the reasons for that. I don't know if, if they need that month to do some more. It's probably because October tends to be like Halloween and kind of like slashery type, type movies. And maybe like November is like, you know, it's closer to Thanksgiving, closer to the end of the year. So people, oh, let's try to get it nominated for some sort of award. And I get that. I just, the whole, I mean, does it really make a difference? I mean, if movies are nominated for an Oscar or whatever, and I I get it's a huge honor and all that, but that's just, you know, the whole thing looking at, I'm not going to go in, go there in depth. But the whole like Will Smith quitting the Academy, he can still get nominated. He can still win. He just can't. Uh, he can't vote, I guess, by quitting the Academy. I don't know if he's allowed to go to the ceremony for number of year or whatever. But it's like, okay, he quit the Academy. He can still make movies. His movies will still make money. He'll still get paid. Unless some people are like, oh, maybe we shouldn't hire him, which is stupid because he he won friggin' he he either way whatever happened he won for best actor right so he he's got the talent it's the same thing you make a good movie and it's like you shouldn't be making a movie just to win an award okay i don't know if you heard that that was uh my alexa saying you're not connected to internet yeah no kidding so why are you trying to talk to me and it's like trying to say so yeah maybe you heard that in the background i'm not going to try to fix that or repeat what i just said i'm so angry so anyways, uh, don't make movies just for an award. Make movies that people want to see and that they're going to be happy to see it. And you know, they'll pay money to go see it. And I, I get that there's the prestige, like, oh, we're Oscar nominee. But I think, I don't know, because with, with the problems with the Academy and how it's been, quote unquote, racist for the longest time. And yeah, maybe things are kind of getting better, but... It's like does it just just make movies like uh, I I saw some ad or I got an email like like oh apply for this podcast award thing and I looked at it and I don't know if you have to pay to to, to submit your podcast. it's like okay whatever you know I'm I'm making this podcast for you 
I don't think I'm going to be getting any awards because what awards are there for podcasts or whatever. And that's not what I'm doing this for. So it's, it's for I'm doing this for you guys. Um, also, Warner Brothers, the next MonsterVerse movie, which I'm a little confused with this because it's not necessarily a direct sequel to Godzilla versus Kong. But whatever this next movie is, it's coming out March 15th, 2024. And I think part of the reason is things are just kind of wonky with the rights as you know, cause with Godzilla, you got, was a Toho and, and with Kong, there's like different people own the rights. And I, I think it's, there's like a, some, some rights are in public domain, but then some, depending on what you do, I don't even understand. And I, I don't really care at this point. So um, there will get something that, which, which will be cool. Um, oh, there's a, also a trailer for Harley Quinn season three. So it's coming back on HBO max. Hopefully I'll have internet by then July 28th. I better have internet by then. Um, more of the same. Okay, great. Um, I'll watch it. Um, yeah. I got nothing else to say about that. Uh, there's a, uh, Quantum Leap. So I've been, been talking about this. It has a date now, September nineteenth, and um, it's so it's Peacock. Um, there was a new Peacock show to res, a resort that came out last week. I wanted to watch it. I don't have internet, or I don't have you know accessible internet. Um, so I don't know how it works. As I don't subscribe to Peacock, but I, I I watched like the original Firestarter on Peacock. I think I, I mentioned that. There's some ads in there, and it wasn't that bad. You know, they weren't like overly obtrusive or annoying. So um, I, I'm hoping that you can watch like the stuff like the Resort or Quantum Leap that you can watch it through free. Um, Peacock just get the ads, and then the ads will pay. For, maybe I don't know how it works, but. It's been 30 years since Sam Beckett disappeared, so you know they're trying to start up again. What I didn't realize is the Ernie Hudson character, he was actually, that character was in a, an episode of Quantum Leap. I think he was like in Vietnam or something like that. That was be a long time ago. How old is he? Because um, I'm trying to think of when this takes place, if it's been 30 years. Because isn't it Quantum Leap kind of in the future? Anyways, I, from what I understand is the Ernie Hudson character was actually saved by Sam Beckett through going into his, his brother or somewhere in the, the, the disguise. But it's not clear if um, he's aware that he was saved because of the Sam Beckett program or whatever. It's just a coincidence. So who knows? We'll see. The Russo brothers have a movie, um, Electric State. It's going to be coming out on Netflix. I guess uh, it wasn't clear where it was going, but Netflix picked up the rights for it. It's going to have Chris Pratt, yay, and uh, Millie Bobby Brown, yay. And I'm not really sure what what is about because I don't have internet. <laughs> I just saw that it was going to Netflix, and I was like, okay, I, I can't click on this because it's going to take like so long just to try to click on anything. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Of course, there's going to be a sequel because the first movie, I think, did pretty well or did decently. That's coming out on December 2023, in December 2023. I don't know if there's an exact date. Um, one thing that I think was kind of interesting is apparently Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, was originally pitched as a movie trilogy. So you look, you look at the the six episodes we had, and I don't, I it would have been like totally retooled or you know done differently. I don't, you know, as as strong as as decent as those episodes were, they don't really seem movie feature worthy. I don't know, and just the fact, imagine that for whatever reason, 
it makes no sense. If this would have been a movie, we would have how long would we had to wait for these for three movies? And you know, would they have expanded it beyond the story that we saw in these six episodes? I I mean, I would love to know to know more about this. Would they have taken the same story like this arc and just divided into three movies? Mm, I mean, I guess you could break elements down and do that, but so that's that's why I don't know, maybe there's something to be said about, you know, Disney plus and, you know, or HBO max where, you know, turn these things into TV shows that can be longer, can be flesh out, you know, elements, characters, or stories more. And you don't have to wait like three years or six years to get three movies or to get six parts. I don't know. And then some cool news. Uh, So I've been talking about 8 billion genies. It's a comic by, by Charles soul and Ryan Brown. It's been optioned by Amazon, which is awesome. I mean, I think Charles Soule, I mean, I, I don't know him personally very well. I mean, I've talked to him. I've interviewed him several times and and we, we've, we've talked. He's, he's always been super, super nice guy. And um, I, I love his books. Uh, I wish the Oracle year got optioned. I, I would love to see a movie or something or a series made out of that. Read the Oracle year if, if you're into reading novels. But um, 8 Billion Genies, so basically the story is, so this is a comic, I think issue two just came out. Um, issue three, I think is coming out this week, maybe? So 8 Billion Genies, everyone basically in the world gets their own genie. You can make one wish, and that's it. You get one wish. And um, so you can imagine that if everyone in the world gets one wish, things are going to get messed up. And where so far what we've seen in the comic this you know there are all these people in this bar this little bar this dude's like right away he's like i wish that no wishes made will affect what's happening inside this bar basically his bar is safe so whatever you do outside does does won't won't affect anything uh, yeah it's just it's like a apocalypse outside because everyone's just doing crazy things and so uh i i and the the interesting thing uh, about this whole Amazon deal is it it's it's a, li- a little unclear it sounds like it could be made into like a movie and it could be made into something more like are they talking about some sort of long form series or like some sort of you know genie verse or something I, I don't know but I, I think that that's cool and then uh, the other thing um, I, I got an email about it but I didn't click on it uh, Dan Slott and Mark Bagley are doing or getting a, a Spider-Man comic and um, I believe it's coming out in September. Let me see if I can pull that up on my phone because this is how how uh, backwards this is. Okay, so it's uh, coming out. Um, the end of the Spider Verse is uh, is it the name of the, of the first arc? So it's coming in October, and um, uh, it'd be interesting to see like what exactly does this mean? Like, okay, we're, we're getting a new Spider-Man comic. Uh, Cause at first one I was, I was like, wait, there's going to be a new Spider-Man number one. Again, we just had new Spider-Man number one. So I wonder if this is going to be like out of continuity, like separate a little bit because you know, we had that like nonstop Spider-Man, whatever, which I, I, I hate to say it. I didn't like it. And then there's Savage Spider-Man. But so we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, because we used to have Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhoods. You know, you could have other titles coexisting and and they kind of work together, you know, with continuity. They, they kind of flow well. But I wonder if this is going to be a little looser. Let's see. Oh, no, 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 no. OK, the series will also type. See, this is what happens when you read. You actually find things out. 
The series will also tie directly into the event of Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr.'s amazing Spider-Man run, picking up plot elements such as Spidey's new costume and his mysterious association with Norman Osborn. Morloon is back and he is not alone. Allied with one of the most powerful beings known to the Spider-Verse, the scariest Spider-Villain of all times is making his biggest play. I hate Morloon. I hate like so many characters. Uh, is he's making uh, his biggest play, and no spider is safe, especially not the chosen spider himself, Peter Parker. With Peter working for Norman Osborn and using a glider, does he have it coming? He's using a glider. Working for Norman Osborn—that's kind of a spoiler. So, uh, looking forward to that. So, October, more Spider-Man that works for me, and what also hopefully works for you is that is going to be the news for the week. And thanks for listening to my my internet rant. <laughs> oh my goodness! With comic books, uh, I and I didn't get to read everything this week. I read almost everything, but again, internet connections and all that stuff. At Image, there was Dark Room. So this was a hardcover. This was like like a a full full page, uh, like or full page, like a hundred something page story. It's Jerry Duggan and um, Scott. Buon Cristiano. So basically, it, it is kind of weird because it, it, there's like this cursed camera. It, you know, it, it you see it in the past where you know it's it's like it's you take a picture and it it shows bad things. You know, it's like I don't know if it's, it means it curses a person, takes a picture of and whatever. The camera disappears for a while, then comes cut to the current day. This dude is like looking for the camera, so he goes to this uh this woman who's uh, she has like a private collection of like crazy, you know, cursed objects and stuff like that. So he, this dude, old dude, a weird, eccentric dude, goes to her to locate this, and um, it turns out that this guy isn't necessarily to be trusted type of thing. There's more to him than that, and it turns into this like whole big crazy adventure thing, and it's it pushes things over. Like she's friends with like a ghost sort of like a skeleton and uh it's there's like uh, other mystical things and so it's it's not set in like reality type of thing but it's it's a really good story and uh you, yeah you should check that out so it, it's you know get get the hardcover you know get the, the whole story in one and uh jerry duggan he's he's a great writer department of truth issue 19 came out so we have our character our guy cole you know he's He's working, you know, we're at almost at issue 20 now. He's, you know, he knows there's a lot of like bad things and cover up and government conspiracies and this, you know, it's, it's all weird and like what is being made and pushed and forced on people or get people making people believe this is real. And, and, uh, there's still a question of like, who does, can Cole trust Lee Harvey Oswald that, you know, who he works for and everything like that. And then, uh, Cole's husband is you know because cole's off out doing all this stuff you know going on these trips and everything like that and so it's like uh so cole his husband works for i think it was the washington post or something like that anyways there's there's like stuff that cole had to do and uh people are trying to manipulate things and uh it's uh yeah getting getting kind of kind of messy on image 30th anniversary anthology 3 came out Oh man, I'm trying to remember what was in here. So there was another Jeff John story, uh, which I, I'm really intrigued with this. That basically there was like this uh, 
prison transport and they they kind of get stuck in the snow so it's like what do you do you know this this big transport thing can't move well we got to get the let the prisoners out to help push and we got to trust that you know they're not going to try to do anything and but there's something it feels like there's something more to this snowstorm than just like a regular snowstorm and oh man i'm trying to think what else was in here um i'm just totally drawing a blank with with what it's it's just interesting because you know you get these these eight page stories um oh there's another kyle higgins story shift so in a a radiant black i'm radiant blank drawing a blank so it's in in that universe so you, you get that and um and there there's some other ones uh yeah, so it's it's interesting to check out. It, it, I always find these anthology books kind of interesting because you know you never really know what you're gonna get. Um, some of them are going through the whole twelve issues, so you know, like if you want to read a Jeff John story, you have to read that. But it's kind of interesting because I'll admit there's like some I'm like, eh, this isn't really working for me, but I like these other ones. So yeah, that that's the the hard part where you might get some stuff that you doesn't really you know work for you, but that's just how it goes. Um, Public Domain, number one, came out. So this is from Chip Zdarsky. So he wrote and drew it. And I really like this. Basically, there's this hero, this comic book hero called The Domain. And the the guy that wrote him, you know, in the, um, he's this old dude. He's got like two grown sons. The Domain is like hugely popular. You know, there's like all these crazy movies and stuff like that. It's kind of like an MCU type of thing. And it's like the situation where basically the guy who created a character isn't really getting paid what he should be getting paid, you know, because like the studios have the rights so they can make all these monies or all these monies and, you know, they can make all these movies and, and the guy like, oh, we'll send you out to the premiere as, as a courtesy type of thing. And uh, so it's it's interesting to see. And then there's uh, this one. I'll just say this one like high exec dude, his, his assistant, you know, cause she wants to be a writer. You know, she's like, Hey, did you, have you got a chance to look at my script yet? Cause you, and he's like, ah, he's guys like a horrible piece of crap. And, uh, but she makes this discovery that, um, about the domain, which is going to kind of shake things up. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And it's, it's Chip Zdarsky. So that's, that's good. Righteous thirst for vengeance issue nine. This is like such a weird series because I don't know what the the direction or focus of the series is. So our our main character, you know, he's taking care of this kid that he saved, and you know they're they're trying to get away from the bad guys and all, all that. And um, this issue, there's there's a lot of them just kind of you know starting a new life and enjoying things and doing that. But then you know, of course, that's not gonna gonna last forever. And then um, what's the furthest, furthest place from here? Issue seven came out. The first trade came out. So if you haven't read what's the furthest place from here, you need to read that. This is such a good book. And issue seven is, so basically what, what's going on in this, it's like some some apocalyptic thing happened. Where's all the adults? It's just kids. And so kids, they live in these different like kind of gangs or groups or whatever. When they turn, you know, when they reached adulthood something happens to them they're like they're they're taken they disappear you know no one knows what's going on 
and you know we, we've seen in the like the first arc where you know there there's been mention of like you know this one dude who was there that you know he's he's gone and then this one girl's like pregnant and you know because they're kids and you know she's a teen she doesn't know what's, what's going on but something happens to her she disappears and then you know there's rival gangs and stuff like that but issue and it's it's way better than that that description i just gave it because i'm horrible at describing things but issue seven goes back to like before when before things got real crazy where people are like trying to escape you know leave town or you know not sure what's going on and then there's like these dark figures that are like grabbing people doing so like what the heck is going on and you see this like dad with his two kids trying to escape and so um yeah it's it's just it's really good stuff i'll just say um let's see at idw i did not read anything um there was gi joe a 290 real american hero 294 i wrote i see it now what's going to happen is i'm going to get behind because i'm trying to think if i read the the previous one but i didn't read that because of my spotty internet it's it's such a it's it's so annoying how like some things work and some things don't which is like why i haven't read all of the dc books which I'll, I'll talk about in in a moment Oh, at Boom Berserker number nine, I've I've fallen behind on that. Um, it I, I I like the series, but I haven't. I I don't know if something about the pacing hasn't didn't grab me, and so I I, I fell behind. I can't remember the last issue I read of, of that was. And Secret Seven Secrets. I'm man. I'm this is this the last issue? Because I, I I know I didn't read seventeen, and I'm not sure if this is the end. Mind-blowing ending discovered a future to order in the very nature to secrets themselves. Yeah, so uh, I gotta gotta catch up on that. But at DC, so it's just weird because when I'm you know I was trying to read some of the, the DC books, some some of them I they would like download like no no problem. Others would just like take forever. It's like download download. Then it would just like stop and start downloading over. I'm like, oh my god, are you serious? So I didn't get to read everything. Um, what I I did get through, so I read Task Force Z issue nine. There's more on the kind of battle. Um, so Jason Todd is you know Harvey Dent for some reason is, is you know he started this the task force whatever they're using like Lazarus um, serum and they've you know revived deceased villains. So it's it's kind of like Suicide Squad, but it's like okay, let's bring these dead villains back. And they're kind of zombies, but we can control them. And they need this Lazarus resin. That's what the word I, was, I couldn't remember. They need this resin to kind of re- revive them. Or otherwise, they'll just turn into, you know, they'll just die for, you know, completely. So you, you have all that. But then there's like, there's this other faction that was working also on the resin. So it's kind of like this this fight between the two and... My my, I always complain that everyone keeps calling Red Hood Jason. It's like, okay, does everyone know that he's Jason Todd? And I feel like that's just too dangerous with like secret identity and all that. And uh, and then there's also the fact that Bane is there, and it's like, okay, we've seen Bane in the Joker, and so it's like, when is there this these two things going to connect? Because they haven't quite fully connected yet. But I, I'm I'm enjoying this here. I, I like Jason Todd, so I, I like that they're using him here. Robin 15. So this, we're, we're getting more, uh, you know, like some aftermath of the, now I'm just trying to drawing a blank on uh, the, the big fight or just the shadow 
War, what was it called? I don't even remember. And, uh, you know, the, the stuff with Talia and Deathstroke versus, you know, them fighting against each other. And, you know, Robin's, you know, because Talia's been captured. You know, she she's back in custody. So, like, what's going to happen with her? And, you know, what's Robin going to do? Is, is Robin going to stay in Gotham? Um, Talia, spoiler, she she breaks free. Uh, so, where's Robin going to go? And, and there's, there's, uh, there's another little hook. It's like, hmm, okay, what is Talia up to? Um, Detective Comics 1061. So this concluded the, the story with uh, that judge. Um, I forgot her name now. <laughs> that that Bruce kind of dated a couple times. And there's all this stuff with Riddler. Riddler and his weird mustache and beard. Yeah, so that, that wraps things up. But I think there's a new creative team next month. Because I, I, I like Mariko Tamaki's I, I loved what she's been doing. She's been doing an awesome job. So we'll have to see. Who, I, I And I'm sure it's it's no secret who it is. It's a secret to me because I, I feel like I'm so out of the loop sometimes. But we'll, we have that to look forward to. And then there's also a backup story with Gotham Girl, which I've been enjoying that. Gotham Girl is, is like, she's kind of volatile character. She's, she's a little unstable. And just because of the way, just her story, you know, how she was raised and just all this power and everything like that. So it's interesting this to see like what she's doing and where, where she's gonna go. And, and that's I have no idea what's what's gonna happen with her. Deathstroke Inc. issue 10. I didn't get a chance to read that. And because then I you know I started jumping around. I do like the series, so I, I do need to read that like ASAP. DC versus Vampire Killers number one. So this unfortunately was not um part of the regular series it wasn't written who is it matthew rosenberg that's writing um or is it tom, it's not tom taylor um i know it's otto schmidt see i oh man i'm just so out of it but it was a different writer different um artist and basically we see harley and kind of catwoman um harley's like working with clayface and solomon grundy with uh, vampires kind of taking over you know she's trying to carve out her own little corner of the underworld type of thing uh but then you know the vampires are kind of letting her do that but then she kind of ends up crossing them with something and uh because uh, she's given something that they want and um so she's making some enemies and um something happens to harley that's going to change things in a, in a coming issue so we'll have to see so so this this as far as a big story what happens to Harley will probably play a, a, a role, will impact the main DC versus vampires. Um, Batman Fortress issue two. So I didn't read that one. Um, I forget who that one was was by. Batman Catwoman issue 12. Oh man, I, I didn't get a chance to read that. <laughs> That's the last issue. Uh and it's funny, I, I saw, who posted it? Someone's like, Batman Catwoman issue 12, confirmed to be the last issue. It's like, uh, no kidding, it was always the last issue. It was a 12-issue miniseries. It was a 12-issue miniseries. I'm pretty sure when it was first announced a year before it you know got delayed and rescheduled or whatever. Uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight issue 4. So this is, is I'm just digging this. I, I love what Sean Murphy is doing. And this, his, this own little alternate Bat Universe corner, whatever. Just um, you know, seeing old older Bruce Wayne and uh, Harley and Duke Thomas and Dick Grayson and just 
um, the stuff with Derek Powers, uh, that Derek Powers. We do see a younger, young little kid Derek Powers in Task Force Z. I'll just you know give that a shout out. Uh, but yeah, Batman, Batman Beyond a White Knight, all, all these Sean Murphy Batman books, you know, the, the White Knight books are, are just really, really, really good. Aquaman issue five did not read, and then Action Comics. Oh, this is one I is like loading, 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 and then I'm like, okay, how big is this file that it's taken forever to load, and then it quit, and then it starts downloading, and I'm just like, oh, forget it. So that's all I read at. Um, DC at Marvel. Let's see. What did I, I read at, at Marvel? Oh, there might've been something at Marvel. I didn't read that. I didn't get to. anyways. So Avengers 57 came out. Um, you know, th- what kind of bothered me about this one is we see this, this other soldier Supreme who's kind of like a sort of like Captain America, like Dr. Strange and whatever. And, and, so we, we go through this whole story and everything like that, but what, what kind of bothers me is that's what all this whole issue is about, is just this this character's story. Awesome, cool, whatever, great. And the Avengers kind of show up and kind of help out a little bit, like behind the scenes. And then that, that's kind of the end. So maybe we'll see him again and you know they're just kind of making sure that he's alive so that they can count on him later. But it's just like, I, I just read this whole issue about this character that I've never even knew, ex- you know, he was a brand new character. I don't care. I have no attachment to this character. I just, and you know me with how much it takes, you know, all the time it takes to read comics and all this. And then, uh, yeah, so it, it to me, it didn't feel worth reading. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see this character again and then it'll be like, okay, yeah, I know who this character now is because I saw sort of background and, but it's just like, man, I don't have time for this. You know, I just want regular characters. Captain America, symbol of truth issue two. So this is Sam Wilson, Captain America. And he's goes on this mission. He ends up coming across like Deadpool. So they're kind of like working together and, uh, you know, no one likes Deadpool. No one gets along because Deadpool is just annoying, but they they're working together and, at one point, Deadpool's like, Wilson and Wilson, you know, that sounds like a lawyer firm. We should, like, work together and all this stuff. And uh, and then uh, it turns out at the end uh, where they're at, um, they're, like, in another country and they're going to kind of tick someone off. So um, that'll be interesting in the next issue. It's Doctor Doom. <laughs> Spoiler. It's, he's probably going to solicit for next issue anyways. Then there's Iron Man and Hellcat annual number one why the heck do we get this i mean i guess it's fine this this is really for the most part a hellcat story i'm cool with that you know i i I like hellcat i feel like i don't know as much about her as i thought you know i've 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 seen her like over the years and what was she just in recently did she have her own series or was it she wasn't in in squirrel girl i don't think she was she in she hulk or something, but I feel like maybe it was She Hulk, a She Hulk series, where it's a little quirky, whatever. But now she has like psychic abilities, which I keep forgetting. I think that came up before, and that was in the Iron Man series. I don't know if she's always had that, or if it—I don't, don't even remember. But the whole thing, Iron Man and Hellcat, because they've been—they kind of hooked up at the beginning of because Iron Man is what issue like twenty or something like that. It's like twenty issues ago. They kind of started working together and kind of like hooked up. And then 
Tony Stark, after all his ordeal and everything, he's like, he proposes. And she's like, uh, maybe not because I've been divorced twice and both times they're like, you know, insane, deadly demons or whatever. I guess that's why they still have an annual. But basically, Hellcat um, goes back to, she like, sort of like inherits a house that, you know, is like her mom's secret house that she didn't realize her mom had. But it was a, a story that she, or it was like a house that she wrote about in some of the stories or whatever. And um, th- then there's like darker forces or something going on. And, and um, I something happened. It stopped recording there for a second, so I don't know what I lost. <laughs> um, but basically, because uh, they're, you know, they're supposed to be married. This is really just a Hellcat story. Let's just say that. So it's, it's I liked it. It's worth checking out. Um, and then what I realized, I didn't read... This I have the issue. I do have it downloaded. Iron Cat came out number one. So this is Jed McKay. It's a black cat. It's when um she stole a suit of armor from Iron Man and like kind of modified it a little bit. Uh, so I don't really know. I forget like why exactly this is coming. I don't know if this is taking place around then or if it's back to her using the costume or the armor. But Jed McKay's uh, Black Hat has been awesome, and I, I've been missing it because it's ended. So hopefully it'll start back up at some point. I don't know, but uh, I, I definitely need to read that. There was Mech Strike. Um, uh, it says Avengers Monster Hunters. I didn't read this. Uh, the first one was actually kind of interesting. I read the first two or three issues, but I didn't finish it. What is also interesting, so we you know we had this tech on or whatever it was called, yeah, Avengers with with mech suits, and then I just saw like a week or two ago that DC is doing the same thing. It's like, wait, what? Because you know, a lot of time, a lot of times, uh, Marvel and DC coincidentally kind of do the same things at the same time. It's like, whoa, what? That uh, this is so such a weird coincidence. But this is like, and I'm sure DC had this plan for a while, and Marvel just beat them to the punch whatever and but anyways so if you like mech mech suits and heroes you got that to look forward to Sabretooth issue four came out i didn't even bother with this because i hate Sabretooth, and i was like i don't even want to read it could have been a cool issue i don't know but i just i can't stand Sabretooth, and the the fact that we have this comic with him it's like no thank you she hulk issue four so this this is a fun book i i, I like this you know she hulk is Dealing with the fact, you know, she's trying to go back to her her law practice. She's wor- working for Mallory Book. Is it Book? It's not Brooke. I think it's Mallory Book. And her, you know, she's doing Jennifer a, a favor by, you know, giving her a rinky-dink little closet as an office. But her one thing is, like, she doesn't want super hero cases because, you know, that causes too much problems or whatever like that. Uh, so you know, she Jen has to come up with new clients but then heroes keep coming up to her she's like hey i'm not supposed to i can't you know represent you guys and everything and then there's also uh there's more on on, um titania who wants you know her and and she'll kind of have this like fight club where they like fight each other to let off steam and you know whatever and keeps titania keeps her nose clean type of thing but what's also funny is volcana volcana 
is like with her, like just watching and everything, because you know they were both in Secret Wars. So it's 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 a nice callback. You know, every time you see these characters, it's like, yep, that's where they got their start from. Then there's also stuff with like Jack of Hearts, which you know he he was dead way back, and Avengers disassembled, and he's back, and he doesn't really know how. He's not sure what's going on. You know, he's got some memory issues. And it's weird because he was here and he was also in that Fantastic Four, rec, rec, whatever that last arc was. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think this happens before then. But yeah, so there, there's some some good stuff. I'm, I'm enjoying this, this series. Um, Spider-Man 2099 Exodus. I, I've been I've been struggling with with these 2099 books. I, I, I always like the 2099 characters, but these books you know each one is like kind of focusing on a different character so there is like a sort of connection with the main storyline but it just i don't know it just feels a little incohesive is is that a word so i don't know i i I started reading this and then i just didn't get through it and um i don't know then there was also uh star wars han solo and chewbacca this has been this has been um, decent, you know. Uh, the the main thing, it's not it shouldn't be a spoiler by now. It's the third issue, is Han and Chewie. So Han and Chewie are working on a heist with Greedo, and Greedo's like kind of a, a dork, kind of an idiot, but they're also working with someone claiming to be Han Solo's father, and he has enough information where maybe it possibly is him. But it just, I, I feel like it's not going to be him. But it's like, what is his, you know, scheme? What What is he trying to, to pull here? And how did he find out what he found out? But also there's a fact that like Han Solo isn't his real name. And there, I don't even think they commented on that. And so I don't know. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that this is really Han Solo's dad. And I, yeah, so I think things are going to get messy if it turns out it's not him. I don't know. Then there was uh, Obi-Wan star wars obi-wan issue two and this is fine but again my problem is it kind of backs up a little bit and obviously all these stories are going to be older stories but it's this is back when uh obi-wan was like qui-gon's padawan and so there's there's some interesting parts in there but it was just yeah it was okay then there's a star wars darts vader um where so Vader, you know, he's working with um, Sabe, and you know, against you know, doing so there's stuff with the Crimson Dawn and Vader's doing Vader stuff, and he he gets like he gets pretty intense at times, and um, it's it's just interesting to to see like just like the connection because you know there's like it's kind of it kind of dives into a little bit like who vader is as he you know because being around sabe so much and you know she reminds obviously reminds him of padme and you know sabe knows that darth vader was anakin and see this is the thing that's kind of weird because you know he was like how did you know you know because no one no one is supposed to know that Anakin is Darth Vader. So, which is why in the Obi-Wan show with Reva knowing that, it's like, how does she know that? And so, I don't know. But um, I, I, I love the fact that we have Sabe. I, I think it's such a brilliant move to use her in, in the comics, like an older Sabe. Then there was Thor, Lightning, and Lament. Um, 
I just kind of flipped through this because it's Todd Knock art. So Ralph Macchio wrote this. This is if if you want like classic Thor, a classic Thor story that's not like in current continuity because this is this is like this is like Thor from like the 80s, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. So it's just like, you know, classic Thor's, you know, cool Thor um action. Actually, it might even be before that cuz you have Donald Blake. Dr. Donald Blake is is you know, Thor's our alter eagle. So if you're looking for just like a, a a really cool Thor story that's not tied to anything and you want something with like awesome Todd Knock art, you should definitely check that out. Then there was the variants, number one. This is a Jessica Jones mystery by Gail Simone and Phil Noto. Uh, so that right there, I mean, that's that's an amazing creative team. And uh, it's it's kind of cool seeing Jessica. Jo- I, I it makes you realize, even though we've seen Jessica Joan here and there, uh, I've I've been missing you know because this this kind of feels a little closer to like Alias, even though you know she's she's married to Luke and she has a kid and all stuff. But you know, there's this investigation going on, and uh, there's some like callbacks to Purple Man, to Kilgrave, and and stuff. Um, but. I didn't really want what the title, the variant, because it's not even called Jessica Jones. It's not called Alias. You know, it's called the variants. It's like, okay, what does that mean? And you look at the cover. It's like, okay, that's that's a cool cover. It's Phil Noto art. What does that mean? Once you figure out like what that means in the story, it's kind of like, holy crap, what what the heck is going on? And uh, I th- I got I was excited to read this book when I heard about it after seeing like the last couple pages i'm like super duper excited now to to read the rest then there was a wolverine patch issue three i even though it's a larry hama i i just i don't know maybe just the whole patch identity wolverine being on madripoor it didn't kind of like totally flow for me so like the first issue uh it didn't really vibe that that much with me so i didn't i didn't i I think i just like skimmed through the second issue didn't even bother with the third then there's the excellent issue four this this book i so it's mike allred art laura allred color so of course i'm gonna i'm i love it because of that um peter milligan's you know he he wrote ecstatics before with mike allred you know and all all that it's it's just things are kind of dark uh, what's it's just this book is just so amazing because it is not an X-Men book it, it, it's so different it's it's kind of like in reality sort well not really reality but it's it's like it almost doesn't even feel like it's in a Marvel universe because it's just things some things are just really intense and I, I like the aspect of like the heroes being celebrities and worrying about like PR and followers and, you know, trying to have this public, you know, persona and everything like that. And trying to, because, you know, you, you have the, the what's the, the guy's name? Zeitgeist. He was the, the leader of when they were X-Force and then before it was ecstatics or whatever. And now it's like, he's basically a villain and it's like what how does that happen and you know he's got his team and there's just uh things are just kind of so messy and everything and it's just it's so fascinating x-force issue 29 so we got this what cerebrex or whatever this mutant or this sentient cerebro that's taking things over and gobbling up mutants and trying to steal their powers and um quentin choir it's he's a target uh, maybe for his psychic ability and uh, something happens to Quentin. That's all I'll say. So it's just like, uh oh. 
And then whew, the last book, I'm trying to trying, trying to keep the the news and the and the comics to under an hour, and I think I'm going to do it. X Men Red. I'm I, I'm not a huge fan of a Acrylo. I, I still I haven't bothered to learn what the heck they they called um, Mars the, since they re, redone it. Um, but I'm kind of um, Iraqi, right? No, that's the other mutants. Anyways. Um, I'm kind of growing uh, on this book more and more. You know, I'm not a big Sunspot fan. I do not like Vulcan, which he, I don't think he was in this issue. And, um, but we, you know, we, we have some, I don't know. I think there's any Shi'ar stuff in this issue, but we have Storm. She was kind of in this issue. She was a little busy. Magneto. I really like Magneto, especially after what happened last issue, what Magneto did. That really like in, impressed me. And it's just interesting to see like what they're doing. And um, Magneto and Storm, so they're like on this inner circle on the Mars planet. And the whole thing comes up about being able to resurrect yourself and, and, and that. And so Magneto makes this pretty uh, pretty drastic statement about that that whole thing, which is like, holy crap, that's a, that's a pretty strong stance. And, you know, what does that mean? So, um, yeah, so big, big, crazy things are are happening there. So I'm, I'm digging into this book uh, more and more. Cause at first I was just like, Oh, we got another X-Men books. Like do, do we really need that? But, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging that. So, so yeah, that's uh, X-Men for this week. That is also Marvel for this week. And that is also comic books for this week. All right. With Superman and Lois season two, episode 15 waiting for Superman. This is the season finale. So things have been not going too well. Superman's depowered the Earth and Bizarro world are going to be merged together. And it's going to wipe out all... I guess it's going to basically wipe out everyone, right? And then it merges them and it creates a new person. So it's interesting because all the people in the Bizarro world that are following Allie Alston... That, you know, her followers are like, yeah, let's do this because I guess it's, it's going to make them whole. So even though they're going to be losing a sense of who they are and and then I guess you have to hope that the other half of you that's on the other earth is not like a complete scumbag. Anyways, it starts off. Chrissy Beppo is telling the people that the merging is real. So she's got like approval from the, the DOD to make this announcement or whatever, or this video that she's doing. So she's like, Allie Allison's behind it. If she's successful, there'll be, everyone will be forced to merge with their other cells, turning us into, and she's like, I don't know what she's like for the first time in 20 years, we can't wait for Superman to save us. Our world's hero is powerless. And she urges everyone to stay at home, be with your loved ones, pray for a miracle. And then she calls Lois, and but she keeps getting an answering machine. Alana is still trying to call Kyle because Kyle just disappeared, and she's just getting his answering machine. Sarah asks Sophie, she's like, "Did Dad say where he was going?" And Sophie's like, "Sophie's like a little robot." She's like, "He was here, and then he just was gone." <laughs> Alana's like, "Well, he was talking to Tamara at at the the firehouse, and she's like, it must have been some emergency that he had to rush, rush off to." So she's like, okay, why don't we go out and go look for him? And Sarah's like, didn't you just tell everyone to stay home with the ones that you loved? And she's like, yeah, and that's why we're going to go look for him. Jonathan and Jordan wonder how they can get back to their Earth. So what I didn't realize last episode when their kitchen was like flickering back and forth, I thought 
the Bizarro Kent Farm kitchen flipped over to their kitchen, but they actually went over there. So they're on the other, all of them are, are there. And so, so Nat, Lois, and Clark, they're there also. And Jonathan's like, he asks if, he asks his dad, he's like, if all your time is Superman, have you ever experienced something like this? You know, the world changing? And he's like, nothing like this. Lois is like, well, what matters that we're all together? Then Clark notices a little picture like above the sink or something like that. He's like, hey, that's from our kitchen. He's like, a lot of this stuff is too. There's like a picture of, I think the boys or someone in a frame. I'm assuming like they're iron. <laughs> Why it's sitting right there. There's some fruit, whatever. And that's like, oh, my tablet's here too. So she's going to try to connect with her dad who's still out floating in the void between the two earths or whatever. Lois says that it seems random how something's blipped over. She said blipped. So it's like, is this like Thanos blip? It's random how some things blipped over and, and other things stayed exactly where they were. Clark thinks that it'll keep happening until the worlds become one. And Lois is like, and then what? You know, will we become all become monsters like Allie? Will it be a world full of parasites? And Clark's like, you know, we're not going to let that happen. And she's like, you're right. We just need to figure out how. So Nat's out on the porch. She, she, nothing. She can't get any signal. <laughs> it's it's got to be a strong, strong signal, strong reception, or whatever. And uh, so she's she's like getting frustrated. Uh, she's like, it should work. Whatever, it should be able to connect. And she mentions the the boys come out. She mentions that when her mom died, you know, she was reporting on the news and everything. She didn't get a chance to say goodbye, tell her how much she loved her. She's like, now it's gonna be the same thing with my dad. Then John Henry starts talking through the tablet. That and you need so it's like very choppy. They so they they, they go inside. They tell uh, Lois Clark John Henry's still alive. Uh, they think that he's still in the void between worlds, and they're like, well, what about Allie? And that's like it's hard to say because he kept breaking up. All she can make out was that he needs her escape pod. And Clark's like, well, then we need to figure out a way to get it to him. And then they're like, well, let's let's. Are you here or off to the side? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So it's Talro. He said that he's just as surprised. Uh, Morgan Edge, Superman's half brother, whatever. So he says he's just as surprised to be transported as as they all were. And there's like more some like static flickering, whatever. Then they're suddenly back on their Earth. But where's Lois? Where's Mom? So Lois calls out to them. She gets left behind in Bizarro World. And then walking up the driveway is Sam, her dad. So he said he was driving over, and then he ended up there. So I wonder if he was like driving, then all of a sudden the car just disappears and he just, did he just like tumble out? I mean, that, that could hurt. <laughs> so she says that they need to figure out a way back. She can't just ab- abandon her, you know, her family where he's like, Oh, you haven't, you know, you haven't abandoned them. And he says that everyone can't have been brainwashed there. And Lois mentions that Clark said something about the other Chrissy Beppo. So he's like, okay, let's go, go find her. Clark tells the boys that mom must still be over in the other earth. Then Jordan hears someone coming they open the door and it's Lois, but it's the other Lois because she asks what's happening, but it's backwards. And I'm not going to try to say that backwards. And I'll, I'll be honest, like the whole thing is like, why bring the other Lois there? I mean, I guess they flip, they switch positions maybe, but the other Lois doesn't like, there's like no, no point in her being there. She's just like kind of hanging around. I mean, a lot of times like, is she going to do something? Is she like, are you going to trick them? I, I don't know. So Nat goes outside and the boy's like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to go get my suit. And they're like, right now, our bizarro mom just magically appeared. And she's, Nat says, that means that, you know, she's running out of time. So she's going to try to save her dad herself. Well, they're like, well, we want to go too. And she points out, she tells Jonathan, it's like, you don't have any powers. 
and you know Jordan doesn't have a, a suit, so she's like, "It's my turn to step up because you know you guys did this before, did what blah blah blah." Besides, they need to stay with with their family. And Jonathan's like, "Well, you're our family too," and then she hugs them both. She's like, "Thanks, I really liked having brothers." And she said, "Past tense." She's like, "Tell your dad I said goodbye." Uh oh, foreshadowing, right? Sarah tries calling her dad. You know, she the car's parked. Uh, she's like outside the car. Sophie's in the backseat of the truck and she yells out the window, Sarah, that person on the radio is scaring me. And it's like, what the heck is your problem, little girl? And Sarah's like, okay. It's like, I'll turn it off in a second. She's like trying to leave a message for her dad. She's trying to get a hold. So like, why does this whiny little kid just reach over and turn off the radio or whatever? It's the same thing. Mom, the scary lady on TV scaring me. So... Lana comes out of diner. They haven't seen him since the town hall meeting. More flickering, whatever. This minivan comes speeding up and like almost hits them and is like kind of crashes, whatever, to, into this other car. Sarah runs up to see if they're okay, but there's no inside. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? And Lana's like, just relax. Clark and, and Tal talk. Clark's like, you know, how are we going to stop Allie? And he, he's like, we aren't. I am. Clark reminds Tal that Allie drained all of his energy. So he doesn't think that Tal alone is going to be enough. Tal says, like, well, perhaps. He's like, but whatever choice do we have? He's like, for years, he's watched Clark, he's, or Cal, do things that no other hero is capable of. It's inspired. Speaking of other heroes, are there any, any other heroes in this world? Or is it just Superman? Because, you know, we had John Diggle on the show before. But what the heck? So he says that, you know, you see him do other things that inspired him to have a go himself. And Clark's like, hmm. He's like... You know, this time last year, you're trying to destroy the world, and now you're fighting for it. It's like, but it wasn't a full year ago, because it may be for us, but not in terms of the show. It's like, whatever. Tal says that, you know, he's not fighting for the world, Cal. I'm fighting for you. He's like, you and your family are the only thing in this planet that truly matters to me. They hug. There's a lot of hugging in this episode. Then he's like, see you soon, brother, and Kryptonian takes off. Allie's out in space. Tal zaps her with his heat vision and it hurts her. She like screams out, but then she recovers right away, immediately starts draining him. And he's like, like groaning and, and screaming. So it's like, um, okay, that didn't work. That wasn't a good idea. Jordan and John, Jonathan, Jordan and Jonathan, that didn't sound right. Jordan and Jonathan run out of house. Jordan's like, oh, I hear him screaming. So Jonathan says that Allie's going to kill him. Jordan says, well, not if I help. Clark looks at him in the eye. He's like, Okay, you you go there and help him, and you get out. You understand? So Jordan flies up, goes out in space, rams into her, and then she goes flying back. So Tal, he's been depowered. How much? Who knows? He's falling, everything. So Jordan has to fly down. He's got this flying down pretty well. He's like flying out in space now. He flies down, catches Tal, and then they, they, it's not a bad landing. And he's like, you saved my life, nephew. I'm forever in your debt. So Tal says he was foolish to face Allie. Nothing can defeat what she's become. Clark says, uh, he's like, you're wrong. He's like, there's still one person who can stop her. Who might that be? And Clark's like, me. The boy's like, oh, you don't have any powers. And, you're, you're not, and you know, he's not absor- absorbing the sun fast enough. He's like, well, then I'm going to have to you know, jumpstart things. He's like, take me to the sun. You know, it worked for Tal. And Tal's like, yeah, that's because I was the eradicator. He's like, and it still took weeks of me floating around. And Clark's like, well, that's why you're going to throw me into the sun. He's like, I know it sounds crazy, but when I was at the fortress, I'm pretty sure that's what my mom was trying to tell me. I did not get that from that cutoff message that she said. And Tal's like, it could kill you. And that's what she, exactly what mom said. 
He's and he's like, or if it doesn't, Allie will. And Clark's like, well, I have to try. That's why I was sent here to be Superman. <laughs> and the boys like, oh, they wish there was something they can do. Clark says, there is. Don't lose hope. Hug. <laughs> he's like, I love you guys more than anything. There's only one thing that I need. And Intel zips in and out, gets his costume. He tells the boys not to lose hope. And Bizarro Lois is just standing there on the porch watching. <laughs> it's like, that's creepy. Hetty, the AI, the computer AI for, for Nat. I don't know if it's Nat. I don't know if it's the same as Nat, whatever. Their, their computer AI is telling Nat that the odds of this working basically aren't good. And Nat's like, well, I'm doing this and you need to get on board. So I need you to sign into you know to the escape pod to control that and uh, use the pod, follow her into the mines. They'll fly into the portal through the space in between um, the worlds and then they'll arrive back into the void. And Hetty asks, what happens when they reach your destination? And she's like, we'll find my dad. Okay, so what I'm a little confused with, you know, she's talking about flying into the portal to reach her dad. But isn't her dad kind of like next to Allie? And didn't Tal Rowe and Jordan just fly up from Earth and knocked her back a little bit and had this little skirmish with her? So I don't know. Maybe she's right there because she's like almost because they're almost merging so maybe john henry is still in between because he's not right there because it's not like it's not like she's pulling bizarro world from like you know the other side of saturn or something like that you know it's not in our solar it's not in our dimension she's pulling it from another dimension i guess so i yeah something like that i guess i'm assuming that's what it is lana and the girls go to the firehouse they say Kyle never showed up. Same thing with Mitch and Fuller. Then Sarah tells uh, Sophie, you know, she's like, oh, "Don't don't worry, we'll find him." And Tara's like, "Yeah, you know, sorry, but for, you know, sorry to get you know not to keep your kids in, in high spirits. I'm gonna scare her because she's like, according to what the news is saying, that he's probably on the other world." It's like, okay, that that's a great thing to say to a kid. They turn to leave, then tomorrow calls out. She's like, you know, I hate to ask, but with you being mayor and all, what do you want us to do? And Lana's like, you know, you've done everything you can. Right now, the most important thing is that you go and be with your families. Lois and Sam drive <laughs> into I was about to make a commentary from this scene, but I guess I just I won't go there. Lois and Sam arrive in town. A bunch of people are standing around. They're just standing in the street with their arms out. So they're Allie's followers just waiting uh, to be called up and merge, whatever. Sam just calls them a bunch of wackadoodles. Lois says that you know they're waiting to merge, thinking that she's won. So they go into the Gazette, and Chrissy yells out, C.O. And Lois backwards, whatever. And Lois like, no, it's the other me. So Chrissy gets like a recorder or something out of her desk. She says something, records it, and I guess plays it backwards. And she's like, now can you understand me? Which is like weird because I don't think it was like a regular recorder because it, it almost sounded like it didn't sound like her voice. It was more like a robot voice doing it backwards. I have no idea why she would have this if it's not a regular recorder. So then Lois asks if it'll work for her. And Chrissy's like, yeah, it should work both ways. Then Sam disappears. And then Chrissy kind of freaks out. And, you know, she's scared. You know, she's like, I don't want to. And then she disappears. She drop, drops the recorder. Psh, it breaks. In. I don't know if it, it broke into two pieces. Maybe just a battery cover fell off or maybe just broke in half. <laughs> so Lois is alone again. This, and this plane flies overhead and like smashes into the building across the street. A little like, you know, small plane. And then uh, someone calls out to her and it's Kyle. Hug. <laughs> John Henry is recording a message for Nat. 
He's saying how being her dad has meant everything. He wouldn't change his thing if it meant not being her dad. And then you hear, don't say goodbye just yet. So it surprises him. He's like, you came. And he's like, how much X kryptonite did you bring? Is like in the pot. And she's like, what? She's like, so we can, you know, pull up the portals. She's like, I didn't get that part of the message. I thought the pod was to bring you back. And he's like, no, it was to bring the XK so we could explode it inside the portals. It's the only way that they can stop them from merging, which I still understand this logic when Allie's like right there doing it. But then uh, Nat's like, okay, well, I'll go back. John Henry says, he's like, your defense shields are too banged up. He's like, you won't be able to return. She's like, well, I'm sorry. Hug. And she's like, I just wanted to save you. And, and he's like, you you did. And he's like, just, you know, being with you, it's all I ever wanted. They're approaching the sun, Talro and, and, and Superman, Clark, Kalo, whatever. So he's somehow they can breathe and talk out in space. And, and Clark has no powers, but he's he's able to handle all this somehow. OK. And he's like, are you Tal's like, are you sure this is going to work? And, and Clark's like, I've never been so unsure of anything in my entire life, but I have to believe that it will. Tal's like, well, we should say our final farewell because I don't think it's going to work. We didn't say that. Bless her. He's like, I just want to want you to know. And then Clark puts his hand on his shoulder. I love you too. Tal flies him towards the sun. Let's go. Good luck, brother. The earth is lucky to have you. Was lucky to have you? Nat suggests transferring power of their suits to the pod. If they don't act now, billions of people will die. Billions of dads, billions of daughters. So they transfer their power to the pod. So I don't know if the pod's going to go back and somehow get the XK on its own. It's like, does it have the capabilities to do that? Because it's just a pod. It's not like it has hands to gather, pick out through the rock and rubble. I don't know. So with uh, Lois and Kyle, he's like, oh, it's karma. It's like, it's, it's my fault that I, that I can't see them. He's like, I deserve this. And he starts like breaking down. And Lois is like, no one ever deserves to be alone. And neither do you. And then shoom, he disappears. But then Lois is alone with all the people. And it, it, so he's he's gone. And, uh, you know, she looks up. You can see like the earth in the sky. So Kyle looks up. Lots of Allie's followers are, are confused. So they all teleport. They blipped over too, like uh, the people standing in the streets. Then he starts calling out to his family. They make eye contact. They run to each other. Big hug. Sam drives up to the farm. The boy's like, mom is gone. And he, he's like, well, I was just with her on the other earth. He's like, she'll return. They tell him that Talro took their dad to the freaking sun. And the boys start arguing. He's probably going to die. He's not going to die. He doesn't have any powers. It's literally dead. Then Bizarro Lois, she's still standing on the porch, like doing nothing. Uh, Sam yells, he, you know, to the boys, he's like, I've seen, you know, lots of things and, you know, things from other worlds and, you know, being with the, the DOD, he's like, don't give up hope yet. He's like, I haven't, your mother hasn't, and I guarantee your father hasn't. Superman's in the sun screaming. He's like thinking, you know, back to his family, his skin's like burning and everything like that. He's like, Rah! he's burning up. He's dead. End of the episode. No, then he's, his skin starts getting better. So uh, I guess it's it's working. Maybe it's the thinking of the family that's getting making him better, right? Then Hetty says the energy transfer complete. So she's uh, starts saying that the remaining them remaining there with no power, you know, like the odds. John Henry's like we know. So they hold hands as the pod leaves. The pod flies. Oh, so I guess this is what happened. Okay, this makes sense. I for, forgot about this. So the pod flies between the worlds, and then. Nat's like, Dad, 
and he's like, don't talk, save your oxygen. Boom, the pot explodes. And then he's like, it worked because the earths are now going in opposite directions. See, this is where I'm confused. Is it, this had nothing to do with the portal unless there was a, the entrance to the portal was the entrance to earth, the portal wasn't between the earths because he had to fly up to Allie where she's standing between the worlds or whatever. I don't know, but they're, they're still um, floating out there with no power now. So Allie powers down. She yells, you have disrupted me for the last time. So she's, she sees them off in the distance. She flies towards them and uh, she's going to like demolish them. Cause they're just like two tin cans now or whatever aluminum cans superman in the sun he hears her zoom flies out john henry tells nat he said close your eyes and listen to my voice and she's like no she's like i've always been so proud to be your daughter ever since i was a little girl you were my hero he's like you've always been my hero she's like i love you dad i always will and ally's flying towards them she's gonna cream him smash right into him (laughs) and then john pushes nat out of the way to like block her so he takes the blast but then they disappear and Allie's like, no! And then, for some reason, a submarine lands on, on the Kent, like, by the, in the field, by the Kent farm. Where does submarine come from? It's not like it would come from the other world. There'd be a submarine in that spot. Because it seems like things are, are moving, like, the same geographic location, just to the other world. So, submarine lands, and Sam's like, we have to take cover or whatever. And then the irons, John, Henry, and Nat, they arrived, choom! And then his flash goes by overhead. And Jordan's like, it's dead. So Superman grabbed them, took them to Earth. And it's like no one gets whiplash or anything like that, you would think. Or flight sickness. Lois sees... Uh, so then he so he flies over to farm. And I guess he flies... He must... I don't know how Lois sees him. Because does he fly over Bizarro World, Smallville then? Because she's like, uh, it's Clark and then then he flies over regular smallville main street street because then lana's like it's superman it was was a very cheesy moment so he's like glowing with power so his suits like almost lighting up like the seams are almost lit up like kind of like a tron suit but red or or maybe even like like the flash suit somehow does that so uh he he and ally fly towards each other and then she tries zapping him and he like grabs her wrist and she's like trying to drain his power and he's like take some more and he like grabs her you know he's holding her wrist he puts her hand on his chest and she starts screaming and then he reaches back shoves her like in the the chest or stomach whatever and then the the blow whatever split her in half or split her in two there's two alleys the two alleys somehow that blow he he knocked her so he shoved her so hard he's unmerged her with the other alley somehow no idea how how that happened so they're just like falling back to the earth now. And then he drops them off to the iron. So the irons are each, each have a hole of an alley. And he's like, you know, make sure you know, to keep them apart. Superman fly, starts flying around bizarre world, like spinning it, whatever. And then he flies down to the, to the down to the mines. He, uh, he lands hard landing. Oh, yellow lightning. And then I don't know if the Bizarro will get destroyed. What the heck happened? Did he shove it back into his own dimension? It's, it's like it's not even clear at, at this point what, what's going on. Superman lands in Smallville. Everyone claps, and Lois is like Superman, and then they just like look at each other across this like down the street. Then you see like a field, just fireworks. Oh, look at these fireworks! It makes the Superman emblem. 
I guess they could probably do that. Maybe if they can make like Mickey Mouse fireworks. I don't. I've never seen like a Superman emblem fireworks. So now they're having a celebration, Miracle Monday. You see, kids are dressed like in Superman outfits with capes. Some people are dressed as the Irons. Let's not forget about them. You know, some kids have like you know cardboard hammers or whatever. Lana's talking to the crowd, whatever. And thanks to Superman, what about the Irons? <laughs> they Superman flies overhead, and then Clark comes you know around the pack he congratulates lana on her speech and being exactly the leader that she always wanted the town to have and she's like thank you that means a lot coming from you and he's like you know i wish i would have been here to vote for you to help with the campaign to be here when things were hard and she's like you were busy she and she whispers and as a trade-off you did save the world and she's like it would have been kind of rough dealing with armageddon my, my first week as mayor so let's call it even he's like that's fair then he's like, I hope we can just find a way to. And she's like, Clark, after you told me everything, I just needed space. I guess part of me thought that I could protect my girls from all this craziness, which was naive. But even if Sarah didn't know, it would be tough getting through this life without you in it. So then he's like, same. <laughs> she had cores her out out. And he's just like, ditto. <laughs> so he's like, from, from now on, I'll be completely honest. And she says, it's like, yeah, that scares me. <laughs> Whatever. Cause she's, you know, not ready for it. I still, I still don't understand this. It's like, okay, this is my big secret. I'm a friggin' alien from another planet, but I didn't tell you that it's, it would just be like, what's, what's a, I don't even know what would be like, what if I had a six toe on my right foot or something like that? And I never told anyone, am I keeping a, it'd be kind of weird when someone finally, I've known you for 20 years and you're just, I just find out now you have a six Lois is writing an article, and Christy's like, oh, are you done? She's like, I want to publish it before something, 8 o'clock, or I, forget, I couldn't hear what she said. Then Lois like, it's ready, but there's something I want to say first. And she's Christy's like, is it about Clark? And she's like, yeah. Christy's like, I checked him, but it looks like he only really worked at the Daily Planet. You know, she's like talking about his, like, his uh, writing ability, I guess. Lois interrupts her. She's like, just listen to me. Clark is... And then it just like leaves you hanging for a bit. It's like, is she is she gonna tell him or is she gonna say something else? She's like, Clark is Superman. And Chrissy looks at her. She's like, Yeah, your husband, Clark Kent. He he's Superman. And Lois just nods. And Chrissy's like, and you're not kidding. And then Lois shakes her head. And she's like, What? Wow. I'm sorry. I'm kind of overwhelmed. And Lois is like, I know it's a lot. She's like, I had been dating him for months before I found out. And then Chrissy's like, D -d do other people know? And Lois is like, outside my family, less than a handful. Then she's like, then what? You know, why tell me? And Lois is like, because you're my partner and you're my friend, and I'm getting tired of hiding the truth from you. You deserve better. Chrissy starts getting giddy now. She's like, this is the biggest secret everyone's ever told me. I mean, it's pretty much the biggest secret in the entire world. I'm getting kind of emotional. And Lois hugs her. And then she's like, oh, my God, do I have to, like, swear an oath of secrecy or something? And Lois is like, just not telling anybody would be great. But here's the other thing. I'm pretty sure Lucy doesn't know. I don't think Lucy knows. And here, you know, Chrissy's getting all high and mighty about her keeping secrets and stuff like that. Like, she was mad. Oh, my sister almost killed herself when she joined a cult. But I didn't tell you that. So I'm keeping secrecy because... I don't understand this this logic sometimes. 
So the, the town is still celebrating. We see Jonathan walking with his girlfriend, and then Jordan's like sitting uh, like by his table talking to Sarah. He's like, you know, I, I never wanted to lie to you. And she's like, all this stuff that I've learned about you and your dad. It's like, I mean, looking back, it makes so much sense. It's the biggest secret in the world, and you know, you have to really trust somebody. So like, she did figure out, you know, put it together that Clark is Superman, and he's like, I do trust you. And she's like, I know, and. I never said sorry for betraying that trust when I kissed Aubrey, that the girl at summer camp. He's like, oh, we've been over that already. She's like, yeah, but I never said sorry. She's like, I never thought about all the stuff that you were going through or what you needed. He goes on about how he's not good at opening up about how he feels. He wants to, you know, he wants to be, but he's not. He's going to try to be better with it. And she's like, well, maybe that's it. You know, maybe we, we just, you know, try to talk to each other about how we feel. He's like, yeah, okay. Miracle Monday continues into the night. Nat and John Henry are, are talking. Lois sees them and Clark comes up and he's like, are you okay? And she's like, with you around? Always. So they start doing a little dance. Chrissy's like watching him and then he's like, she's been looking at me like that all day. And Lois is like, yeah, we're going to have to work on that. Because she's like looking at him. And then when Clark sees her looking and she kind of like looks away or whatever. Kyle comes up to Lana. He's like, oh, I was wondering if you'd like to dance. And she just kind of thinks about it. She's like, I know that you're trying and that you want to fix things, but I'm not there. She's like, I'm not over what happened. And I don't know if I will be. He's like, yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. He's like, I'm so, so sorry. And he's like, you know, you and the girls are everything to me. And she's like, somehow that makes it worse. You know, cause he still put everything on the line here. And, you know, she's like, no matter what happens, if we're married or not, it's like, you're always going to be in my life. But this us, it'll never be like it was. And I, I don't think it's fair to either of us if you think it will. He's like, um, how about our last dance then? So then they dance. Uh, Clark, you know, he, him and Lois are still still dancing. He looks over and Lois is like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, I just wish everyone could be as happy as I am right now. And she's like, you you never stop trying to help people, do you? And he then she's like, I love you, Superman. At the DOD, I don't know when the next day or what, Lois goes in, enters a cell. The two alleys are in the same cell, side by side. So the bizarre one wants to know what she wants. And Lois is like, you know, now that neither of you have power, I guess I wanted to know if there was ever actually a moment when you felt complete. So regular Allie says that there was a moment just after they started to merge where she felt, and in bizarro, Allie says, joy. Lois is like, that's not the same thing. Regular Allie says, no, it's not. It quickly turned into something else, something, and the other one says, darker. Lois says that she became a parasite, but if that's not what she wanted, why didn't she stop? You know, why try and force that on the rest of the world? And Allie says, because they couldn't survive that way. They need others. They can't be alone. And Lois is like, well, guess you, now you won't have to be. And she leaves and they just like stand there and they like hold hands. So it's like, okay, as your punishment, you get to stay. I would think it would be more of a punishment to separate them, but they get to stay in the same exact cell. There, it's like this yellow light cell. So I don't know if somehow, I don't know if they're both regular, if they have any power ability or if that's dampering any, I don't know. Clark and the boys exit the house and there's a couple of trucks outside and some dudes and um, they're like, what's this about? And they're like, does Jordan and Jonathan Kent live here? 
And so it turns out the trucks are for them. They're like, no way. Whatever. And Clark's like, uh, no. He's like, then he asks one guy who has a clipboard. He's like, does that say who they're from? And he's like, oh, uh, just says it's from Uncle Tal. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're excited. Like Jonathan goes in and Clark's like, Jonathan, Jonathan. He's like, oh, no, it, it's all right. I'll write him a thank you note. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, that's not what I meant. And Jordan's like, well, I did save his life. And Jonathan's like, he says, Jordan, you need to see the sound system in here. I think he said it's something like holographic display or something. And Jordan says, maybe it's his way of apologizing. And Clark says loudly, yeah, his very misguided and irresponsible way, Tal. You know, because he's assuming he can hear him from somewhere. Jordan is like, where do you think you went anyways? Then, so we find out Bizarro World does is still there. <laughs> it didn't blow up like I, I thought at first. Tal goes into like that backwards, whatever, that little pub. And he's like, hello, weird Smallville. He must be talking backwards. He's like, I traverse world so that I might join your ranks. And to celebrate, drinks are on me. And people cheer. The part tender is like, oh, I'm surprised you come back here after what you and your wife did. He's like, yeah. And I, I think he's like, what was her name again? So the other, actually, no, the other Lana is probably still on, on the regular Earth because they captured her and Jonathan, right? So we haven't seen them. Um, at the diner, John. this is like the longest episode, right? John Henry is sitting at a booth. Then John Diggle comes up. Speaking of John Diggle, I mentioned earlier, he's he's here again. He's got a full-on beard now. He didn't have a beard two weeks ago or what? last you know, on, on The Flash. I don't think he did. He's like, oh, we met a year ago. And John Henry says, yeah, yeah, you're from Argus. And he's like, can I sit? And so he wants to talk to him. He's like, uh, he mentions Bruno Mannheim, which uh, if you've read the comics, you know who that is. He's like, does that name ring any bells? And John Henry's like, nope. Diggle slides over a confidential file. He's like, he's the head of Intergang, money laundering, weapons, human human trafficking. The dude has his hand in pretty much all the wrong pies. And, you know, John Henry's looking. He's like, yeah, I can see that. He's like, what has this got to do with me? And Diggle's like, with you, nothing. But from what I can tell, on this planet, Bruno Mannheim is a person who killed John Henry Irons. What I'm trying to figure out is why cliffhanger there sam and lucy are leaving lois like call me when you get there and lucy's like it's not like i'm going to the other side of the world hug lucy's like thank you for everything that's what sisters are for we'll talk soon jordan's like oh it'll be nice having lucy in metropolis we could take the trucks and go up and visit her clark's like uh yeah i think we'll work up to that lois asks uh she's like what's this big trip you have planned for us anyways so then they're on a boat in the middle of nowhere, and it's kind of cold. And Lois is like, I thought when you say like ocean adventure, there'd be like, you know, palm trees and drinks. And and Jordan's like, or is it Jonathan? I think someone asked if he's going to build another fortress because uh, someone was seasick. Now I forget which one, if it was Jordan that was seasick or Jonathan. I thought it was Jordan. He's like, no, I'm not, or something like that. So he's like, are you going to build another fortress? And Clark's like, yep. He's like, except this time it's for all of us. It's a place where we can all find some solitude. And Jonathan's like, yeah, probably more for the ones that can fly, though. And he's like, no, we're doing this as a family. And so, you know, my mom, she's been wanting to meet you. She has some pretty cool Kryptonian technology you might be interested in. <laughs> it's like, okay. So he has a crystal, tosses it into water. Nothing happens. And Jordan's like, uh, do, do you think the crystal might have expired or something? And then... <laughs> Big crystal, you know, spears, whatever, start busting out of the water or whatever like that. And they're like, oh, ah. And Clark's like, oh, it's just the beginning. And that's the end of the episode. I'm assuming there's a third season. 
I hope so because uh, it's it's been a good good show. So the whole Allie Olsen is the the main baddie. <laughs> okay, but uh, it, it, it was interesting. I loved when he had Bizarro Superman, and then they just kind of took it further. So it was it was an interesting show. You know, we we've seen you know, Jordan's powers develop. I'm not super crazy about that. Uh, the secret is out. Lana finally knows, so it'll be interesting to see like Lana and. Sarah keeping the secret, not telling Kyle or Sophie, and and so forth. So, well, hopefully, the show will be back at sooner rather than later. With the Flash season finale, season eight, episode twenty, negative part two, it it just starts up right away because a lot of times you know you get a recap. It's a part two. It just picks right right up. Mina's screaming. Um, Tom Cavanaugh reverse Flash is back. Barry's like, "You were dead. I saw your body." And then, yet here I am, Flash. How is that possible? He's like, the negative forces brought me back. Because <laughs> like, Reverse Flash whispers everything. He So they were weak with one of the forces being down. He's like, didn't I tell you? Finding ways to kill you is my life's work. Here's what's really funny. Killing your mother led to the birth of the Flash. And so killing Iris led to the rebirth of me and he's like doing like kind of weird like rebirth me like weird hand gestures so i guess you could say your mother and iris were good for something barry then because you know he's so he has his, his mask off so we can see grant gustin's face he turns into like emperor Pal- palpatine he's, he starts like blasting him right there on the spot with with speed lightning uh normally he's got to like run like like 10 blocks and then come speeding back and then release it he's just like slams a reverse flash against the van mina's just watching she's in shock nor and bart arrive somehow for the future so iris is dead but they're still alive so they arrive for the future and and then they're like dad he's not worth it he killed your mom nor is like dad if you do this you'll be just as bad as him and then he lets go and then what's the matter flesh you can't finish the job you better finish the job so it's like such eloquent dialogue and it's like wow and so he's like he basically says if he doesn't finish the job then they're next the kids barry raises his charged hand and Nora's like he even if he did kill mom in 2022 we're still here we're still alive and bart's like since we're still in the timeline mom isn't dead you know she's not hasn't been killed yet and reverse flash just smiles and then push he disappears in a particle somehow it's like what at fast track labs barry talks to mina in the other room nosy cecile she's always reading people's vibes or whatever they're both hurting oh really bad it's like oh really so mina just lost the dude she's in love with barry just lost his lightning rod and and she's her powers are amazing so legger's like what do we do now and cecile's like we find iris and we bring her home and chester says uh well we could have to find a way to bring down the negative forces because uh if, if they want a rematch you know we won't be ready Nora's like i don't think that they will they got what they wanted it's you know the the last thon in existence. Bart wonders like why would they want him? What would they want him for anyways? And Barry he comes out. He's like, there's only one way to find out. I have to find a way into the negative speed force. And it's like silent. Bart finally says, uh, Dad, no offense, that's insane. I don't have a choice. As long as Don is out there, everyone's in danger. And Chester already ran a satellite search. He's like, Don's nowhere on the planet. Okay. I know I talk about this all the time. How many friggin' satellites do they have? 
was like, how did they afford, how did Star Labs make money in the first place? What did they do? There was one point where they actually had like tours and stuff like that that they kind of had to run. But it's like, how do they maintain these set and these satellites? You know how how do can they detect a speedster over the entire planet? Because again, is it just one satellite or is it many? Because if you're going to scan the entire planet, even if you had 18 satellites, it's not going to. I mean, well, maybe it can cover the entire Earth, but you got a speedster. He's zooming all over the place. Oh, there's a satellite. But it, it's able. Their satellites are able to detect a speedster over the entire planet, every square inch of the planet at the same time. And so then Barry's like, yeah, the only place left to hide is a negative speed force. Cecile's like, I can feel uh, all the anger in you. It's like, I know you've been to hell and back today, but you need, uh, you know, we really need to think our next move. Barry yells, he killed Iris. And Norris like, like flinches a little bit. And Cecile's like, Barry, it's like, how can you possibly be so sure? Because I am. (laughs) Because I said so. And Nora's like, guys, we need to talk to our dad. So they like leave the room. Nora says that, you know, assuming they can find a way into the negative speed force, she's like, let us handle this. And she's like, we'll make sure Thon gets back to Iron Heights. She's like, we promise. And Barry Coley says, you weren't there. You didn't see what I saw. It's like, yeah, you didn't see me throw a bolt of lightning and hit your mom, who's just suddenly appeared because I w- w- fell right into it, the, the t- t- trap. So... That's the whole thing. It's like Thon didn't kill her; he did, and it was the negative Dion who teleported, or whatever. But he's saying that that Thon did it. Uh, it's like no, he did it. <laughs> so he's uh, whatever. He's like Iris died in my arms, uh, you know, before her body disappeared. <laughs> he's like maybe she's already erased from the timeline. It just hasn't caught up to us yet. Bart's like you still want to kill him, don't you? And then. Ah oh, man, we see Iris. She, she's not dead. She appears, and she's like in this bright bar. It's like super brightly lit. It's like blue, a lot of blue and white, you know, light in there. And then you hear, hello, Iris. It's Damien Dark. And she's like, if you're here, does that mean I'm dead too? He's like, no, it doesn't. What happened to you is far more interesting than that. We have a lot to discuss. I, I, I love Damien Dark. <laughs> the actor not the, the the character whatever but like the, the dude I, what's his name i i knew if i see his name i would know it because when i saw it in the credits i was like oh damien's in this episode whatever i'm not gonna look him up but I, I like the actor he cracks me up barry um tells the others he's like i need to end this and cecile's like that sounds dangerous and bart's like because it is allegra's like fine how exactly do you get into the negative speed force? He's like, the first time I went into the speed force, Harry, Harry hit me with a concentrated blast of dark matter and lightning that generated a tachyon reaction. It's all easy peasy science, right? And then Chester, oh, I can rig the tachyon harness to do the same. Of course he can. But if he's trying to get into a negative space, he's going to need a negative lightning. Mina finally speaks after just being silent. She's like, like me. And Cecile's like, uh, she's like, I don't know if that's a very good idea right now, probably because she's so upset and everything. Mina's like, well, I'm the key. So they all start getting things ready. Then Cecile asks Barry, is like, do you mind telling me how you're going to deal with all that anger? She's like, I can feel it pouring off you. She's like, what are you planning? Then she's like, oh my God, you want revenge. And she's, Asks, it's like, why, you know, Bart and Nora said Iris are still alive. 
and I know she's not. <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh. Then someone whispers, Cecile, Cecile. And she's like, huh? And uh, she's picking up a sense of desperation. You need to find us. Turns out it's Bashir. So he says that she's the only one who can help them. And she's like, what happened? So where are the other forces? He like grits his teeth and he disappears. So she tells Barry, so this is like positive speed, spot, positive Bashir, whatever force he is. So she tells Barry and what he said, he was in pretty bad shape. And he thinks, or he wants her to help bring back the other positive forces. How the heck did she get all that from that? And how the heck would she even know how to bring them? It's like, there, he didn't leave like an instruction manual. Stan reappears. He's like in his dark version of the future from Armageddon where he was married to Iris because there's still like a picture of them on a the table. And he whispers, this timeline's gone. He has a flashback of Iris and then Deanne's like, we wanted you to feel at home. Bashir and uh, Alexa, is that her name? Fuerza? They're there too, the negative versions. Um, negative Bashir asks if he ever wondered where his speed really came from and he whispers i built a machine that taps into the negative speed force for my own use and Deanne's like oh you didn't tap into it it tapped into you bashir says like yeah it's true the negative speed force has always existed it chose him as an avatar because it feeds off his hatred for barry allen fuerza says like the other thons forgot that so if there's no hate there's no negative speed force avatar that's why they, they had to go Thon whispers, I don't know what you're planning, but if you think I'm going to stand here and play your stupid game, then Deanne snaps his finger and freezes him. He's like, relax, we aren't going to hurt you. Bashir's like, we're going to transform you. And then Thon's eyes start like flickering, like ring, like weird robot colors, computer colors or whatever. I don't know how to describe it. Damien's like, let me guess. The last thing you remember is the negative forces use your time sickness to rebirth a new avatar. And they use your body as an incubator. So he's like, yeah, that is a dastardly scheme. Reminds me of my battle days. And she's like, if I'm alive, then where am I? He says that she's inside his time stone. So they they use it to wipe out the anachronisms during Armageddon. She says, she's like, I can't feel Barry anymore. So if that's the same for him, I need to get out there. And I, I need, you know, he, she's like, I'll need your help. And he's like, well, I'm not really here. I'm, I've just imprinted on the time stone, but... You know, she's not supposed to be dead like he is. So that's why when the negative forces killed her, the time stone, for whatever reason, the time stone spared her. Is this a time stone of all of exit? I don't understand why it's like, oh, she's not supposed to die. So it sense she still had something important to do. The question is, is she up to it? Barry, Nora, and Bart have harnesses on. <laughs> and uh, Nora's harness looks a little weird. Nora and Bart, so they turn on the switch. Ah, they start like in drawing pain and like that. Nora and Bart are like really going in. Chester's like, I'm shutting, shutting it down. And Barry grits and he's like, no, keep mine on. And then, but Barry, do it. And then uh, Chester's like, I'm calling it. Turns it off. Barry like crumples to the floor. And they're like, why did this work? And Bart, like nerdy's like, if this doesn't work, we can't access the negative speed force. And Barry's like, then we'll find another way. Mina says that Eobard would have known what to do. Now he's gone because of me and that damn machine. She zips off. Barry goes after her. So Mina, she's charging up because she's going to destroy the block machine. Whatever. Barry stands in front. He's like, you don't want to do this. And she's like, that machine ruined my life. And he's like, no, Thon did. And she powers down. 
but Eobar was stunned, but whatever. She's like, there's nothing that we can do about it. Not anymore. And Barry looks at the machine. He's like, yes, there is. I know exact, you know, I know exactly how you feel. He's like, you're the only one who understands how this can end. So he wants her to recharge so that she can spare her. She can share her speed again with him. So she goes in the machine, blah, 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 her speed's up to at 100%. Then uh, she, she tells him, she's like, just promise me when you find him, you'll make sure he never hurts anyone again. And then they hold hands. They start like sharing the power. At Joe's, he's like praying. The IRS is like, oh, you know, please come back, baby girl. Blah, 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 blah. Jay and Joan arrive. And she's like, we've been following Iris's particles across the time stream. And they let us here. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, they have a particle time stream particle detector i guess he says that uh iris is still missing and jay's looks with his super science watch and he's like not anymore so there's watches like detecting something like that and then he walks over to cabinet he opens it there's a glowing green rock in there and joan's like what is that jay's like it's a time stone (laughs) i heard about it in my travels so he travel a bit and he learned all about time stones. So just looking at it, he knows right away. And he asked Joe where he got it. So then there's a flashback when Damien handed it to him at the end of Armageddon or whatever. And, and so he tells him all that stuff. But why is it glowing now? Joan's like, those particles Iris left behind, they're her consciousness. How the heck would anyone know that? How could you, like, when have they ever seen par- consciousness particles floating around? And how would you, even if you see that for the first time or a hundred times, how would you know that that's consciousness particles? You know, how do you think they ended up in that stone? And Joe's like, well, you know, what do we, what do we do? How do we get out of there? And they just like stare at him. They're like, I don't know. <laughs> Cecile's up to something with Allegra. So she wants to bring the positive forces back. The two ex-psychics are there. Um, what's her name? Uh, Taylor, uh, Top and uh, the Queen from the, the Royal Plush Gang. So they lost their powers that that uh, Cecile stole, and uh, Cecile's like, "You know how this works." So start concentrating and help me. And she's like, "I'll do the heavy lifting." So they hold hands reluctantly around this little table. Then Bashir's like, "You found me," and he like almost falls over. He has to, like you know catch himself on like on a on a desk or something like that. He's like, "Oh, this is a nice office." And Allegra is like, "What happened?" He says that Iris's time sickness spread to them. So they needed to tether themselves to someone in this reality. So he chose Cecile. And she's like, why? He's like, because of her, I think he said like her untapped potential or something like that. So, and that opened the floodgates to her mind. And the two ladies aren't, he's like, oh, so you're the guy who gave her the ability to see all her powers? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, thanks. He's like, you're welcome. And then he tells Cecile, without you know missing a beat, that she can bring back the other forces if she's willing to help. And she's like, of course. Nora and Bart arrive at Fast Track Labs with Chester. And of course, his tablet can detect what's going on in the room. Oh, there's all this negative. Blah, blah, blah. Nora's like, Dad is going into negative speed force without us. Poof, he's gone. And Bart's like, we're too late. Barry arrives at Thon's old place, whatever. He's still standing with his eyes flickering. The negative Bashir says, Eobard can't come to the phone right now because he's going through some changes. They say that they're helping him reach his full potential. Barry says that if it's about Thon, then, you know, why go after them? And Deanne says that, you know, he started it during Armageddon when he cut off the negative speed force from its avatar. They say it's all Barry's fault. He tipped the scales, so they're just putting things back to normal, and then some. 
So he unbalanced things on a cosmic scale. So they didn't know it was possible until he showed them how. So that's when they realized they could do the same. So there, it's time to tip the scales. It's like the new catchphrase that keeps saying that. It says, uh, you know, they're cha changing Thon. Um, Chester's magic tablet, meanwhile, starts beeping. Uh, guys, I'm detecting a huge influx of negative kinetic tachyons. How does this tablet even know how to detect those things? And then they're like, uh, oh, because so Barry, they, they sent Barry back, I think. And so Barry's like, well, where is it? Where are they happening? And then they're like, right over downtown. So there's a bunch of colored lightning in the sky, uh, you know, purple, yellow, green, whatever, all the different forces, colors. Uh, so now reverse flash, he's in this uh, new costume. It's like all black, whatever. And he's like, he's just standing around. No point running. You're all going to die. He's kind of like walking around slowly. Zzz, zaps two people. Zzz, zaps some more. And then uh, the others somehow have a like breaking news live feed of Thawne attacking people. So there's a reporter out there reporting on this. It's like, okay, end of the world. People are getting killed and zapped. I'm downtown live and there's someone walking around. There's a speedster zapping people, but I'm going to sit here. Bart's like, who's his new tailor? Satan? And everyone just ignores him. Chester's like, uh, he, I'm not just detecting negative kinetic isotopes, but also reading temporal, geothermic, electrical, chemical ones too. <laughs> uh, Barry, that his tablet's gonna explode from all, everything it's it's detecting. Barry says that he has the power of all four negative forces to tip the balance of power in their favor. So they want to turn the world into a living hell. Iris asks Damien. And so in this other world, she's like, well, what's my unfinished business? Uh, you know, she's like, it's Barry, isn't it? And he says that if she wants to get out, she needs to figure it out herself. And she's like, how? And he's like, look at your life. Everything that happened since Barry went into that coma. It's like, you face so many dangers time and again, and you never died. Why? And she says, because she always had help. Eh, wrong answer. Thanks for playing. He's like, come on. It's right in front of you. It's like, you're a survivor. You always will be. And he, she says that she hasn't reached her limit. And she's like, you know, what about the spark between her and Barry? He's like, just because you can't feel it doesn't mean it isn't there. <laughs> and and there's one point, there's like this close-up shot of like Iris's face and her lipstick's like so shiny. So it's like this, I don't know if it's just a lighting in this room. It's nice lighting, everything like that. But I'm looking at it, it's like, did Iris reapply her makeup because it's like super fresh and or is it just being in a time stone is like your idealized oh i wish my lipstick looked i don't know anyways so she's about to go and he's like say hi to the old man for me poof she's gone people are screaming and just like kind of like running in this why are there so many people just running around the streets as i was like are they running in circles what are, what's what's going on here reverse flash is just walking super slow zapping people and then they start disappearing in front of them shroom they're all gone. The good guys arrived, all the speedsters. Nora says that he's outnumbered four to one. And Bart's like, you're going to pay for everyone you've hurt. And Mina's like, especially Eobard. But he is Eobard. Barry just doesn't say anything. Then they start running circles around him. All four zap him with speed lightning. And then he yells in pain. And he, like, he falls. Reverse Flash somehow turns into Bart. And Mina's like, if that's Impulse, where's Don? So I don't know how he switched them. It makes no sense. But then he appears behind them right here. He snaps and then Nora, Mina, and Bart all disappear. 
So Barry stands up. What did you do? I sent them back in time. A billion years. So Barry runs at him and they're gone. Bashir tells Cecile that they'll only have one chance. And she's like, well, what do you need me to do? So his freaky mask appears on the table. He says, put it on. He's like, there's a reason she was given these powers. Her power to absorb was enhanced by the one thing that he lacks, her ability to care about people. So that's why she was chosen. The mask will reabsorb her psychic powers and transfer them to him. The other two ladies, when they hear this, it's like they're probably like, hey, if we take the mask, will we get the psychic powers? So they like look at each other. They're about to make a move. And Allegra glows up her hands. And she's like, don't even think about it. So Cecile picks up the mask, puts it on. It starts glowing. She screams. And he tells Allegra that you know she has to go through with this. Or is, or is this Allegra? Cecile? Poof. He's gone. The mask too. Allegra's like, did it work? And she's like, I sure as hell hope so. Reverse Flash appears at another street. So I, I thought Barry like plowed into him, but I guess he just took off running. Barry runs up, gets ready to throw lightning, then Thon snaps and freezes him. Well, well, well. Who's faster now, Flash? A cop car like drives up, and then he blasts the, the car and incinerates it. And there's no way the officer got out. Barry can only watch. He, he's like, he asks him, how does it feel knowing that he could have prevented all of this if only he killed him when he had the chance? So it's like, why does Thon want Barry to kill him? He's like, believe me, that's a mistake I won't make. So he cracks his, his neck. He's going to throw a blast. He just lets it go, but then it freezes between them. Who's doing this? And Dion's like, I am. He's standing by regular Speed Force Nora, Fuerza, and Bashir. And Thon's like, you're too late because you're pathetic avatar is powerless speed force nor is like you call that power this is power the four join hands and it's like it's so slow it's like he could have done something by this color starts sparkling particle floats up float up they all go into barry and flash is like flickering with powers now and thought's like this is impossible and barry's like no this is the end barry's like we're equals now and thought's like no never i have always been always will be better than you he whips like energy tentacles at him, like from his back, like pops out. Barry easily dodges him, and then Barry uh, grabs a second one, whips Thon into like a minivan. He's like, This is for Iris and everyone you killed. And then they start like running. He starts chasing him. Barry's like blasting him and he keeps running. So, whose minivan was it? It just got smashed. At Joe's, the stone is glowing. Joan's like, What's happening? Jace uh, somehow knows so much about time stones. And he can say, some kind of temporal disruption coming from inside the stone. How the heck would he know that? They hear some like gasps. And, uh, it's like, Dad? So Iris is there. Baby girl. They hug. Then she's like, it's okay. Damien Dark showed me the way. And then they feel like a like a boom, like a shudder. What's that? Joe turns on the TV, like perfect timing. The reporter's like, and I say it again. The deadly new speedster who has taken the lives of Dozen has engaged against the Flash. The fight has turned the city into a war zone. Residents are advised to... <laughs> Camera feed cuts out, so the reporter's probably dead. Jay says that Barry's doing more harm than good. Joe said, you know, Barry started Armageddon. So Iris tells Jay, you need to take me downtown fast. Barry and Thon are locked in a struggle. They both get blasted back. Somehow they knock each other backwards. Iris and Jay arrive. Barry! He looks up and he sees Iris. He's like, Iris? They hug. <laughs> now they're hugging in the show. She says that he has to stop because the city can't take much more of that. That's why I have to stop him. She's like, you can't. And Thon r- runs up. 
She's right. I'll never stop until one of us is dead. Time to tip the scales. Time to make the donuts. So Barry, like, thinks. He nods to Iris. He tells Jay to, to get Iris to safety. And Jay's like, good luck. So Barry sits down, like, pretzel style. He's like, I'm done fighting you. Then his eyes start flickering those weird colors. And Thon's like, you think I won't kill you? I, I won't slaughter, slaughter you where you sit? And then he starts floating up. It's almost like he has, like, rockets on his lower legs. He's like... And then he blasts Barry with lightning. But it seems to go right through him somehow. He's still just sitting there with his eyes closed. Thon's like, I just need more power. Do you hear me? I need more power. And then colored lightning hits him. Barry's like, we're not meant to tip the scales. You won't survive, Thon. You lie. This is the moment. Red energy starts washing over the entire city. Um, it like kills everything it touches. It goes like through this big, huge building, whoosh, like exploding in fire. Barry's still like just meditating, and we see like flickers of him like somewhere else. And then the energy stops. Everyone's frozen. The energy starts receding, going backwards. And Thon's like, "No, it's not supposed to end like this." Ah! And then like the energy goes like all back into him, and he like implodes. Barry's eyes go back to normal. He stands up. And then he snaps, and the other speedsters return. Uh, there's, like, colored lights in the sky, and he says, it's the universe resetting itself. How the heck would he know that? Oh, look at the pretty colors. The universe is resetting itself. Iris gets checked out by Joan. She tells Barry that his force particles are gone, and after scanning Iris with her magic scanner, her time sickness is gone. How do you scan, detect all this stuff? There's no sign of it anywhere. Nora says that Gideon said there's no sign of Thon anywhere in the timeline. And Iris like, then it's really over. Bart, Nora, Barry's like, but the way I behave today. And they're like, oh, no, no. Like, not after everything you, you've done for us and everything. And Jay's like, well, we should get back to our lives in 2049. Hugs. Bart says that it was, he's like, it was all Aster and no Dis. And Bart's, Barry's like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> shoom, shoom, shoom. Yeah, I'll leave. Uh, Jay and, and Joan leave too. Barry asks Mina how she's feeling, and she says, like, there's so much that she doesn't know. But more importantly, Block is no longer working. So she's like, it was never her idea, was it? And Barry's like, no, it was a negative speed force trying to pick their avatar. She was just like a means to an end. And Iris is like, you know, sorry you lost your speed. And she's like, don't be. She's like, it was never my dream to be a speedster. And Iris says, she's like, I never met Eobard, but he seemed like a very special person. And she's like, he was. Iris says that she wanted to give her, she said, we want to give you this. So they, they found a yellow tie. Barry's like, we found it at Star Labs. <laughs> it was probably really at the, the store or whatever. And she's like, thank you for everything. And Barry's like, if you ever need anything, we're here for you. And she's like, and if Team Flash ever needs a helping hand, the technical kind, you know where to find me. Chester's magic tablet tells Cecile her brain is back to its regular empathic capacity. Dylan um, has her powers back and Queen does too who's back in Iron Heights Cecile says that she's going to miss being leveled up Allegra says she's like well I'm just happy we survived this and she's like yeah 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 I know and she says uh, you know she knows that they um, they you know she should be happy and all that Chester makes a toast because uh, so the three of them are just holding like coffee to saving the world and to Team Flash or as I like to say Team Badass they drink, take a swig of their coffee. Cecile and Chester have the wrong coffee and they like almost spit it out. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I must have mixed them up. And I already, and she's like, oh, it's fine. And then the cup flies out of his hand into hers. And they're like, huh? 
And she's like, all I did was think that I wished the right coffee was my hand, and then it was. Chester's like, ooh, the force is strong with this one. And Cecile's like, well, that's new. And she just like shrugs. Tinya is sitting in Iris's office. She's like, I'm surprised. I never thought I'd be back here. She's like, why am I here? And then Barry zips in with her mom. And her mom's again, like not sick or anything. She's like, Chum. so she's like, mom, they, Tinya gets up, they hug. Mom's like, I didn't know if I'd ever get out of that place. I just knew I had to see you again. Tinya's like, how'd this happen? Flash says that when Iris beat her time sickness, it cured the still force too. Then Renee showed up back at home in Star City. Renee's like, we have so much to catch up on. They start walking out. Tinya's just like, thank you. And she doesn't apologize for like the, the pain she caused Iris and you know just the fact that Iris helped her find her mom to begin with. And they just like leave. And then Iris puts up her fist. They fist bump her and Barry or her and Flash. At Caitlin's lab, the place is a mess. Um, the chamber malfunction wakes up Mark. He's like, you know, sleeping at a laptop. And he's like, what do you mean chamber malfunction? So he goes, opens the door. Frost, are you okay? Frost, who the hell are you? And you hear a voice in there, a friend, I think. And we don't see anything. So it sounded like Caitlin. I don't know. So maybe we'll have to, we got to wait. Barry and Iris are cuddling on a couch. He doesn't want to let her go. She's like, then don't. He's like, yeah, I could sit here all week. So he says that, uh, you know, last night he thought he lost forever. He couldn't feel her connection. And she's like, yeah, I couldn't either. She's like, that's why I had to go back and get you. I reignited the spark. She's like, you're my lightning rod too. Smooch. He's like, thank you. And she's like, that's, you know, she's been they've gone all the time. And it's just like a kiss. And he's like, no, for, you know, reminding me that even Flash has his limits. She's like, Thon didn't realize that. That's why he didn't survive. She's like, well, the negative speed force will have to find a new avatar. And he's like, yeah, I know. You know, universe is all about balance. So that means one day the negative forces will have to pick one. And as he's kind of talking, you see it kind of like flashes to like a calendar. It says 2049, June 29th. So it's like some sort of lab. You see like all these things like on uh, outside the door, I guess. It's like stem cell hybridization, robotics technology, quantum biology, and neuromodulation. So Iris wonders, she's like, I wonder who they'll choose. And Barry's like, we won't know until it happens. And then in this lab, there's like this blue crystal in like this glass case and it kind of glows. And Barry keeps saying that when that day comes, whoever it is, we'll be ready for them. And then it ends. So that's the end of the season. Whew. And that's, both of those shows took a long time to, to talk about. So a lot happened, it was fine. Uh, is reverse flash Tom Cavanaugh? I I thought he he was done with the show. I thought he wants to. He doesn't want to act. He wants to do more directing, or whatever. He keeps reverse flash has been back so many times, but we'll have to see. Is he really gone? Uh, I don't know. Okay, then the man who fell to Earth, season one, episode nine. This is the penultimate episode. We got one more after this. As the world falls down. So it starts off 10 years ago. Edie is spreading jam on toast for her dad. She's perfectly sliced on the middle, whatever. She presents it very carefully. He's at his laptop, like in a dining room table. And he like smiles. He, um, he's going to take take a, a bit of a piece. He looks at her. And then he starts giving it to the two dogs. Oh, good boy, whatever. Hatch is just having coffee and reading the paper by the window. And uh, then he sees Clive outside in a mask and a cape, just like walking in circles. 
So he tells Edie, he's like, oh, he's still doing that? He's out there alone? And she's like, he's fine. He likes to be alone. So he gets up. He says that he has to come by here more often because there's so much warmth. And he's like, you guys are a blast, but I'm going to go play with Clive. Then dad asks her if they're at quota. And she's like, I found us a supplier. He's he's like, did your brother lift? Has he lifted a finger or was he too busy reading his newspaper? So then she says again, she's like, I found us a supplier. He just reiterates, he never lifts a GD finger, even when I'm dying. And she's like, you're not dying. And he's dad snaps. I told you not to say that. And then she's like, sorry. And he repeats himself. I told you not to say that. He's like, there's no room for your feelings. He's like, we have work to do and I am dying. Then he wants to go for a walk. So he wants to talk about what to do with the company when he's dead. And they need to talk about her future. So then it cuts to today. Edie's sitting outside smoking. Finch walks up. She introduces herself. She's like, I know this is a difficult time. So thank you for this meeting. Edie says, he told me that you got poop canned. And this kind of catches Finch off guard. She's like, what? Edie repeats. And Finch is like, well, as you can see, he hasn't. So then she's like, so does this mean that you're going to put me or you're going to put him in a deep, dark hole and he'll die there? And Finch is like, yes, Miss Flood. And then Edie's like, she says that she's there because the CIA still needs origin. So they can't put her in a deep, dark hole. And Finch says, you know, that they work well together. So why would they? Edie says her father chose her to lead the company because he knew she wouldn't break, which means origin will never be broken by her or her friends at the CIA. So she's like, here's what I want. Fresh inputs of cash indefinitely. My brother is out and can never get back in. I'm CEO of Origin. I'm your partner. And Finch says, we don't have partners. Edie says that her was like, well, my father was your partner. And Finch is like, meh, more like a paid intern. Edie says that she sent a package to her lawyers in the event of her death. So she wants her father's title. She wants uh, she wants her and the world to think that she is the proprietor of quantum fusion. And Finch is like, and your brother? He's like, I understand that you've revoked his clearance. And Edie repeats, I am the proprietor of quantum fusion. Finch just shrugs. And then Edie's like, thank you for stopping by. Portia and Molly are sleeping. And then Portia wakes up. And then she starts waking Molly up. She's like, we have to go quickly. And as they're running out to the car, I don't understand. And she's like, well, how about like just... Be quiet and do what you're told. They get into a car and then zoom, 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 like a bunch of other cars like surround him and like some dudes get out. Clay is uh, driving Lisa and she's like, where are we going? And he's like, to where I put them. And he's like, how did you find me? Lisa says she searched everywhere. There was a search. There's no trace of the algorithm. That's um, what ignites the core. And he asks if she's saying that they can't turn the machine on. She's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Blah, blah, blah. He starts slamming on the horn because he's and he's like cursing. Then she says that the algorithm has to be somewhere, so they must have uploaded it. Also, the tone that they've, they've detected, she still doesn't know what the message says or how to decipher it. So Clay has left the trail of bodies, and they can't deliver quantum fusion. So he just like takes his like drink, whatever, like slurps some. And she looks at him and says that she's like, I don't want to go to prison. And he asks her if she's practicing interrogation. Justin and Faraday are tied up to chairs. They're like in this old abandoned factory or somewhere. Clay pulls, they have black hoods, pulls them off. Um, and Justin like gasps. The other dude's like, there's oh, a couple of goons, whatever. They ask if Faraday's dead. And Clay gets in his fest. He's like, wake up. 
you still there? He punches him in the gut. He's like, he just got shot. The pain shocks Faraday awake and he looks around. He asks Justin about her father and she just shakes her head. Then Clay's like, oh, don't worry about her. And he like pushes her chair back. And then Faraday like tilts his chair back to look at her. And Clay, um, he just like plays the tone. He's like, what does that mean? And Faraday's like, it is an instruction. Clay's like, to who? The remaining Entheans. He's telling them to prepare to come to Earth. And Lisa's like, what? What? Clay whispers uh, and asks, what's the probability that they're only ones with that information? And she's like, hi. And he tells Lisa to take Justin in the other room and that, you know, to try to get the algorithm. So he's like, you know, get anything that you can. He's like, I'll deal with him. He says that they either die in a cage or they own the world. So there, there's nothing in the middle. He's like, you understand that partner? She looks at him and she's like, yes. So Justin's taken the other room by one of the dudes, this dude Terry, one of the, the, the goons. Lisa offers her some water and she just refuses. Then Lisa's like, I would prefer to leave Molly alive. So Faraday set up right. This other dude, Aaron, I think, he has like a bunch of hammers and weapons of like torture or whatever. Clay's like, just tell me when they are coming and how. And he's like, I don't know. He says that um, Clay's like, you do know because you're the point person. And then he like points to like a tool like pliers. So Faraday says there are a billion variables and Thea no longer has the resources to send. And a dude, Aaron, he just pries open his mouth as he's talking, yanks out a tooth. And Faraday's like calm during this. And he just starts feeling around in his mouth with his tongue. And Aaron's like, oh, strong boy. He's like, do you meditate or something? Because, you know, he didn't like, there's no pain from taking the tooth out. Lisa asks Justin if she believes her about Molly, and she like shakes her head. No. And Lisa just stands there and tells her, she's like, just give me the algorithm. Justin says, you blew up all the information when you blew up the lab. And she's like, I can't tell you anything. All I know is that he thought he was going home until he heard the tone. Lisa's like, he did? It's hard to imagine him with a home, with a family. Justin says, I bet that cross you're wearing reminds you of your family. I bet they believed in you. And Lisa whispers, she's like, don't bother. Justin says that she's, you know, shamed him now, her family. And she's like, is Lisa sure for Elizabeth? Elizabeth of Portugal, the miracle of roses? Your family named you for a gift from God. And here's another fact. You did nothing. You let Clay kill women in an abbey acting like an animal. And Lisa slaps Justin. And she's like, tosses the water down. And Lisa, you know, looks at Justin and then just turns to leave. Aaron is burning Faraday's earlobe with a cigarette and he's like, what the fudge? And then Lisa comes up and tells Clay that he thought he was going home. Clay goes to talk to him and he's like, wow, Newton lied to you. And Faraday says that they're the same because someone lied to Clay. And he's like, Drew Finch lied to him. And he's like, how? And he's like, you know, how do you know? And Faraday's like, your internet. And Clay's like, oh, did you read it? And he's like, yes. Every file the CIA has, you know, the dark web, everything, whatever. He's like, I know everything and everything you've ever loved. That kind of throws Clay off. And he he gets up. He tells Aaron to do like the next torture thing, whatever. So he covers his head with cloth and they start pouring water over his face, which is kind of dumb because he loves water. So they do this, whatever, like that. They pull off the cloth and Faraday's like, ah. And he's like, where the fudge the water go? So he flipping swallowed it. And he's like, I have four stomachs. So Clay says to Lisa, something in the video at the airport made him sick. And she's like, x-rays. 
then they conveniently bring in like a dental x-ray machine from somewhere. <laughs> Faraday is looking a little concerned now. Clay turns it on and Faraday screams and he pukes up the water. He's like, you're going to kill me. They turn it on again. Edie is with the horse. She's thinking back of her walk with her dad. Or I don't know if it's that same walk or a different walk. But then dad mentions how there are a lot of entanglements with the company and that she doesn't know about them all. That they're not all partners. Some are like minders. And these are long-term players and she has to keep in mind. And she says that she thought he was putting her in charge. And he says that they'll roll right over her. They'll roll over everything that he built. He said that he tried to raise her to draw first. She just dodged bullets. He doesn't think that she has a stomach for it. So Clive comes up to Edie and, you know, because she says something about the horse being sick or something like that. But he's like, why is Hatch out? And she's like, he left us massively exposed. And Clive is like, but he brought fusion here and she's like oh don't drink the kool-aid she says that you know she's the only one who can do what is necessary she's like when was the last time he denied himself anything then he's like you know she's talking about betrayal whatever he's like well what about grandpa when she like mentions betrayal then she goes in in, in, like this building comes back out with a shotgun and she like shoots the horse because the horse was dying anyways and clive's just like standing there is like blood splattered on him and she's like you know she's basically saying they don't have the guts to do what needs to be done she does Faraday's still screaming. Justin can hear from the other room. And Clay is like, when are they coming? How many are there? Where are they landing? Are they bringing weapons? Then Faraday starts seeing Watt, his like vision, the lady, whatever it is like in his mind. And she's like, remember me? So she's saying that he has to give something else up if he wants to leave because this man, Clay, he's losing his mind. So maybe he should make poop up. Faraday's eyes are just kind of flickering, whatever. Lisa like takes off her necklace because now she's probably feeling bad. She can't, you know, she's a part of this. She says to Clay that he's not human. Maybe he has to answer to something bigger than they are. So Justin, there's like a table and like a shelf. She knocks some like stuff off off a shelf and one can of something or like a container kind of rolls on onto like the edge of the table. And we don't, can't, I couldn't see what it was. I don't know if we could see it or not. Maybe I just missed it. Watt keeps talking to Faraday. He seems to love his earth life now. Uh, she sees two families, the one he left behind and the one that he longs to be part of. Faraday's like, shut up. And Clay goes up to him. Are you talking to me? And Watt says that, you know, he, he read Clay's file. They both, they're both exactly the same. It's like, you have two families, the one you believe abandoned you and the one that you just abandoned. So Clay slaps him, pulls out his gun. He tells Aaron, again, more x-rays. Clay goes to get Justin, and then he cuts her loose, and he tells her to to get up. So then he tells Faraday to give him something or he'll put a bull in her head. Justin's like on her knees, and she tells Lisa, she's like, tell Molly there's a picture of her father in a drawer. His name was Daniel Holland. Watt is still talking. There aren't enough pods left to bring the others here, so he needs something much, much bigger. Lisa's like, he'll die for her for all of it. And Faraday's like, a ship, a ship. And Clay is like, okay, get her out. Faraday's like, they can't all come the way he did, alone. So there has to be a ship. It's like, it has to be here on Earth. Newton must be planning to go get them. And Clay's like, why would Newton need to go? And Faraday's like, Anthea can't produce the power to transport thousands through the galaxy. Not anymore. Clay's like, the fusion. He's like, uh, that must be the engine of the ship. Clive goes to see Hatch. 
uh, says that he drove into a big pile of rocks. So he's like more of a mess. He's like all bloodied up. He because first you know look he had the blood from the horse, but now he's got more. He like stumbles in, and Clive says that uh, he didn't want to be this. And Hatch is he's like, what did you want to be? And he's like Batman. He's like, but I'm here. He's like, I don't want to die. I thought I did, but I I don't. I need I need to tell you something. And then Hatch is like, am I gonna need a drink? And he he nods. So I guess Clive was going to kill himself. He drove into some rocks, but then he's like, oh, wait, I don't want to die. Lisa talks to Justin. She's like, please tell me something. It's like, it doesn't have to be the truth. And then Justin just like headbutts her. And Lisa kind of looks at her and then she just leaves. Watts says that he's not done. Lisa says maybe it's somewhere um, that scatters radar, someplace that they missed. So she tells Clay to stop and think. Watt uh, is talking about Russian roulette, like one last gambit. He says... What would you call my my lungs, my trachea? They've already begun to mine themselves for water, like a snake eating its tail. The rest of my organs have already mined themselves dry and will collapse. Two more of those blasts, three at most, and he's done. He's like, the core is useless without the machine, and you don't know how to retrieve the data from the lab. He's like, you're a dead man, and I'm dying. I'll give you what I know, but we need that. And he, he points to Aaron's gun like on his ankle. Clay goes over to the Aaron, t- takes a gun and like holds out. And Faraday's like, I don't believe you're invested. Clay cocks the gun and Faraday's like, all that tells me is that you're willing to kill me. I already know that. He's like, you won't let Justin live. I traveled light years to bring fusion to this planet. I won't let it die with me, even if it ends up with you. Do you understand? Clay puts a gun down. He's like, you'll entrust it to me if I entrust it, if... But if the only thing you're willing to do is to obtain fusion is kill, you are not ready. Clay's like, well, what else is there? And then he's like, you have to be willing to die, idiot. (laughs) There's a flashback. Clive says that when uh, he was there, when grandpa died, when he jumped, they were walking and he was following them. They weren't paying attention to him. And then he said something to her. So then, uh, you hear like it'll be the worst feeling you've ever had as they got closer to the edge she stopped and dad's like i don't want that to be my legacy i tried to raise you to draw first we saw this part before and she says that she won't do that anymore and he says that he's giving the company to hatch he's giving it to her brother and she's like no and then clive tells hatch that he wanted to give him the controlling share she was supposed to stay in compliance and then back to the flashback, he's like, you're too weak. You're not strong. You never have been since you were a little girl. You cannot grow up. You're never going to grow up. You're weak. Someone has to. And she's like, so she's like, stop saying that. She's like kind of hitting him. And he tells her, he's like, just stop. Right. And then she shoves him. And Clive says that he just hung there in the air for a moment. And she turns around and she sees him standing there. He's like, I don't know what she's going to do. You know, she's new to me like this. And she puts her hand on on his face. She walks up to him. She kisses his cheek. And she's like, he fell. And then she lit a cigarette and went back into the house. So basically, it was supposed to be Hatch to run the company. Clay asks, why are they talking about him? And Faraday says, because he's Spencer Clay. Then he says his Ivan whatever name. He's like, that name was in your file. He tells Lisa to get out. GTFO to the other guys. Faraday says there is someone who doesn't know that he's Spencer Clay. And Clay asks if he's trying to play Sigmund Freud. And he's like, if you are, he's like, he's already ahead of him. He has a machine. He knows Newton's planning an invasion. Faraday's like, you have a story. 
and it won't have any meaning once Justin and I are dead. Your name is a prison, and what I know will set you free. Spencer Clay has been searching for someone you don't have to search for anymore. You never had to. And Clay hits him again. He's like, what? Faraday names a CAA case file, 13127. Valentina Lubibatko, your mother who was supposed to take care of you, your mother who was a terrorist, your mother who was replaced by Drew. It's like, her file is complete, the real file. Would you like to know what happened to her? It's like, of course you, you do. You spent the majority of your life obsessed trying to find out. I'll tell you, but only if you put a bullet in that gun, spin the chamber, and pull the trigger five times. And if you survive, you'll finally get your answer. Clay's like, you're insane. And he's like, one question for every spin, but I won't tell you what you want to know until you make it to five. Clay looks at him. He's like, no. And he turns his back. Faraday scoots his chair over to the x-ray machine and he like hits the, the button with his head. Ah! Clay goes over and has to turn the machine off. So Clay pours water in his mouth to like refresh him. He He's like, you could just lie to me. And Faraday's like, forget it. Fusion dies with me. You are not worthy. Clay says, I am worthy. Then spin. He takes out the bullets, loads one, spins it. Faraday's like, one more thing. Fudge you. He's like, one more thing. I'm giving you a head start. I have no idea where the ship is. I simply did the math and concluded there is one. I don't know why he didn't tell me what I was building. And I have no idea when he intends to blast off into space. He might decide to blow up Canada first. So ask me, but remember, the good stuff doesn't come up until five. Clay is like, who has a power where you're from? This is where you're starting? You must be terrified. Number one, there are drones and adepts. Drones do what they're told. Newton was an adept. And Clay's like, which are you? Drone, pull the trigger. Clay looks at the gun. And then he's like, how do you know who's who? Pull the trigger. He slowly does, puts up his head, thinks about the picture of his mom, like, and then click. Ooh, question two, please. So he spins the chamber. What do you look like? For fudge's sake, every other Anthean. No, what do you look like under the skin? He's like, you're obsessed with skin. Skin is one of your gods. You created cults around it and commit genocide over it. One reason I was chosen is because Justin would have no rational reason to trust me if I looked like you. Pull the flipping trigger. He raises it faster this time. Click. Clay's like, fudge your psyops crap. He's like, I'm a step ahead of you. And he starts talking. Faraday asks him, is this question three? And he's like, yeah. You said I was terrified. Of what? You're terrified of question five. You had to know that you don't know anything. Certainly not the truth about your mother. Clay whispered. What is the truth? Faraday leans forward. Oh, that's a whole nother question. Spin, pulls, click. Just tell me about my mother. Tell me. So one of the other dudes asks Justin if she's all, he's like, are you all right, sweetheart? He sets his assault rifle like down on the table. Clay whispered, please tell me. She showed up on the radar after an arrest for low-level gun running in Russia. She was a grifter. That's why they picked her. The CIA bombed the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Yes, that's right. They used your mother as a tool. Clay's like, and now you're going to tell me she's dead. Okay, it makes sense that she's dead. They killed her, and they told me that she abandoned me, right? And he's like, Drew Randy operation. Drew Finch Randy operation. She wanted to make me an asset. It's like, I'm valuable to her as an asset. It's like, I can live with that. Okay. You'll say my mother wanted to come back to me, but they killed her. Okay. That's that's okay. I can see the logic in that. I can live with that. 
Terry says that they want an algorithm and she's going to give it to him or he'll burn both her eyes out with this cigarette. Because he's got a cigarette in his hand. Faraday's like, you're missing it. I don't know if they killed her. I don't know if she's alive or dead. Clay asks, she could still be alive? And Faraday's like, it doesn't matter. Finch stepped into the role. You don't know why, do you? Always reminding you what you didn't have. Keeping you thirsty. Finch was on the team. The original CIA Newton team. When she was 21 years old, a junior analyst. Antalist? Analyst. A junior analyst. So we get a flashback. We see, uh, Mary Lou, I just want to go home. Ah! Like in the operating thing. And we see like who's supposed to be Finch just sitting there with like a surgical mask, whatever. They start peeling his, his skin, his face off. And she's watching. Newton is still the asset. He was always the asset. She kept an ear out. When he popped up in a tornado, she knew she had to send you because you'd never stop. Never. You'd see the specter of your mother in every case she sent you to chase. Even him. Even me. And he's like, I, I can live with that. Faraday's like, she might even love you. And you know you love her. And because she knows you loved her, she took away the only thing your mother would recognize. And he's like, I, I can live with that. She took away the one and only thing your mother needed to find you. So Terry lights a cigarette and um, then he sees like Justin knocked the, the, the can, whatever the thing that Justin knocked over. It's like on the floor. She spits out a liquid at him. Whoosh, he goes up in flames. So it must have been some sort of like gas kerosene or something like that. He's screaming. Um, then Aaron and Lisa are out in the hallways and they, they go to check like what's going on. Faraday hears a scream. Clay's on the verge of tears. He's like, tell, tell me what it was. Tell me. Is that question five? Terry's like crawling on the floor in flames. Aaron tries to go putting him out. Lisa locks eyes with Justin. And then you hear, it's like, did she shoot? She shoot Justin? She wasn't in the opening scene in the first episode. I don't think. Faraday is startled when he hears a gunshot. Clay's like, tell me. And then there's like another shot. Tell me. Faraday yells, is it question five? Clay is like shaking with the gun to his head. He's like, I know what the answer is. And he's like, he's got tears now. She took away my name. He lowers a gun and points it at Faraday. And then he gets shot through both cheeks, like in through one one side of his, his jaw and out the other. He falls to the ground. Who shot him? Lisa shot him. <laughs> and Faraday like gasped. Lisa walks down. Justin's like behind her. And she stands, Lisa stands over Clay, points a gun at him, and he's like <laughs> gurgling, and then <laughs> shoots him again. He's dead. Justin grabs a tool, cuts Faraday loose. Lisa calls someone. She's like, can you track this location? I have them. Outside later, there's five SUVs. They, they pull up some dudes in suits and sunglasses, whatever, get up. She tells Lisa tells Faraday and Justin to stay right there. She's like, please. She walks up. And this dude walks up to Lisa and he's like, is that the core? So she's got it. He goes up to Justin Faraday and introduces himself as Henning Khan. He works for Pressman Thorne. So Miss Dominguez has been working for them. We put her in Clay's path to keep us informed. Justin says, she's like, I don't give a crap. Where's my daughter? He pulls out a phone and it is like FaceTimes to Portia. Portia is like, are you okay? 
and and you know Portia's she's like I'm back at the house in London and she like kind of shows a room around that shows that she's there and then Molly yells out man she's like why is your face like that because she's got like some some blood on the top of her head and then you know she says whatever she's fine and then Molly's like is Larva okay and Justin shows her Faraday Portia tells Justin that there are security guards out front and Khan tells her that they're his his security guards Justin asks about her dad and she's like, he's okay, he's safe, but um, it's come back, the dystonia. He's like he was before. And Justin looks at Faraday, and she's like, okay. She's like, stay in the house, stay safe. Khan says the CIA has his claws back in origin, and she's like, I don't care. And she's like, that means your relationship with Edie Flood is forfeit. Thorn Oil will take care of your family's expenses, all of them, forever. Your partner, Hatch, needs more protection than he realizes. We'll provide for that, too. All we need from you is 36 hours. Thorn can see the future, and it is fusion. If you and Mr. Faraday still believe, if you want a place for your children and their children, there is a chance. But you will need to make one stop before home. So they're blindfolded. And then he's like, Mr. Thorn would like to meet you in person. He's like, 36 hours, then I promise you, you will see your family again, and all this will be behind you. So there's then we see like some green fields, there's like two antennas, and they're taken through like like a mossy cave or something like that. They're still wearing blindfolds, they take the blindfolds off, and then Khan's like, this is as far as we go, because he's got like two dudes with him. So Faraday and Justin walk in, and then there's like lots of lanterns hanging, um, there's like monks all sitting there, and then someone gets up, starts walking, we just see he has a cane, you know who it is. As soon as we walk in that cave, we know what's going on. He walks through the monks. It's friggin' Newton and uh, Thomas Newton. Uh, Justin's like, you're not Pressman Thorne. And Newton's like, are you sure? <laughs> and that's where it ends. So Pressman Thorne is really Thomas Newton. So he's been in hiding. That's why no one ever sees him. Somehow. Okay. He must have made another fortune and and started going into oil and. All right, so we got one more episode. Well, yeah, I I don't even know. It's it's just like all of a sudden, like uh, I'm glad Clay is gone, but it's just like just like that Clay is gone. It's like okay, so we'll have to see. And like, what's up with Edie? You know, she she killed her dad. Okay, then the boys season three episode six hero gasm. This was not. It was bad. It was not as bad as I thought. So uh, there's a, a warning. Some scenes may not be suitable for some, really most. Let's be honest, all viewers. But rest assured that any consensual relationships depicted, be they human, animal, superhero, or other, aren't real, harmed no one, and in fact, cost a hilarious, hilariously large amount in visual effects. The Deep is doing like a video blog, talks about superhero attacks, like in the past few days, um, then he starts singing Imagine and like Aston uh, Aston Kutcher and Mia Kunis are, are there, Patton Oswalt, like all these different people, just like the one video. It's like, okay. Um, Homelander's getting frustrated at the deep. You know, he's trying to work the crime analytics computer. He's like, is there someone else that could operate it? And the deep's like, well, Ashley thought we should get rid of most of them. And she's like, what? He's like, you fired them. Then he finds a video footage. It's the entrance to chimp, chimp country. Soldier boy's exiting. He's like, zoom in. And then Homelander's like, soldier boy. Deep's like, that's impossible. He died like 40 years ago. 
And Ash is like, well, it's, it's, someone's cosplaying? And Homelander's like, look at his face. Deep's like, well, maybe it's CGI. And Ash is like, that's not CGI. You don't even know what CGI stands for. And he's like, it stands for blow me. And they wonder where he's been. Why did he uh, kill Crimson Countess? And Ashley talks about uh, telling some guy and then uh, Homelander like, like shushes him. And he's like, you want to tell the world that Soldier Boy, hero of heroes, is back from the flipping dead and blowing up Midtown? Soldier Boy was Homelander before Homelander. So he's like, if this gets out, the company's fudged. I'm fudged. He, it's like he's panicking because he's like, if the company fall, I fall. Why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. He's like, then he's like, I'll handle it. Um, he's like, I'll find him and I'll kill him. He's like, bury all of this footage. Like, no one sees it. He tells Ashley that if Deep fudges it, it's her head. So he tells Black Noir to go with him. And in the hall hallway, he asks Noir, he's like, why would he kill her? He's like, you know, he was your team lead, leader. Do you have any idea? Noir just stands there looking at him because he doesn't talk. And Homelander's like, I'm, I'm glad you're with me on this. He's like, you're the one person that I can count on. Then Black Noir goes into elevator. The doors close. And then he takes out a blade, stabs his, there's like a lady sitting there, stabs his arm. And as I start slicing and she's like, ah, she's got blood splattered on her. He slices, pulls out a little thing. It's probably like his tracker. And then he just like hands it to the lady <laughs> covered in his blood. And he walks out the elevator. Butcher Huey and Soldier Boy are sitting in a motel. They got him some Vought burgers and he's mad. He's like, they don't have the whatever. Um, I won't say it at the sauce. And he's like, no, he must have got discontinued it. He said he also wanted some booze. Um, he crushes some Bennies, which I guess is Benzedrine. He says that that's how they won wars, getting wired up. Butcher asks, or Butcher wants to talk about their team up. Soldier Boy asks, why does he need a team? You know, the last one handed him over to the Russians. Butcher points out that they're the ones that got him out and handed Crimson Countess. I don't know why I can't say her name. They handed Crimson Countess to him. And Butcher's like, and I also took care of gunpowder. And that doesn't impress Soldier Boy because, you know, he's just a whatever sidekick. He, Butcher's like, oh, he's grown a bit. So he's like, you want payback on payback. It turns out that me and Huey are experts in exterminating poop bag soups. So uh, and he, meanwhile, Huey's he's trying to lift Soldier Boy's shield, whatever. He's like, he's like, he can't even budget. He's like, don't touch shield. So they're like, it, you know, it's Huey's like, it's a different world out there. He's like, you know, but Soldier Boy's like, I can find my own way. Huey's like, are you sure? He's like, you know what GPS is or Bluetooth or the internet? Soldier Boy looks at him. He's like, you made those words up. Huey's like, no. He's like, and you need those to find him. Butcher says that he needs them all and all, or he needs them. And all that they ask is that he adds one more name to the list. He's like, who? He's like, Homelander. Soldier Boy's like, oh yeah, I've seen pictures. Who is he? And they're like, he's the new you. Soldier Boy's like, no one's a new me. He's like, but why him? And he's like, let's just say you're not the only one who wants payback. And he's like, hmm, hmm. He's like, all right, you help me find the rest of my team, and I'll help you with this Homelander. So we see Kamiko. She's in the house room texting Frenchie. And she's like, are you coming back? And then you see soon Monkoya or whatever. He's like, I am bringing you a surprise. She's like, what is it? It wouldn't be a surprise if I told you what. She's eating a popsicle. She... <laughs> She looks out the window and it's like, oh, what was a joke? I, I knew it right away. It's like, why was the photograph not guilty or something like that? But then you know, she starts seeing her popsicle and uh, one of Nina's men grabs her from behind. She elbows him and like bites him, but then he like punches her and knocks her out. 
Annie asks Mother's Milk if he thinks Soldier Boy is going after the rest of Payback. And he said, well, you know, Countess wasn't strong enough to screw him over on her own, so she must have had help. Then she asks if he knows where any of them are. The TNT twins are in Vermont. Butcher doesn't have the address, but he'll be able to get it. He's um, getting guns ready, you know, doing all this stuff like that. And he's like, she's like, I, isn't Soldier Boy bulletproof? You know, he's like, well, these ain't for Soldier Boy. And she says that, you know, she's ticked at them too, but they have to keep their heads. And he's like, why? And, you know, why Why do I have to take the high roads? You know, when white folk get mad, you mofos go berserk. But I got to turn the other cheek. He's like, fudge the high roads, Butcher and Huey. She's like, Huey's not himself right now. You know, he's a grown man who, or mother's most like, he's a grown man who can make his own decisions. Then she's like, Kamiko's in the hospital. Frenchie isn't answering. Supersonic's dead. And Maeve, you know, she's like, we're all we've got. Then she gets a call from Ashley. So she tells mother's milk that she has to go to the tower or they'll know something's up she's like i'll just i'll be an hour then she's like do i have to worry about you and he just like looks at her you know like gun in his hand so then we see a vaught video with a train a train to africa promo ashley isn't thrilled with it but then he walks into her office and she puts on a smile and she's like oh it looks great and everything like that he's just like what are you doing about blue hawk and she's like uh first of all Everyone at Vought is heartbroken over your brother's tragic accident. And he's like, it wasn't an accident. He's like, Blue Hawk went ape poop for no reason. She's like, he said he felt threatened. And he's like, by what? A room full of black people with no superpowers? She says she suggested 12 weeks of sensitivity training. And he's like, fudge that. He's like, I want charges brought. And she's like, that will only make things worse. It's like, this is a time for healing. And he says that he doesn't care. He thought they got rid of the Nazis around here. And she automatically says, Vought rejects racism and Nazi unequivocally, okay? She's like, can we talk about this later? She's like, I got work today, thank you. He's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I don't need you. He's like, I'll just ping his chip and go get his butt myself. And then she's like, no, Homelander wants everyone to present a united front right now. A-Train's like, my brother is paralyzed. He's like, I want some flipping justice. She looks at him and she's like, seriously? She's like, you want some justice? And he's like, yeah. And then she kind of like grunts and like slams down her hand and she like ripped out some of her hair. It was like entwined in her fingers. And he's like surprised by that. And she's like, I spent over 100 hours in crisis management meetings, specifically figuring out how to cover up your BS, including all three of your straight up murders while you were out in a club with your crew or getting your toe sucked by Popclaw, who, let's not forget, you also murdered. Yeah, that's right. I know about that. You did not give a poop about all the collateral you caused then. Now all of a sudden you care because it happened to you? Go fudge yourself. Yeah, that's right. I said that out loud. And he just looks looks at her and he like nods, nods and then he just like walks out without saying a word. Deep talks to Homelander in the hall. He's like a couple things. Uh, one, Noir is gone. And he's like, what? He's like, he cut out his tracking chip. Homelander looks, you know, he has like a, the chip in a baggie whatever he's like no he 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 wouldn't do that no 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 not not noir he wouldn't run he wouldn't do that to me cassandra a few feet back in the hall cassandra deep's wife she's like tell him what we figured out and deep's like he looks at her he's like right we think crimson countess was just the start we think he's going after his whole team including noir the good news is that means we know where he's probably headed next. The twins, TNT, they're the closest in Vermont. Homelander's like, okay. He's like, this, 
uh, and this makes uh, Deep happy. So Homelander's like, go there and check it out. And if Soldier Boy does show up, then uh, you, you call me. Homelander goes to his like his office room, whatever. Then his reflection, he's talking to his reflection. He's like, oh, why the long face, tiger? He says that, he's like, he's like, well, what if I can't handle him? And he's like, Noir ran. His reflection says that he can. He's the top of the food chain. Homelander says he wonders if Edgar was right about him taking over Vought. He admits that you know he just wants people to love him. So then we see this old movie with Soldier Boy tied up. He's like standing up to some Russian soldier. TNT, they blast him. Soldier Boy complains about them. You know, he's like watching movies. He's like talked about how you know things are so messed up today. Huey asks, he's like, "What happened in Midtown?" And then Soldier Boy's like, "I don't know." And he, he's like, "I said I don't know." So he admits that he blacked out. He's like ten minutes, and then he came to. He's like, "I didn't mean to hurt those people." He's like, "I'm not a bad guy." Then Butcher comes. And with some blood on, on him, they're looking at him. He's like, oh, it's not mine. He's like, I got an address. He's like, Vermont. So he and Huey shoot up some 10 feet. And they get ready to go. So Deep arrives at the twins' place. And then Tommy, the Tommy twin, he, when he knocks in the room, he's like, oh, I'm a big fan of yours. His sister Tessa's by his side. And Deep asks if they're, he's like, oh, you having a party? And they're like, yeah, go inside. And then he's like, goes in there. He's like, this is Herogasm? Homelander is waiting to go on the VNN Today show with Haley Miller. His face twitches a little and uh, Starlight walks up and sits in a chair next to him. He takes her hand. He's like, I'm really glad you're here. He's like, I missed you. And she's kind of surprised and she doesn't say anything. Then uh, he asks, or she asks, someone asks like, who's joining us? Because there's a fourth seat. And they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's Victoria Newman. And then he's like, you know, they have everything under control, blah, 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 stuff like this. Then Haley asks, she's like, what about the fact that there are 19 dead and 13 wounded? And she asks Newman, she's like, what can you say to reassure people? And she starts to give like a prepared answer. And Homelander's like ticked. He's like, what kind of nasty question is that? And Newman's like, no, 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 it's, it's okay. And he cuts her off. He's like, I just answered and you're ambushing? He's like, your job is to report facts, not to attack us when we sit here and tell you the truth. The American people, they know. They know when someone's telling them facts, and they know when the media is lying to them. He looks at the camera. There is no problem. It is safe to go out, period. And he stands up. He's like, you know what? We're done here. And he mutters under his breath, stupid flipping hack. He's so they're clear. Ashley um, tears into Haley, like calls her a flipping amateur, and her next report she'll be doing it is or doing is inside her flipping butt. <laughs> Newman asked Starlight, she's like, oh, are you free for a little catch-up? And she's like, try saying that she's a little slammed right now. Newman's like, 10 minutes won't kill you. So they sit in uh, Starlight's office, I guess. I mean, I don't know if they have like LaCroix or something like that. And she's like, where's Huey? And Annie's like, or Starlight's like, oh, he's camping with his dad. She's like, oh, good. I thought he was avoiding me because he was scared I was going to pop his head. Starlight, amid swallow, she's like, hmm? Newman's like, come on, Annie. And her eyes glow. Newman's like, put them away. I'm not going to hurt you or Huey or your families. Besides, you'd lose. And he's like, why are you here? And she says, because, you know, I want to help. And Annie's like, huh, help. From the psycho who blew up Congress. And she says, she's like, most of those guys passed around deep fakes of me, whatever. And she says, you know, Annie needs her. The hashtag homelight poop. It's like, it looked like you were in a hostage video. So she has to play nice with Deep after what he did to her her first day. And they say that Maeve is in rehab, but they both know she's probably dead. So Newman's like, I'm all you have. He's like, we're friends. And he's like, are, we, are you ever going to get to the point? Newman's like, 
you have 193 Instagram followers. Lend me your influence and I'll lend you mine. It's like, I can protect you from Homelander and you'll finally be the team captain for real. And in return, if you um, help me goose my numbers, then you can I can finally get my education reform bill passed and we can make things better for my daughter and for lots of daughters. And Annie's like, you're right. It's like this whole place, it's like, I'm so flipping tired of listening to people tell me that I need to be crappy in order to win. And she's like, fudge you and fudge Homelander and fudge fought. Obviously, she's not saying fudge. Newman will just sit on top of a steaming pile of poop that she built. And he's like, I'm done. She's like, I'm not doing it anymore. Newman's like, you're not going to be doing anything if Homelander kills her, kills you. And she's like, yeah, Maybe. But then I'll know that I'm not working with a flipping nut job. So either pop my head or get the heck out. Newman gets up, walks right up to her. Then she's like, hey, keep this between us. It'd be really tough to take out America's sweetheart, but not impossible. And then she leaves. And Annie's nose is like bleeding a little bit. So it's probably from, from her. Kamiko is starting to wake up. Her hands are cuffed behind her back. Sherry is next to her and she was like whispering. She's sorry. Frenchie's dragged. He's just wearing like little shorts. He gets hooked to this pipe like by his neck. And um, he's like, he's like, don't do this. Nina comments. She's like, oh, look at his body. It's a masterpiece. No, she points out like different scars that he has, like tells a story. Like when he was a kid, there's one like the scars in his knees because uh, someone dropped a, a glass or something like that. And his dad made him kneel on it and all this stuff, whatever. She's, she says that she's then she, so basically what it comes down to then she's like Sherry or Kamiko and this dude pulls out a gun so she's gonna make him choose oh because she said some stuff like how he's just like a dog he likes being told what to do and everything like that but then he has to choose so she's like if he doesn't choose then she'll just kill both and then when he's finished screaming crying she'll kill him too turns out somehow Kamiko still has a popsicle stick and she's trying to pick the cuffs, you know, from behind the chair. Sherry is talking in French, and Nina's like, choose. And he's like, no, no. And then Nina uh, motions to Kamiko, but Kamiko uncuffs herself, slices a guy's throat with a popsicle stick. Nina drops her cigarette. Then she pulls a, Kamiko pulls the body on top of her. The other dude starts shooting, but hits the body like several times until he's like out of bullets and then kicks the other body off. Kamiko's just lying there. And then uh, she like chomps on his ankle. He like punches her hard in the face and it's, like starts choking her. Sherry's trying to like break her chair that she's cuffed to. Kamiko pulls back the dude's fingers that are like around her throat. And then he like screams, which gives Kamiko a moment to catch her breath. Nina moves towards the, the drop gun, but Sherry breaks free from the chair and like charges into her. Uh, the dude grabs Sherry and slams her like against this like metal can canister or whatever barrel. Frenchie's like yelling at to Kamiko to run. She starts fighting and she's taking some hits. She gets slammed, you know, into a shelf. She's dragged and she's punched in the face again, just getting choked again, punched to her ribs again and again, like five more times. And then um, she's like reaching out. There's this like long metal screw or something like that. And she jabs into the guy's like inner thigh and he like falls back. She uses the metal and she like stabs him in the chest. I'm like, boom, dad, 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 dad. I think it was like 18 times. And she's like caked in blood. And Frenchie tells her, like, Nina's gone now because she, she took off. So MM and Annie are driving. She sees him like tap the steering wheel three times with his like nervous tick, whatever his OCD thing. And she asks him if he's always had that. And he talks about growing up in Harlem. 
And one night, some kids were trying to boost a Benz, whatever. Soldier Boy is outside getting them, and he MM sees them. He's like, Grandpa, Grandpa, it's Soldier Boy. And then Soldier Boy throws the Benz into his house like a freight train, missed him by about six inches. His grandpa, one minute he was there, and then he wasn't. And then he, it, it's like he woke him up and put him in that spot, and that's where it started. So he's like, if he didn't check the burners three times a night, Soldier Boy would come back or something like that. And he's like, I'm still that kid, and if I don't check the burners, Soldier Boy will come back and kill my family. And like a tear falls from his eyes. So he says that he has to get him out of his head and end this, or it'll end him. M.M. and Annie knock on a twin's door. It opens up, and they hear music. And then uh, the giant penis from the first season comes to the door, and Annie cringes like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And M is like, oh, hell nah. And he asks, the, the dude asks for an invitation. M.M. gets ready to pull a gun, but Annie stops him. And he's like, hey, Starlight, I didn't recognize you. He's like, come in. You're more than welcome to party. And she's like, party? And he's like, yeah, the 70th anniversary of, of Herogasm. He's, and then uh, the penis is like behind him now. And he says to M.M., he's like, you seem familiar. And he's, he's, he's like, I'm about to get familiar with my hands if you don't get this mofo love sausage away from my GD face. And then he's like, you're not soup. And M.M.'s like, I'm with her. He's like, for the fudge party. And Annie's like, yeah, he's um, really good at cunning lingus. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, his tongue is just, yeah. And then the dude's like, okay. He's like, love sashes. He's like, that is a good name for me. He's like, come on. So M.M. fills her in. Once a year, a bunch of C-listers get together at one of their places for to get their wicks wet. And he says, poor Frenchie. He's like, he always wanted to see this. He's going to be heartbroken. So there are apparently also sex workers that are there too, not just superheroes. And she says that when Soldier Boy gets there, it's going to be a slaughter. So they have to get them out. M.M. gets hit by some stuff. And then uh, there's the whole story. First, someone bumps into him and like his jacket's a little like slimy, whatever. And then um, <laughs> it's so nasty. This is probably a nasty part. Then they're like, he needs to find a bathroom. So he opens the door and then whoosh, he just gets caked by like like a gallon of stuff <laughs> um outside butcher soldier boy and huey check out the place with binoculars soldier boy mentions that this is his thing he started it in 52 it's like him and another soup named liberty so he's like oh she was a firecracker butcher tells huey he's like oh frenchie's gonna be heartbroken that he missed this so he said the same thing mm said huey says to soldier boy that there are a lot of uh people in there he's like well as long as they stay out of my way they'll be fine Huey's like, give me three minutes. He's like, I'll jump in, see where the twins are, and jump back. So Starlight is, she's talking to Blue Hawk, trying to get him to help her get people out of there. He doesn't believe Soldier Boy is alive. Then uh, Huey jumps in just as she like walks into another room. So she just misses him. Starlight walks down the hall, and then she hears the Deep's voice. So she goes into a room, and like behind an aquarium, she's like, WTF? So Deep has like a big octopus on his crotch and his pants are down. And she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, nothing. I'm not doing anything. Why would you even? He's like, this octopus was sick. Why would you even? And then she's like, Homelander is going to love this. And she takes out her phone to take a picture. And he's like, no, no. And snap. And then she's, he's like, okay. He's like, it was his idea to, to for me to be here. Huey's uh, walking around just like holding his, his junk with his hands because he's naked now because he teleported. He finds the twins arguing and then uh, 
A-Train, you know, he goes to turn to leave and A-Train bumps into him. He's like, oh, sorry. Then A-Train's like, I know you like flipping soups, but I'm off the table. He was like, that's not why I'm here, but... And then A-Train's, you know, he's like, you're here too. And A-Train's like, yeah, whatever, Pornhub. He's like, I don't have time for you right now. Huey, like, found a silk robe, puts it on. He's like, hey, you never said you were sorry. And A-Train's like, what? He's like, for Robin. You never apologize for Robin because he killed her in, like, the first episode. And he's like, you never apologize. And then A-Train's like, you want to do this right now? And Huey's like, he's like, you don't care about all the broken people you leave behind. A-Train takes off his glasses. Like, you know what? He's like, I'm sorry. Is that what you want to hear? Because I am. Okay. It's fudged up. Seeing somebody that you love get hurt like that. Sorry. I'm flipping sorry, Huey. And Huey, like, takes this in. And then Annie sees him standing there. Huey punches A-Train. So even though, I mean... I think A-Train really is sorry at this point. He's just so like in over his head with dealing with the reality, like what he did and everything like that. And he runs up between them. A-Train's like, he's like, how did you do that? You know, how do you hit him so hard? Whatever. And she tells A-Train that he has to leave that, you know, not that he deserves the warning. So Annie pulls Huey aside. She's like, is he here? And Huey's like, he's just here for the twins. No one else has to get hurt. She says that, He's like, you don't get to decide who to serve up on a platter. These are real people. She's like, we have to get them out. And it's like, it's going to be a bloodbath. And he's like, no, it's not. And she's like, Homelander's coming. It's like the deep told her. So when the two start fighting and then Soldier Boy walks in. So I guess it's been three minutes. He tells her what, what that she needs to go. And she's like, no. She says she needs to stop him. She moves forward uh, towards Soldier Boy. But then Huey grabs her in behind, teleports them out. And then they appear like out by the road by a car. She's like, you teleported me? WTF? So they're both naked now. But you don't see anything. And she, he's like, I saved you, Annie. Jesus, all I want to do is save you. And she says, she's like, I keep saying, or you keep saying that. I don't need you to save me. And he goes on. He's, he's like, oh, God forbid I save you. If I'm, I'm the stronger one, you have to be so much stronger than me. And she's like, you said that you didn't care about that. He's, and, you know, that was on their first date. And he, he's like, I know, but it does sometimes a little. And she's like, I thought the drugs messed you up, but this is you. This is all you. And it's true. MM is, is that's why he wants the drugs so, so much. MM is looking around. He sees Soldier Boy. And so he, he takes like a smoke bomb and like tosses it to him. He just like inhale. He like, Soldier Boy lifts it up and like inhales it. Hello thing. And then he like tosses it. He's like, what'd you think you're gonna do with that? MM walks closer and he's like, you killed my family. And Soldier Boy's like, you know, which one? MM snarls and puts up his his fist. <laughs> and Butcher walks up behind Soldier Boy and he's like, Oi, not him. Twins are out there. Soldier Boy looks at MM and then he leaves. MM's like, You get Homelander, but I can't get Soldier Boy. He's like, You're a flipping hypocrite, Butcher. He's like, Now move. Butcher's like, Oh, I can't let you do that. You know, it'd be suicide. MM like moves past him, but then Butcher puts his hand on his chest and you know, he, he can't move because of 10 feet, so he's like holding him back. So then uh, MM smashes a case on the side, pulls out a, a baseball bat. He's like, come on, what you going to do with that? He swings and hits Butcher in the face. And he just keeps hitting him, hitting him until the bat breaks. He's like, that's enough. And then MM puts up his fists. So he's just, he's he's had it. Soldier Boy finds the twins because um, they were like arguing about the camera and the toilet or something like that. Tessa's like, Nicaragua wasn't our fault. And Tommy agrees. Soldier Boy asks, he's like, well, whose fault was it? They're like, if if we tell you, maybe, you know, 
you'll let us go or something like that. Tommy's like, it was Noir. It was Noir's idea. The Soldier Boy's like, Noir wouldn't take a poop without Vought's say-so. Then Soldier Boy starts hearing um, Russian pop music. And um, according to the closed caption, it says it's pop music. Starts getting flashbacks. Tessa asks Tommy to take his hand. They're like, well, we haven't done this in years, whatever. So they join hands. They're about to blast because they have to hold hands to shoot. It just kind of fizzles. Soldier Boy lights up, whoosh, incinerates them, and like a good, maybe like a quarter of the others, like a good chunk of the house gets blown out. Annie has on a big shirt. They hear an explosion. The, uh, she starts to head over, and Huey's like, You can't go. And she's like, I can't. And then she like zaps him and he sends him flying back. So people are screaming. They're bloody. Deep runs around with the octopus in a, like a plastic grocery bag and jumps into his SUV. A-Train calls after Blue Hawk and he's like, oh, not right now. He's like, there's a psycho back there. A-Train grabs him by the throat. He's like, you hurt a lot of people. You hurt my brother. He's like, you're not going to get away with it. And then he grabs him by the foot and he drags him along the pavement. He's like running at super speed. Drags him along the pavement for quite a bit. It's a big smear of... of red blood and then he likes um you hear his heartbeat beating faster and faster and then he like stops he has like a heart attack or something in the middle of the road so you just see a smeared blue hawk remains and then a train just collapses termite is on the ground he's like someone help me and then homelander arrives and like squashes him i'm assuming it was accidental either way he's gone Butcher uh, comes to like under a little rubble. He gets up and sees MM, checks his pulse. Soldier Boy walks down and stares. And then Butcher's is like sorted. And Soldier Boy's like, what happened? Homelander walks down. William Butcher and Soldier Boy. Of course you are behind this. This whole thing. It really is about me. William, we made a deal to fight to the death. You and me. This is cheating. And he, he's like, deal's off. And then zap. Butcher gets slammed into wall by Homelander's heat vision. Soldier Boy just turns and looks at him. And Homer Lander's like, you were my hero growing up. I watched all your movies hundreds of times. You were the only one that was nearly as strong as, as me. And Soldier Boy's like, buddy, you think you look strong? You're wearing a cape. You're just a cape flipping knockoff. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He's like, I'm the upgrade. So Homelander flies up and Soldier Boy, um, he, he flies at Soldier Boy, he slams him against the wall. He starts up his eyes, but then Soldier Boy headbutts him, punches, punch, hit, duck, punch. Annie comes in and tells MM that she needs his help. It's like people are hurt. He has his gun in his hand, but she says that she's like he doesn't control you. She's like we have to help these people. So as they're fighting, it's like is Homelander stronger? He has him pinned against the wall, and he's like lifting him. Then he's like, oh, you really had me going there. And then you hear, oi! And Butcher gets his attention, and then laser eye blasts him. As Homelander gets up, he's like, WTF. Homelander looks at him. He's like, what have you done? Butcher says, scorched earth. Punch, punch, punch. Eye beams against each other, blasting each other. Homelander is floating up a bit. Soldier Boy grabs his cape, slams him down on the ground, whips him off to the side, more punches. It's two against one. Then Huey teleports in, shoves Homelander aside. Homelander looks at him, laser shoots, but then Huey teleports away. Soldier Boy grabs him, slams him down, punch, punch. Butcher and Soldier Boy pin him down. Hubie is there, pin, he pins down his other arm to help them do it. And then Homelander's eyes glow, and Butcher's like, do it. And um, so, Soldier Boy starts powering up. Butcher tells Huey to get out of there. He's like, no flipping way. So he, he is, it's coming, it's coming. And then Homelander knocks them back, 
and flies straight up like out of there. So Homelander gets away. M.M. is checking people out, and he sees Soldier Boy, Butcher, and Huey walk out. Butcher and M.M. just lock eyes and glare at each other, and he glares at Huey and then like looks away. Frenchie tends to Kamiko's wounds. Sherry's sleeping on a couch. Um, Kamiko signs, it was always me. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, I blame the V for making me a monster, but that's not true. It's just who I am. And he's like, no, you are not a monster. She's like, no matter because you know how much they try to run they can't escape their lives no one can run that fast and he's like the she's like those things that little nina said about you are not true uh, about him you know wanting to be treated like a dog and told what to do whatever like that homelander is in his office just standing there and then um annie and mm are still at the house it's like nighttime now ambulances there are several bodies just are lying on the ground covered up she takes out her phone and she holds it uh, out to mm and he's like this is a bad idea and she says homelander help me help make me america's sweetheart he's going to regret that so he starts recording her and she's like i'm at mount pelletier vermont 12 heroes and civilians are dead a lot more are wounded so she's live streaming and she's like now homelander and vaught are going to tell you that it was the supervillain and that they have it handled they don't it was soldier boy I know it's. I know I sound insane, but Soldier Boy doesn't care about protecting Americans, and he probably never has. Most heroes don't care about you. They only care about their image. And Homelander is the worst of them. He's hurt people. He's done something to Maeve. I don't know what they're going to do to me for telling the truth, but I'm going to keep doing it. And I should have done it sooner. I'm sorry. And one more thing, I'm not Starlight anymore. My name is Annie January, and I flip and quit. And that's the end of the episode. So, um, and, and the crazy thing is, it's like, it's not even the end of the season. So it's like, things are really getting nuts. And uh, um, yeah, so we finally had a confrontation, but obviously there's got to be more to it than that. So we'll see. Okay, and then Ms. Marvel, season one, episode four, Seeing Red. So... Let me just say right before I get started at the recap, I like the episode. I, you know, I, I really, I always liked Ms. Marvel character in the comics, you know, the, the original comics, the, the original run by G. Willow Wilson. I mean, it was just great story, great art, just really good stuff. I and mean, such a likable character. And um, this actress playing Ms. Marvel, she's just so great. I mean, she's just, it's like so natural. Just she's, you know, she's a kid and she's got these powers and, you know, she, it's just, it's, it's really delightful you know it's just it's really nice um it's interesting the story and everything like that with with the the gin and and everything but i will say this episode while it was interesting and all i don't know i kind of felt like something was was missing a little bit so but i don't know we'll see maybe it's just i was preoccupied with other things it's been a crazy week so kamala's on a plane to pakistan and then um, this guy's like, oh, your first time in Pakistan, like sitting next to her. But then her mom's sitting on the other side. Because, you know, after Kamala spoke, she's like, oh, you speak. And she's like, oh, I, I thought, you know, I wasn't allowed to or like that. So she's still in trouble for ruining her brother's wedding. But since her nanny is old and insisted they go, they're having a temporary truce. So it's like, how much does a flight to Pakistan cost? I can't imagine it'd be super cheap. Have they ever told, I guess they've never told us what her her parents or what her dad does for a living. I don't know if her mom works, but so they land in Karachi. Um, her cousins greet them at the airport. 
uh, Zanab and Owais or something like that. I don't know why they're there because then Nani comes up too. And then the cousin's like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow or something like that. So I thought they were there to pick her up. But no, Nani's there and the car drives him. So they, on the drive to the house, Kamala's like taking in the sights of Karachi, just looking around and everything like that. It's a, a big house. There's a, a like a big gate and everything like that. Dog comes up to it. She knows a dog. So she's been there within its lifetime. The dog's name is Magnum. And she says, she comments that he's grown and the house is big. She's like, has it always been this big? Whatever. Um, she goes up to her room. They're like, it's on the right. But then she ends up going into this like studio and said, there's lots of like drawings and art and newspaper clippings and just like art hanging up and stuff like that. Nani comes in after her and she said that she thought the way to hold on to everything they lost was to create it herself. And she like says that, you know, she has one photo of her father as a baby and she shows her painting of Aisha, Kamala's great grandmother, or what Nani could remember of her. So Kamala um, takes out the bangle and she's like, why did you send this to me? She's like, um, are you? Uh, and then she's like, a jinn? She's like, of course, at least. But that is what my father told me. And Kamala's like, how are you so casual about this? And Nani says that she doesn't see what the fuss is. It's just genetics. Uh, she said, you know, Kamala is focusing on the wrong thing. It's not about the vision or whether or not she's a jinn. The important thing is that when the bangle was used the last time, it saved her life. Kamala asked if it was like the trail of stars when she left India. And Nani's like, yes, it was in the middle of partition. She got separated from her father until a trail of stars appeared and guided her back to her father's arms. And Kamala asks, like, on the train? And Nani's like, yes. It's like the last one that night. So she's like, is it the same one from the vision the other night? Is the Bengal trying to tell her something? Uh, but Nani doesn't know what. So she does know that Kamala needed to be there with her to figure it out. And Kamala says that, you know, she doesn't know how. And she feels like, you know, she's breaking things more than she's fixing. And Nani says that, you know, she'll find beauty in the pieces then. Um, Kamala is... Uh, been trying to text Nakia. Um, is that how you say it? Nakia? 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 I don't know why I'm just sounding weird in my head now. Uh, she hasn't been responding. Um, so I, th- I feel like this is going to be like a, the Lana Clark thing where Nak- Nakia is going to be mad that Kamala didn't tell her right away. But it's like, I don't know. I, I don't see why you would tell someone your this huge secret immediately. Because it's only been a few days. So I don't know. Uh, then she falls asleep and there's like some flashes or memories or what, you know, she's just thinking stuff. Then her cousins come in to wake her up and they say they're going out. She's kind of reluctant, but then mom reminds her that they're there to visit. So they're going to go eat and meet with an auntie or whatever. So they go to like some restaurant, but they have to sit outside because it turns out there's like a no jeans w- rule or something like that. And Kamala didn't know. Then auntie comments on Kamala's name, not being a typical Pakistani uh, Pakistani name. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, then she says, you know, to her mom, she's like, oh, she's always been a bit of a rebel, whatever. Um, the cousins take her out sightseeing and they're like, oh, this is where the oldest residents live. And she's like, like Florida? And they're like, they're like, what are you talking about? Then they go to the market. Uh, Kamala tries on these weird sunglasses and she wants to go to the train station. They don't really want to go. So they're like, oh, we'll just, you know, meet you later. So it's like, yeah, just leave her and like uh, just you know, big, crazy, busy city, whatever. She manages to get there. You know, she, she gets some like confusing directions, like, Oh, turn left and then turn left and then turn left again and then turn right. And you'll be, you know, so she's at the train station and she goes to this like closed off section 
for some reason. She puts on like the new mask that Bruno made her. And she sees like some Avenger art, like painting on the wall, like Ant-Man, you know, like you can grow into whatever you want. Or I forget what it said. And then a blade flies into the wall and she like turns around. She doesn't see anyone. And then a dude with a red scarf covering his lower face is like, found you. He's like, not sure what's worse. Those glasses you tried on or that mask. So we've seen this guy in a comic. Um, so she's like, are you following me? And he's like, I sensed a Noor. So that's the stuff that's it's in here. So he charges towards her and then she shoots out a giant fist, but then he jumps up and kind of runs down the arm. He does a flip and tries, uh, you know, when he lands, tries to kick out her feet, but she jumps up. She like makes a platform. She hits him with the blast and he recovers. He asks if all Americans have powers. And she's like, how do you know I'm not Canadian? There's more fighting. And he comments that she's wearing a shirt that says New Jersey. So then he's like, what is this look? And she's like, what? No one likes this outfit, huh? Some more fighting banter. Then she asks, who is he? And he asks, what is she? And he says that, you know, she she's not the clandestine. And she's like, you know about them? And he says that, well, you have the bangle. He's like, how did you get it from Aisha? And she's like, how do you know about Aisha? And then, you know, they're like like laying on the ground and then uh, some guards yell at them because, you know, they're, they're ways off. They're not supposed to be there. So then he's like, come with me if you want to live. And she's like, what? He's like, just kidding. I always wanted to say that. So he's like, but, you know, we should go. There's someone that you should meet. So they go into this restaurant, through the restaurant. He picks up some food and then they, he goes in the kitchen and then there's like the secret door. And he's like, welcome to the Red Daggers. He's like, perhaps we can teach you to open your eyes because she made some comment about like the inside of the restaurant or the kitchen, or whatever. So she asks if he's uh, in a Pakistani boy band because when he says the, the Red Daggers, and uh, as they're walking, like the hallways are starting to get like fancy, like almost like like a coliseum, like whatever. He takes off his mask and he says that, you know, tourists usually aren't allowed back there. This other dude's like, but for a descendant of Aisha, I'm sure we can make an exception. So she started asking, he's like, how did you know? He introduced himself as Waleed, W-A-L-E-E-D. Her great grandmother's story is of legend. Um, and then... Uh, so, He's like, if she's ready, you know, they, they have uh, a lot to discuss. So they eat some food and she asks if it's, um, why is a hot and sour soup so red? And because she has a problem with spice. She ate something before it was like really spicy. And they're like, uh, the, the, the scarf guy is like the kid. He's like, that's the way it's supposed to be. He's like, have the Americans found a way to whitewash the Chinese food too? And she's like, tell me, was it hard finding a scarf long enough to cover that big mouth of yours? So Waleed says their job is simple, protect those from the threats of the unseen. And she's like, like the jinns. Waleed said that the clandestines are not like the jinn that she's heard about in stories or religious texts. She asks then, what are they and what is she? Waleed says that he'll show her. So he says they're from another realm. He turns a switch and there's like this map on the wall shows like two maps and how the worlds coexist. And then this like big kind of box thing comes up from the floor and kind of like shows some land masses and you know there's like some like purplish like fancy cities whatever and then just like a regular city like in mountain whatever so he says there are many dimensions around us that we cannot see this is just one of them he's like this is aisha's home it's connected to our world but hidden so behind the veil of nur that separates our world from theirs uh red scarf i forget his name the red scarf kid he's like 
Noor is a energy source of that realm. And so that the veil, the clandestines, even her powers are made up of it. Walid says that if the clandestines use the bangle to tear down the veil, they'll unleash their world onto ours until there's nothing left of it. So the, the floor thing shows like the bright other worlds like kind of plows over the other city. Wally said that that's why it's important to keep the bangle safe. Then he comments that, uh, that with everything he's heard about the bangle, he didn't know about an inscription on there. And she's like, do you know what it says? So he looks at it. What you seek is seeking you. So she's like, is that an important message? He's like, I don't know, but it must have been important to someone. Then it cuts to the DODC Supermax prison, so Department of Damage Control. The clandestines are being moved, so they're like in these cuffs, and they're like chained, you know, there's like a, a bar over their head that the, ch the, the, the chain is over, so they have to like walk with their arms up like down this hallway. And it's like kind of like, it looks like boiler room, like hallway or something like that, like back of a football stadium, I don't know what... So then uh, the guards aren't really nice. It's like They have like the cattle prods, things like that. Um, so I think um, Karim or Karam got zapped or something like that. And then they start making a move and um, one manages to cut through the chain, whatever. There's more armed guards. Najma says to one dude to let Cameron go because, you know, they're, they're about to escape. So they take them all out. Um, he's like helping Cameron uh, walk. But then Najma's like, he made his choice. Now he has to live with it. She's like, let's get the bangle. And then they leave him. He's like there. He's like like hurt and confused that you know she left him. Kamala returns to her nannies. And she asks Kamala she found what she came, you know, looking for. And she's like, it's been an education. Nani says that, you know, even at her age, she's trying to figure out who she is. And, you know, some more talk about stuff like that. Kamala gets a text. So it's from the kid. So um, I think that his name is Kimo. Um, that's a red scarf dude. So he meets with his friends and they're like, Kimo, whatever. And she's like, your name is minced meat. So I don't know if that's what Kimo meat. He's like, no, um, Kimo is short for Kareem. He's like, we all go by nicknames here. So, they're like, so what's yours? And she's like, sloth baby. So they're like, sloth baby, whatever. So they're, I think, I don't know if they're on the beach or something like that, but they're, um, there's, uh, they're sitting around a fire and then they hand her like, some soup in a bag or something she's like i never had it in, in in a bag it's like some sort of food or something like that and she was just like is it spicy and she because she doesn't do well and he's like try it it's good and they, they kind of like make fun of her because she asked it kamala's mom has been cleaning all day so when when uh kamala gets home you know nani mentions that and uh so then later um no 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 this was before so nani's uh she's still cleaning nani wants to help but then uh sana makes her sit rubs her leg and and she's like you know maybe it's time she thinks about coming to live with them in america and so nani laughs she's like i thought you went halfway around the world to get away from me and she says that she wasn't trying to get away from her she just needed a change you know she was continuously being shunned by the neighbors because of her crazy mother and her wild theories even after baba left her she continued to cling on to these fantastic theories nani says that she thought that she'd share them with her and she's like i didn't need your stories i needed my mother so then um kamala returns later and mom asks her if she had fun with her cousins and she's like yeah but she wasn't even with her cousins Waleed, uh, she's next day, whatever. She, he says that he believes her Gen X could be the answer to why 
it is that she can shape the newer here. So her humanity links her to this world and it makes her abilities unique. So she like glows her fist and you know, like it starts covering her, her fist and like her body, whatever. While he gets some material, um, she's wearing like this red outfit and he has like some green or some blue material. And he says that they may not have fancy armor, but she should know there is history in every thread of this fabric. So she will always remember where she came from and she's not alone. So she puts it on and it's, it's a blue vest. So now with the vest on, when she does it up, it looks more like her actual costume, like the Ms. Marvel costume. So she's like, Oh, am I a red dagger now? And they're like, it suits you. And then, uh, then the clandestine crashed through the ceilings and the window. They get to Pakistan, like just like that. It's like, do they teleport there? Can they teleport? I don't think they can. So they they crash through the windows and the ceiling. Walid yells to Kamala to get out of there. There's a fight. Walid puts up a pretty good fight. They all run. They hop in on this like motorized like three wheel taxi thing, like on a bike or whatever. The others follow. Like one of them steals uh, another taxi thing. The other two more steal a truck. Just like plowing through the, the streets. As they're going, there's like a family. <laughs> there's a dude, his wife, and two kids all on this motorcycle. Is like trying to start the motorcycle, and Kamala's like, "Baby, baby, whatever." And then she makes this like shield ramp in front of them. They go around it, but then the truck hits it and tips over sideways. The other taxi thing is still following. Kamala and Kimo they they separate. While he you know goes, so they all go separate ways. Kamala gets in his truck and. Um, still being chased Walid faces he's like up on some balconies now and then Najma's up there he sees Kimo and Kamala they they met up they're getting chased he throws a, two daggers at the dude that's chasing after him knocks him down but then Najma hacks him in the back and knocks him off the balcony so Kamala like they he lands like right by their feet Kamala want, wants to help him but Kimo says it's too late it's like uh, are you sure did you even check this eve so they duck into this place and it's like a dead end and it's just like just big rooms and there's like just like stuff hanging and everything so they get prepared to fight um and then it starts going i don't know if chemo might have got stabbed in the back or something like that najma drab, jabs her blade at kamal and she blocks it uh, and it hits a bangle and in reality kind of cracks and shift and she lands on some tracks so kamala's like some tracks and she can hear a train so there's others kind of like walking around like refugees or whatever. And she sees a, a sign that says Karachi. Uh, this other lady, like you can hear her tell her daughter. It's like, is this the last train tonight? Or, so there's several people like climbing on or whatever. Then she decides to climb up on top of the train. She looks around. And there's just like a sea of people like all around the, the train station. Uh, no idea what's going on now. So somehow she's like in the past, in the memory. And... I don't know how this is going to help her to know about Aisha or the Bengal. And because whatever happened to Aisha after they got separated and where's she been all this time. So I don't, but so the thing is, well, you know, there's a lot of cool things. I guess what I'm looking at is this is only six episodes and that's already episode four. And I feel like we haven't fully, I don't know, maybe, I mean, we're still learning about her. I, I feel like, we're almost at the end and there's like still a lot that hasn't happened, but it doesn't have, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. Okay. And now we're going to do Westworld and part of it, I, even though this is going to be a long episode, uh, because other shows, you know, flash and, and, uh, Superman Lois 
are done this week. A Man Who Fell to Earth is over next week. Ms. Marvel is going to be over. So we'll have another show. Um, I debated. So I did cover the last season. The last episode that I talked about, uh, episodes, it was season 208, was on um, Random Podcast episode 141. So if you want to go back and hear, <laughs> no one's going to go back. But that was uh, the last time we talked about that. So um, thank goodness... Thank goodness HBO only dropped one episode of Westworld. And I I still think cuz I remember when it started I was I was at GameSpot. I wasn't I didn't watch the show like right away. I, I think I watched it after the first season ended. And the reason I didn't watch it is because I had so much other stuff on my plate. I was like I was just so over overbooked and um, I don't know, I remember if Matt was talking about doing the sh- write-ups for the show or whatever. So I wasn't covering it. So I, I was like, I can't watch this now. I watched it later, but I, I do remember people kind of talking about it. I wasn't like listening because I didn't want to get spoiled. But you know, there is like, what, what does this mean? What's going on and everything like that. And um, that, that's one of the things about about the show is that you know, just, just I, I, I like this is why I like the week by week episodes. And, and even with like all the other stuff, because it leaves you hanging for a week, you know, so I can sit here and talk about an episode and we can sit here and think about it. Okay, this happened. What the heck is going to happen next? Versus when you're watching like boom, 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 because like when I get to Umbrella Academy, there's this one character and you're like, who who is this supposed to be? You find out like, I think it's like end of episode three. And it's just like, okay. Versus I found out within like two days, it's, it's taken me a while to just get through that many episodes, but versus you get what I'm saying. So I, I like the, the week by week thing. So with a uh, Westworld season four, episode one, the auguries, um, this episode was just under, it was like around an hour long. So it wasn't, wasn't too long. We see this guy gets dressed in a suit. He has a gun. He, and I don't, I don't think this was someone that we knew before. And I could be wrong because I feel like with um, the one, there's so many characters, I forget people's names because you know me. And with the seasons kind of spread apart, um, that it, it just it feels like it was a while ago. Because that last episode was two years ago. Random Podcast episode 141 came out on May 11th, 2020. So it took two years between seasons. So that's why I have a problem with it. But that that's just me. So this this dude he goes to meet with someone um the the young he was this older guy I think the older guy was Mora I don't remember someone was Mora in the closed caption so young dudes is uneasy over something wanting to buy a bunch of worthless land and we see William um old man William the older William he arrives so he meets with them uh, the dude uh, what was his name I, they I, they do say his name later he shows William around they're at this big dam I think it's the Hoover Dam or something like that. And William says he wants all of it. He wants what, what he wants is already there. It was stolen from him from one of his facilities eight years ago. So he says that uh, William says he knows that they were paid handsomely to store it. And a dude's like, oh, maybe you should take it up with whoever stole it. And William says that he can't because she's dead. And that means that he can't decrypt it and no one else can. So he doesn't want it moved or disturbed. The dude's like, well, you know, this is a unique asset. And, and as such, it is not for sale. William says, this is America. Everything here is for sale. He hands him like this data file with like an offer. And he's, he says, the dude's like, he knows that he's buying the land. He can have the worthless land, but he can't have this facility. So William 
asked if he heard the the one about the missionary trying to negotiate with the tiger. He said that he could eat most of him, but he had to stop at his head. So he's like, him, William's like, you and your cartel or whatever the fudge you're calling yourselves these days, you will sell me this lump of concrete today. And he's like, or, or you will give it to me tomorrow for nothing. Tomorrow. And then the dude's like, how, you know, he, he talks about how they weren't welcome when they first came there, that they had to take whatever the old timers gave them. He's like, they're all buried at the bottom of the lake now. He's like, his organization has a long, proud history of defending itself and its business aggressively. So William's like, door number two then, manana. So the dude goes back to his place and he's like, manana. And then he sees like a, a bug on the glass to like the other room. There's like flies in there. And he's in his closet and he takes his gun out, whatever. And there's a bunch of flies in there. He's like kind of swatting at them. And there's more and more. And then he like looks up. There's like a crap ton of, of flies up on, on the ceiling. And it's uh, pretty gross. I hate flies. So then uh, the dude's like lying on the floor. And there's still a couple of flies buzzing, whatever. He wakes up. He goes to see the old man again. He tells him, he's like, he said yesterday he would have paid. But today we would give it to him for nothing. The old man and his two dudes start laughing. And then the young dude kind of costs a little bit, takes out a blade, stabs the old man in the chest. So then this dude, um, I think his name is Hugo. Uh, I don't think it even matters. It, it actually doesn't matter. <laughs> he So he walks out by the dam. William's there. He still has a knife in his hand. And William puts out his hand. And Hugo, whatever, hands over like the data card thing. He's like, thank you. And then Hugo's like, is my work done? He's like, yes, you can rest now. So he takes the blade, slits his own throat. He's dead. So he killed himself. Then we see Dolores. So remember Dolores is supposed to be dead or something like that? If you remember the last episode. Dolores wakes up in a, in a room. It's kind of like a modern room. Uh, you know, she gets up. Or she hits a button. Like her bed folds up, whatever. And, you know, she looks in the mirror and, you know, what it gets dressed. She has a roommate named Maya. And Maya comes out with like two shoes. Like, which one should I wear? It's like black or white. Um, and Maya calls Dolores Christina. So it's not Dolores, it's Christina. Looks, it's wait, that looks just like Dolores, right? Um, and Maya's like, what are you wearing tonight? And um, she, Christina gets a missed call from unknown. She's like, I'm wearing this. And she's like, oh, okay, good choice. Um, she gets, so Christina gets a missed call from unknown. She looks at the call log on her futuristic see-through phone, whatever. There's a ton of missed calls from unknown. And Maya's like, is it that weirdo again? And Christina's like, I blocked him, but he keeps getting through. Maya says like, oh, you know, maybe it's just a bot or some dude trying to sell you like a privacy subscription. Christina says, you know, lately she feels like someone's watching her. And Maya asks, you know, how since aside from work she never leaves the apartment which is why tonight will be good and she's like and the dude is nice he has a nice profile or whatever like that and so i guess christina um she's like well you know setups are just awkward so christina's walking to work she works at olympiad entertainment she sits at her desk and this like holo screen pops up she's recording a story of a young girl so we see like little like computer models of these people a young girl like in her teens she lives at home with her father in the country um and then she's like no wait, change that she changes to living in a city father's a little infirm so she spends time with him but she dreams of a bigger life with romance and adventure this dude named Emmett comes up to her desk and she pauses the recording and he says that they need to talk about her work performance so in his office 
He says that you know if she wants to advance in her career, she needs to stop pitching these saccharine stories. People want sex, danger, violence, transgression, melodrama, tragedy. And she mentions that you know she was thinking of writing to broaden things out, maybe a little romance, some humor. And he says, uh, you know, maybe you should save that for your diary. He's like, I know you have it in her in you. He's like, you wrote a story about a guy who stalked a girl. He lost everything and he like drowned in his sorrow. It's like, how did it end? And she's like, everyone dies. He's like, bring more of that, or you know, I'll have to find someone, another writer who can. So he's trying to like say it in a nice way, but he's also serious. Back at her desk, her phone rings. She answers. Uh, then you're, can you hear me? I know you're there. I saw what you wrote. He's like, why are you doing this to us? You have to help me. Your game is ruining my life. She just hangs up. Then we see a cabin in a mountain. Maeve's like meditating. She's thinking about her daughter, um, like having tea, falling into sand on like a maze symbol. There's a, that bearded dude, like him dying. Um, I forget what his name was, her like boyfriend lover dude. Talking to Caleb about the new world and about how you can be whoever the fudge you want. Blowing up a computer thing. Caleb getting injured. Shrapnel in the gut. Um, then in the cabin, the radio and the generator start sparking as she's just like, just meditating through all the stuff. Then the power goes out and there's like all these lights at the top of the mountain go out too. She like wakes up from her meditation trance or whatever and she curses. In a rooftop city, uh, Caleb is working. He's like hooking up some cable. His coworker Joe asks if he has plans for the anniversary because you know there's talks of riots, um, winning them freedom and stuff like that. Joe says the insight machines didn't tell them who they could be. It told them or something like that. You know, they're talking about the computer that was like controlling their lives. It said like who they already were. Caleb's like, you actually believe that? And Joe asks, he's like, asks if his life has changed since they destroyed those machines or not. So Caleb takes a lunch break on top of the roof. He's just thinking about everything. You know, there was like some war since the last, so some years have passed since the last um, season. So we see this little girl, Frankie, Frankie Nichols, his daughter. She shoots a pellet gun at some cans. Caleb comes home and says that she hasn't been practicing. And, you know, so she sees him. She runs up and gives him a hug. He takes a gun, shoots all four cans off. Um, her mob, Uwad, Uwade, Uwade, U-W-A-D-E, calls her in for dinner. I don't remember if we saw her last season. Maybe we did. I don't remember. Um, she tells him, she's like, enough with the cowboy crap. And she's like, thanks to him, her hobbies are sugar and violence. And, you know, she's only seven. Inside, she says that uh, she knows it's not an easy day for him, you know, but the war is over. So Maeve drives down to Woody's Goodies, like the general store. The dude asks her if she wants extra bottles for her guests. And she's like, guest? Um, he says that they stop by asking for directions. And, he, you know, he tried to describe, but she lives pretty far off the beaten path. So he's like, you know, you should get a, a sat phone or something. And she cuts him off. She's like, how long ago were the, did these friends stop by? He's like, oh, about 20 minutes since you've been in. So she gets a, you know, she's getting some stuff. She also gets like a big axe. And she's like, add this to my tab. She drives back to her cabin. And, you you know, she stops uh, you know before she gets there. There's two guys uh, looking around outside uh, with, with binoculars. You know, she sees there's two armed dudes and another guy standing. She backs up. The truck pulls up. Dude tells uh, three armed guy, guys to fire. They start shooting at her truck. And then they walk up and they notice the truck's empty. So Maeve's hiding with a scope. 
She shoots a propane tank in the back of the truck. Boom. Another armed guy is like running through the woods. And then he figured out where she was at somehow. He starts shooting at her. And then he goes around like this big log that she was behind. And she's not there. So he, he wonders where she went. She comes out of hiding and shoots him like dead center in the forehead. This older mustache dude is like the only one left. And he hears like a twig snap and he stops. Maeve hits him on, on the left chest like shoulder with the axe. And then um, kicks him back. Knocks the gun out of his hand. She asks how they found her. And he's like two days ago they got a signal. Her little power outage. It was enough. So she's like how many more are after her? He's not at liberty to say. She's like well let me liberate you. So she says you know seven years. So it's been seven years since the last season I guess. Seven years she's been off the grid alone not bothering anyone. And she's like who sent you Colonel Brigham? And he's like who's that? So that's who he was before because he she's like I don't have the patience to explain. So she's like, be a deer and close your eyes. Whack. She kills him. So she brings his head inside. She digs in and plugs his head into her arms like that. So because he was a host, he was Colonel Brigham, whatever. Um, going backwards through his memories, she's like, you know, them get the cabin and at the store and everything like that. And then she finally sees William. So she knows William must have sent him to find her. She torches a place, walks into the, the mountains, the woods and mountains with a rifle. Christina's off work. She goes back to her apartment. Maya calls. So this is the same day um, as before. She asks her if she's on her way. And Christina curses. She's like, oh, I forgot. She's like, you didn't forget. You were pressed. So um, and she pushes her to go. So Christina hangs up, looks in the mirror. Then she hears a clatter from the other room. She goes out, out the window onto the balcony, looks around. There's like nothing. Then she sees a plant knocked over. And it looks like there's like a maze drawn in the dirt, like the, the circular maze thing, whatever the, what is it called? Um, Anyways, you know what, I, what I'm talking about. So she's walking with Maya, who says, you know, it's probably nothing. It's probably the kid from the fourth floor who likes to smoke weed on the fire escape. So she's, uh, they separate, you know, Christina's sitting with this dude at a table, Henry. He talks a lot, of, so, you know, about, all about himself and his career. Then finally, he's like, oh, enough about me. He's like, what is it you do again? So she tells him she's a writer for Olympiad Entertainment. And he's like, oh, what game do you write for? Maybe I played them. And she's like, um, she's writing a new one, but it doesn't have a name yet. It's still in beta. But even after its release, he probably wouldn't recognize her work because she writes non-playable characters. And he's like, they're cannon fodder for most people. And she's like, I don't write them for them. I write them for me. And, you know, so she's like, life should be more. He says that, you know, maybe she hasn't found the right guy yet or something like that. And he kind of like caresses her hands. He's like, you sound depressed. He's like, there's tabs for that. It fix you right up. It's like some sort of drug or something like that. And she's like, what if I'm not the one who's broken? You know, what if it's the world that needs fixing? He's like, well, there's tabs for that feeling too. She excuses herself, goes to the bathroom. She looks in the mirror and she's about to put on uh, some of Maya's lipstick that he gave her or she gave that she gave her. Her phone rings and she's like, please stop calling me. The caller's like, wait, wait, don't hang up. She's like, you need to help me. Doctors think I'm crazy, but I know you're real. Just like the tower is real. There was a homeless guy that said something about the tower before when she was walking to work. And he's like, you need to stop what you're doing. She's like, I'm not doing anything. The dude on the phone, he's like, you're destroying my life. She's like, I don't even know you. And he's like, you can't hide from me. I will find you. Do you understand? You have to end this or I will. And she's like, you need help and I hope that you get it. And she's like, next time you call, I'm, I'm going to the police. So she talks to Maya later. Uh, uh, Maya says she met up with a work friend and she'd be home late. Sorry, tonight was a bust. Uh, Christina's like, well, that's okay. I'm almost home. And then um, 
she gets startled because there's like these like street lights and they they kind of turn turn on when you're in the vicinity of them. So one turns on and there's a dude like standing there underneath. And then um, he got startled too. He introduced himself as Peter. And then he says that he's been wanting to meet her for such a long time. And she's like, excuse me? He's like, I knew you existed. I was worried you weren't real, but here you are. And she's like, why? Or he's like, why are you doing this to us? She turns around. It's you. You're the one who's been calling. He says he needs to ask her to leave them alone and she runs to the door and there's like this sensor like security sensor unlock thing but he like blocks it so it doesn't do like a facial recognition he says that he's like this isn't who i am but this is important he says that he lost his job his wife he thought it was a tower he's like it was you you made me do those things all these people do what you want them to she's like i don't know what you're talking about and she tries running away, but then he grabs her and he pulls out a blade and he holds it to her neck. He's like, how do you know so much about us? He's like, the game, you wrote us into it. How? And she's, he, she says um, his name. She's like, Peter, it's like, I'm so sorry for everything that's happened to you, but I have nothing to do with that. She's like, I can't help you. He says that he needs her to help him. He needs for the story to change. The ending has to be different. And he's, he's like, sorry. He like moves to attack or something like that, but then her arm gets cut. Someone grabs him from behind and tosses him back. And a dude starts like punching um, Peter on the ground. She like looks around. Uh, she gets distracted by his like automatic car around the corner. But then she looks back at where they're fighting and they're both gone. So it's like, who was this, this dude that saved her? Caleb's reading a bedtime story to his daughter. She asks if he could leave the lights on. And she's like, oh, my bear is scared. And he's like, well, it's safe. He's like, I promise. And then he hears something outside. And the wife's like, oh, it's probably nothing. But he still goes to check. She's like, it's probably a raccoon or something like that. Caleb grabs a gun and Uwaid asks, she's like, what is this? And he's like, there's something out there. She's like, yeah, a raccoon or a neighbor or a delivery man. He's like, we've been through this. You know, you need to take deep breaths. The past in the past. Nothing is going to hurt you except your own mind. Christina wakes up in the morning. She looks in the mirror, you know, has a cut on her arm with like a bandage on it. Outside, um, her phone rings. Peter's like, are you going to help me or not? So it's like, what happened? I thought someone took care of him. She's like, I can't. She's like, the stories I write are not real. And he asks if she remembers how his ends. She stops and asks, where is he? And he's like, because she's like walking outside now. Um, he's like, look up. And he's on top of a building. He's like, is this up to me or did you write this too? And he steps off, plop. And she's like, <gasps> Caleb's doing the dishes, cleans up. Uwaid comes down. Um, she puts a pellet on the table. She says that she found it under their daughter's pillow. So um, she's like, he, you're rubbing off on her. And he's like, well, isn't that a good thing? And she's like, not when she's pretending to have PTSD. She says that she sees... Um, the message he and his war buddies send to each other, like chemtrails, government cover-ups. Uh, she's like, he, you know, she's like, you see threats everywhere, and now so does Frankie. He's like, I'm not paranoid, and she's like, you're starting to think, or she, Wade says she's starting to think that he doesn't fear war, but that he misses it. She says his life is too ordinary for him. He has a job, he has a home, a daughter, and a wife who's patient, but it's never enough. Um, so it's still night. Frankie hears a which is weird. I don't know what this time change, whatever. Frankie hears a crash outside and she looks out the window. There's a raccoon. She stupidly holds out her bear to show her bear that it's just a raccoon as a false alarm. And then it falls out of her hand. She's like, oh. So she goes downstairs without her parents knowing. She goes to get it. There's someone out there. They're like, hey there. 
So is this dude, Wal- I think it's Walter. He was a sidekick of, of Rebus, of Stephen Ogg. And he's like, oh, is your daddy home? And then Caleb comes out with a record recycling. And she's like, daddy, this man wants to talk to you. Walter pulls out a gun. Caleb runs up to Frankie, grabs her, and dives as Walter shoots. He moves towards them to shoot again. But then we hear, shink! And he gets impaled by Maeve. She picks up the bear. She hands it to Frankie. And Frankie asks, who, um, who is she? And she's like, oh, an old friend. And then Uwade comes out and grabs Frankie and runs inside. So Maeve's like, hello, darling. He's like, oh, I didn't think, you know, I'd see you again. And she's like, yet here I am, disposing and dismembering, just like the good old days. And he's like, if something happened to my daughter, you have no idea. And she's like, I have every idea. She says, which is why it won't come to that. She says she knows who sent those men after them. She's like, it's William. He's back at it. Uwade looks from the window. Caleb tells her Frankie is asleep. She's like, all these years, I thought you were paranoid, but the war isn't over, is it? And he's like, no. It's me they wanted, and she like scoffs. He's he's the one who brought this on them, and he's the one who has to end it. So you're leaving? He says only for a little while, and she's like, "You promised you'd be a father." He's like, "I am. Everything I do is for you and for Frankie." She just like nods. He's like, "She's like, you're gonna get yourself killed." And he's like, "I will come back to you. I promise." Outside, there's some other dude with Maves. She says that she doesn't know why now, and she um had a conversation with the one that was after her. So they're not the only one that he's after. He was also interested in a senator in California. Caleb's like, oh, maybe we should go talk to them. And she's like, we? He's like, I'm coming. It's the only way I can protect my family. She says that he can stay here and he probably should. He's like, would you? And she's like, no, but I would probably regret it. Christina goes on a balcony. She starts recording a new pitch about a girl who's searching. She doesn't know what she's searching for. And we see like Frankie setting up cans in the field as, you know, she's reading her story, whatever. And then she, uh, Christine is like, she just knows that there's an emptiness in her life or maybe it's inside her. And when she finds a thing that she's searching for, everything will make sense. She's like, I want a story with a happy ending. And then she says, she's like, stupid, stupid. She's like, uh, stupid stories nobody want to hear. But then there's someone down below watching her and it's Teddy somehow. So Teddy, James Martin, who was killed in season two, he's out there watching. So he was probably the guy who pulled the dude Peter off of her and like hit him and then dragged him away. But what's going on? So who is Christina? And why is Christina not the Dolores? Why does Christina look like Dolores and is not Dolores? And yeah, so that was uh, the first episode of season. So it was good. I, I, I liked it. And uh I, my my worry is always that you know things are gonna be super confusing, but um, it wasn't too bad. All right, now with Umbrella Academy. So I know Umbrella. I feel bad because Umbrella Academy came out last week, but last week's episode was so long. So I was like, okay, I'll do it this week, or maybe I'll do half this week. But this episode already is like super long, and we, we still have to talk about Stranger Things. Whew. So what I think I'm gonna do, I think I'm just gonna cover the first three episodes of umbrella academy it has a kind of a good um cliffhanger ending sort of and um maybe hopefully next week i can talk about the rest um i i'll be honest i haven't finished watching them just yet i'm getting there so see i had i I don't know if i mentioned it i mean i think i mentioned before that i had the, the internet problem this week and yeah so i won't get into it okay season three episode one meet the family 
It starts off in Seoul, October 1st, 1989. We see a boy and a girl on a subway. Um, then go- golden particles fly in through a vent. They go into the girl's like womb. And so the boy and the girl are kissing. And then her stomach starts getting bigger and bigger. And sh- the baby's born like instantly. So Pogo's narrating, even though we, have- we don't see Pogo at all. So he narrates, on the 12th hour, the first day of October 1989, 16 women around the world gave birth. This was unusual, only in the fact that none of these women had been pregnant when the day first began. And then Sir Reginald Hargreaves, eccentric billionaire and adventurer, resolved to locate and adopt as many of these children as possible. And he goes up to the the girl and her family and he's like, how much do you want for it? She's like, surely you don't want to keep it. And the kid's grandma threatens to slice him in half if he lays one finger on her grandson. So then the narration continues. He got seven of them. So he's walking down the street. Ladies are following with baby carriages. They're numbered. And they go into the Sparrow Academy. So we're introduced to him. We see Marcus, a.k.a. number one. He has like some sort of super strength or, or agility. He's working on a room on a roof. He's like doing like handstand on the edge. And there's like a crowd of people down there. He like wipes sweat off, throws it down to him. Then we see Faye, a.k.a. number three. She's climbing the side of a sheer cliff, has no eyes. And there's like uh, crows flying uh, around uh, like on her arm. At a club, we see Ben, a.k.a. number two. So Ben is the Ben that we know. He's alive. Tentacles grab a bottle. Sitting next to him is a floating cube, which is Christopher, a.k.a. number seven. So we have one, 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 two, three, and seven so far. At a pizza joint, two racist jerks, they start a fight with the worker and his dad because they claim that they didn't order something on a pizza under like a bed or whatever. This girl walks up, um, kicks her butt, and then um, her name is, is Jamie, uh, J-A-Y-M-E, a.k.a. number six. And then Alfonso, who's kind of like kind of melty, lumpy skin, a.k.a. number four, they take the two pizzas and leave. And in reading a travel book is Sloane, a.k.a. number five. She's in her bedroom on the ceiling, and then this alarm goes off, so she kind of like just floats down and, and leaves. So the Umbrella Academy is there. It picks up from the last episode. Hargreaves tells him this is the Sparrow Academy. Ben walks out. He's like, Dad, who the heck are these a-holsters that are like up in a, the balcony in the second floor? The umbrellas are surprised to see Ben. Diego's like, who are these weirdos on the balcony? Hargreaves says that they're his children. Then we see like the light or dust particles travel through the vent into the basement um, where there's this glowing red light uh, forms in the center of the basement. So I don't know what if different dust particles, whatever. Number five asks, what does he mean, his children? Hargreaves tells the sparrow that they, they call themselves the Umbrella Academy, and they accosted him in the fall of 1963 when he was on biz- away on business in Dallas. He warns that they um, they claim to be his spawn. Five um, sees the, the time travel briefcase sitting on a table, but there's a lot of bickering over who lives there, who grew up there. Luther introduces himself to Sloane when he sees her because he probably thinks she's good looking. Robot Mom comes in, and Diego... Um, he's like mom and they call him a perv he's like that's not mom that's a robot jamie number six um spits some black stuff like out of her mouth and it hits diego's cheeks but then it seems to just like dissolve or whatever so the sparrows say that they better settle this fast so there's a big stare down and then footloose comes on 
Marcus, number one, starts moving his shoulder to the beat. So it's like, wait, are they going to have a dance-off? Luther joins in, starts doing moves against him. The other sparrows line up. Then Diego asks Luther, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, protecting our honor, bro. And then the umbrellas start moving too. So there's a complete dance number, like electric slide or whatever it's called. Then the music kind of slows down. And then Marcus is like saying that they have 30 seconds to get out of their house again. Then Diego's like looking confused. Jamie just nods at him and he he rubs his cheek. So... <laughs> The Footloose dance-off didn't happen. It, he had this weird vision. Is that something he wanted to happen? <laughs> I, I don't know. So then Banya says that they just fought a literal army. This doesn't have to get ugly. So why don't they just all calm down and talk? Klaus, Klaus keeps talking to Ben. He's like, oh, you look better alive than you do when you're dead. Because Klaus is the only one that could see dead Ben. No, no one else in the family could. Um, so Klaus just wants to hug him and then he like punches him. Luther's like, you don't have to do that. And Marcus punches um, Luther. There's a fight. Goes on for a bit. Uh, upstairs, downstairs, whatever. Jamie spits on five and then he sees his mannequin from the future, Dolores, and then she turns human. He goes up to her and starts kissing her and Jamie's kind of like disgusted. She's like, are you all perverts? Um, then she kicks him down the stairs. They're getting their butts kicked. Then Vanya tells Luther to get out of there. Klaus runs into the study and uh, Hargreaves is, is there and he asks what's going on and Hargreaves says that, you know, once they showed him how oafish they were, he adopted different kids instead. So in a hall, uh, Luther's stumbling around and then he whips around, he hits Sloane. She goes down. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, my name is Sloane. And he's like, because before he introduced himself, the others come running in. They're like, we have to leave now. Faye's like chasing after him with a bunch of sparrows or crows or ravens or whatever um that that like come out of her five sees vanya lying on the floor surrounded because so she like fell off a balcony where she's like crashed into a table um she lights up and then uh five starts running push light like explodes out of her sends the sparrows flying back then marcus tells her that it's over he's like go don't come back the energy in the basement keeps thrumming the umbrellas are groaning outside. You know, they're like, they made it to a park. They catch their breath. Luther says he's never had his butt handed to him like that before. Klaus tells him that their dad was so repulsed by them in 63, he didn't want to raise them. Five points out that dad changed timeline, so they don't know what else has changed. Vanya says that, well, they can just take the briefcase and go back. Five's like, well, time travel is more complicated, and I no longer have the briefcase. So mom saw the briefcase and she took it and put it down in the basement. Then she hears and sees the energy ball and she starts staring at it. This older dude is like packing a suitcase. This, this, uh, there's like sandwiches numbered in there. There's a gun and the suitcase says Lester Pocket. So at first I'm like, who the heck is Lester Pocket? Um, we do find out soon. Umbrellas go to this hotel obsidian that Klaus knows is supposed to be like a weird hotel. They accept everyone or whatever. So there's a lot of strange people in there. The hotel clerk says he doesn't recognize Klaus, even though Klaus knew who he was. So he wants cash up front. They don't really have any cash. But then Luther hands over his, his watch. They get two rooms for that. They're all tired. Diego wants to start planning on how to go back after them. But Klaus says that they're, they're probably tired, all tired too. The sparrows aren't really tired. They're actually all running on treadmills. They're analyzing the umbrellas. Marcus is mad that they got their butts handed to them by Vanya. And he yells, "You know, do you know what they do to our reputation if anyone had seen that? Hargreaves comes in because Marcus summoned him. And he says that 
Um, they're not impressive, but do not underestimate them. They somehow saved the world in 1963. Had they not, none of them would be standing there now. So he's like, perhaps I misjudged them. Lester Pocket, the dude with the suitcase, is riding a bus. He puts on headphones um, to drown out like some babies crying. He has a bunch of different cassettes with like different um, sounds. He chooses a tape that's just the sound of bees buzzing. Marcus does his um, handstand push-ups again on the, on the roof, wipes his brow, throws his towel down again. Then he notices Vanya standing in a crowd, just staring up at him. So they sit at a diner, and he says that he's glad that they're doing this. Whatever happens between their families, the number one should handle it. And she's like, well, actually, I'm number seven. And he's like, then somebody screwed up. She says her brothers think that they're going to come after him. And she's like, you know, it's not personal. He says that they attack them in their home, plus they're the only superheroes in this town, so they have it locked down. If other um, people start getting wind of things, she says that they don't want another war, and he asks if she can speak for her entire family. You know, She's not even their number one, so he can't risk that. If she's come here to beg him to back off, sorry. She says that she came to tell them their next move. Tomorrow, when a busload of fans go out outside the house she's going to be there she's going to call him out for a fight just the two of them and he scoffs he's like why she's like because your team is good better than mine maybe um electricity starts crackling and the lights start flickering she's like but i don't think you're better than me she's like marcus i ended the world twice and you you're just meat in the spandex she's like and i bet you don't want the whole world watching when i prove that to you he's like what do you really want vanya and she says that he has something that she needs and she wants it back. And so during this whole thing, there's like a crow watching, spying at the window. It leaves and flies back into Faye. She's on a rooftop with Ben. So she says that he's making a deal with them. And Ben's like, oh, I'll handle it. At a hotel, the guys are eating takeout at the bar. Five comes in, like relax. Um, he says they're in the clear. Things seem fine, except for one thing. Dad didn't adopt them, but those babies are still out there. So odds are there are identical versions of them walking around living completely different lives. Luther says, our doppelgangers. Klaus says, he's like, that's a made up world word. And Luther's like, no. He's like, I learned all about it in Texas. So he tells Five to tell them about the paranoid psychosis. Five's like, okay, technically, if you're near your doppelganger for long, you'll go insane. So if you ever see your other self, then Klaus is like, kill him. And he's like, how do you avoid running into your other selves? Five's like, well, if dad didn't adopt them, odds are they're not even in the same time zone. So then a throwing knife hits uh, the back of Diego's chair and he sees it. Um, there was a woman. So he runs after her and she's like, hello, lover. It's Lila Pitts. So he's like, holy crap, he came back. And she's like, just long enough to drop something off. Their son. So she's like, Diego meets Stan. He's like, is this a joke? And she said that she's had Stan for 12 years. It's time for him to do his part. So energy is thrumming. Marcus goes down and asks Grace if she's seen a briefcase. She's drawing symbols on the floor. And she said that she, he's like, what are you doing? She's like, worshiping. He sees the energy. He's like, holy crap. And she's like, yes, it is holy. She's like, it's a miracle. She can't make out what it's saying. Um, he reaches for it. And he's like, it's just noise. She's like, no, it's a message from God. He, it seems like he's getting mesmerized. He reaches for it, and then blue energy whoosh, washes over the city. Marcus gets like obliterated and like pulled into the energy ball. Then Five says, whatever dad changed, they can handle it. They won. So that's the first episode. 
302, world's biggest ball of twine. Luther goes down the lobby. He seems to be in a good mood. One of Faye's crows uh, follows him as he jogs through the park. Then he stops when he sees um, a lot of birds gathering. He turns and runs. And Christopher the Cube is following too. Sloan starts making him float upside down. Ben is in the middle, kicks Luther in the face, and knocks him out. Then in Beverly Hills, Allison goes to her house to see her daughter. She goes up to Claire's bedroom and she, you know, she's sleeping in bed. She goes to wake her up. It's another girl. And then she calls out to Patrick, her husband. He turns up, but there is another lady there. He has another wife. And then the girl's like, who is this? Mommy, whatever. And then she returns back to Hotel Obsidian. So I don't know where, do we know where they're at? Where's Umbrella Academy? Because for some reason, I always think New York, but it's obviously it's not if she's in Beverly Hills. Okay, just looking it up, all I say is Umbrella Academy was a large mansion located in the outskirts of the city where the Umbrella Academy lived and trained. So I, I, maybe it's always meant not to be given a specific location, but how the heck does Allison get from the hotel to Beverly Hills and back with no money? I mean, unless she's using her powers. Uh, I heard a rumor you're going to give me a ride or whatever. So I don't know. So she returns back to the hotel. Vanya is reading through some books. There's like this research section in the in the lobby, whatever. Uh, there's like encyclopedias. She sees an article about the Kennedy Six. And there's a picture of her and the others. She reads about Cooper, about the sissy, the, the lady that she fell for. Cooper's life took a dramatic turn around the time that Kennedy was killed. Cooper appeared to be on the FBI's most wanted list for the murder of her husband, Carl Cooper, in 1963, and her alleged connection to the Kennedy assassination. Sissy Cooper died on October 1st, 1981, in Oakland, California, under a false name. So she thinks back to Sissy, and she tears out the page. And then she's walking out. She stands outside a barber's barbershop. Klaus and Five see Diego's son. And he, he's like, alleged son. They ask who the mother is, and he says, Lila. And Five's like, she's here? And Diego says that she dropped him off in his lap and then bolted. Five is more interested, interested if she's coming back. Vanya comes in with a short haircut and asks, where's Luther? Klaus says, like, oh, I love the haircut. And Vanya mentions, speaking with Marcus last night, Diego asks, he's like, who elected you leader? And Vanya's like, it's Victor now. Diego's like, who's Victor? And Victor's like, I am. It's who I've always been. So Banya is now Victor. So this is something this I and I, I think it's I, I like the way to handle this. I think this is really good. And I'm sure there's gonna be some people that don't understand, that don't think this is who, how it should be. This is what happens. I mean, this is how people feel. This is sometimes you're born in the wrong body. And I know people are gonna say, No, that's not possible. Sorry, it is. So Vanya's says Victor. Um, and then Victor's like, is that an issue for anyone? And Diego's like, nah, he's like, I'm good with it. Klaus is like, yeah, me too. Cool. And then five's like, I'm truly happy for you, Victor. But last time I checked, you don't speak for this family. Victor says that Marcus gets it. He doesn't want a war either. He's going to hand over five's briefcase and then they can leave this timeline. Victor's like, I'll get the briefcase. And five's like, this is a perfectly fine timeline. And Victor's like, you know, why don't you go upstairs and tell that to Allison who's grieving for her daughter who doesn't even exist here? And Diego says not to mention that they've been replaced by a bunch of blobs and a cube um, and birds and poop. 
Five says, he's like, newsflash geniuses, it's not about us. Look around. There's no doomsday, no apocalypse. The sun is shining. That's all that matters. You know, we're done messing with time. In the Raven's basement, another blue energy wave unleashes upon the city. Um, the power in the hotel flickers off and then back on. Klaus wants to go on a road trip with Five. He says that, you know, he nearly died from Luther's sleep farts last night. Five notices that a lobster is missing from the fish tank. Um, he's like, there was three, then now there's two. So is this a result of the energy wave? At one point, um, I forgot if it had happened already, but the, the the desk clerk had this little dog that sat on this pillow, and one of the waves, the dog disappeared. And he's like looking for him later. Stan is getting grabbed by Chet, um, the desk clerk. Diego comes up, and Chet says that he st- stuffed three mini muffins on his pants. Stan's like, it's a buffet. Diego, um, he's like, I'll, I'll take care of him. He lays down some ground rules. He says that his dad was a grade-A jerk, and he promised himself he wouldn't do that. But the thing is, he's busy. And Stan's like, oh, yeah, it looks like you're real busy. <laughs> and Diego swats the muffin out of his hand because they're, like, sitting on, on, or, uh, on the steps or something like that. He's like, you can stay, but no more dumb crap, or we're going to have a serious problem. Then Diego sees his ears leaking, He's like, and Stan's like, oh, I forgot to pack my ear medicine. If I don't drain it, it leaks and smells like cat puke. <laughs> it's like really nasty. Victor tries stopping Diego and Stan from leaving because, you know, they're going to go out to get medicine, ear medicine or something like that. Because, you know, Victor is like, you know, I need to get the briefcase first, but they leave. Klaus and Five, they, they take off too because they're going to go on a road trip. We see Luther wakes up. He's at the academy. He exits. Um, he goes in the other room with a mop. He's prepared to fight. They're all like sitting there in the like kitchen area eating. Sloan offers him a smoothie, and Ben's like, "No one's gonna hurt you." Faye's like, "Oh, you must be starving." And Ben says that they know that they're number one, uh, that he's their number one, and they haven't properly introduced. He says that he's Ben, number two, and Luther's like, "It's good to see you again, buddy." And Ben's like, "Why does everyone you know keep looking at me like that?" Luther's like, "Because you've been dead for fifteen years." So the others introduce themselves. Then Luther says, he's like, well, what about number one? And they say, what about him? Luther's like, where is he? And Ben slams his knife on the table. He's like, that's what we'd like to know. So Ben says, he's like, whatever game you're playing, the umbrellas are going to lose. He's like, you know, you took our number one. So then Luther's like, why would we take Marcus? He's like, last time they saw him, he was with Vanya. So he's like, well, I'll just go back. And if they have them, then we'll send them back. Ben just makes him... Uh, sit like with a tentacle and then he's like just make yourself at home but if you try to escape and he's like these birds will peck out my eyes and they're like and make a nest in your skull victor brings breakfast to allison she's just lying in bed victor says that there might be a way out of this the briefcase lila tries um leaving with her briefcase but it won't work it's like shorted out Klaus and Five are driving. Five says, he's like, oh, this is so terrible. And Five has a bunch of attractions marked on a map. But Klaus is like, oh, there won't be time for that. He's like, we're going to Pennsylvania to find my birth mother. Yay. He says he needed someone to come with him for emotional support. Victor explains the changes to Allison. Allison says that she never realized and feels like an a-hole. Victor's like, you couldn't have known because I didn't, you know, fully. And Victor's like, you know, being with Sissy sissy opened something up in me i'd never you know i'd never be free hiding who i am so losing sissy he didn't realize that or he realized that he can't live in that box anymore so then like looking at the reflection window you know victor says that he always hated looking in mirrors he thought that everyone felt weird in their skin um he guesses he was just wrong and allison's like well what do you see now and victor's like me just me 
and Allison's like, thank you for trusting me with this. It's like, you're family, Victor, okay? And there's nothing, nothing that would make me love you less. Hug. Five, um, they're driving. Five makes them swerve off like an, an exit. They go to this big ball of twine. Five's, uh, he's like, how do you know your birth mother is in Pennsylvania? And Klaus says that he was on a bender one time. He went into dad's office, found check stubs. And he wondered why she sold him off for three grand. And, you know, then he's like, you know, wh why now? He says that he wants to see what he could have been if it wasn't for the family or whatever, for, for you know, the umbrellas. He talks about how family is like a giant ball of twine. You can't unravel it. They're on the same thought line. You know, they're both like have similar thoughts. Klaus says that, you know, he's glad that he brought him along. He's a good brother. Diego and Stan are in the store. Then they see Alfonso and Jamie's there too. So they, they go up. He tells Stan to stand back and they start fighting. Stan and, and Jamie are just kind of watching. Then um, Stan tries throwing a blade at Alfonso, but it bounces back and it cuts his leg. So Jamie joins in, spits her venom stuff, but then Stan blocks it with a frying pan. So he's like, oh, I'm helping. Diego starts uh, throwing a bunch of stuff at both of them. Stan joins in, and uh, then Diego makes them leave. So, you know, they, they take off. Klaus and Five arrive at an Amish place. So Five makes him go in alone because this is his thing. So he goes up to this lady, like, skinning rabbits, and he thinks it's his mom. And she's like, there's no mom here or something like that. This Amish dude comes up, and Klaus says he's looking for Rachel. And I forget what he said the last name was. And dude's like, there's no Rachel's here. So he's like, take your fancy boots and walk back to town. And he actually like shoves Klaus, Klaus down. Klaus is like, I thought, you know, Amish were, were nice. They're like, oh, that's a misconception. Luther is enjoying the place. He's running on a treadmill with Sloan. He says that he always wanted the Academy to be like this. So when their Ben died, things changed. And she notices a camera like in a corner, kind of like moving around watching. And then quietly she says that she'd like to get out of there. You know, if she could, she would in a heartbeat. And he's like, you know, why don't you? And she's like, well, why didn't you? He's, uh, she says that this house is all she's known in her entire life. She knows there are better places out there and she would love to see him. He, he's like, well, I, I spent time on the moon. She's like, that's so cool. He's like, no one ever thinks that. She, you know, they're both laughing and she stops laughing when she sees the camera again. Then she asks about his family. He almost starts telling her, then he's like where they're staying. And he's like, oh, you're trying to honey trap me. Duh. And she's like, no, no, no. Faye comes in and, uh, you know, but then for some Lila for some reason was like watching them from outside like from the street so at the Amish place five is sitting in the back of the car then this other energy blast goes and in the like just feel the cows just obliterated they're gone absorbed whatever five feels like the wave like knock him a bit he gets up he's like can I ever get a day off so Klaus um he's in the woods and then he's talks to that lady and he says that he's or she says that she's Rachel's sister so Rachel died 30 years ago of a brain hemorrhage. And he asks, what about her son? And she's like, what son? And then, so it turns out she died on October 1st, 1989. And he's like, oh. And she's like, what, what does that matter? He's like, that's my birthday. So Allison and Victor sit in a diner waiting. She's um, thinking about her daughter. Five is doing a bunch of calculations on a window. Klaus comes running. He's like, get in the car, get in there. He's being chased by all these Amish. Rachel's sister um, comes out from the other side. She's like, wait. And she hands him this book. And she's like, Rachel's death wasn't the only one. Uh, and she's like, you have her eyes. So Klaus tells Five that his mom, you know, they drive away. Klaus says his mom died before he was even born. And then he slams on a brake. He's like, what did you just say? 
at a diner. Victor says something must be wrong. Allison sees like the racist dude from the diner in 1963. He's like, we don't serve your kind here. And then she like kind of like freaks out a little bit, but then it's just like a regular person or, and um, she gets like flashes of, of Claire. She runs outside and there's like a dude watching from around a corner with headphones. It's, it's that luster dude. She sees him watching and then he walks away. So she starts following him, but then she loses him. But he, um, and Victor's like, are you okay? Uh, so the Lester dude, he was like, he's hiding up on a fire escape. The Ravens mentioned to Luther that his family hasn't come yet. Then Ben says, he's like, you're free to go. And Luther's like, why? And Ben's like, a gesture of goodwill. Just pass the message along. Let Marcus go. And if any of you hurt one hair on him, we'll come for you. And he, he's like, uh, I don't like being threatened. Faye unleashes uh, like some crows too. And Ben's like, don't forget your tote bag. So I guess there's like a bunch of like, it's like a gift bag or something like that. Some stuff in there. Sloan looks kind of sad that he's leaving. So a crow flies uh, downstairs, lands on a briefcase, carries it up the roof to Lila for some reason. And then the crow enters her. And then she like hugs the briefcase happily. So I don't really know how Lila's powers work. Does she mimic people's powers? Maybe that's it. Um, Diego, Allison, Victor are having drinks. He's bummed that Lila left him to play wet nurse because um, he has to be able to make split decisions. Victor's like, you're his dad. And he's like, alleged dad. Allison's like, well, at least you have a kid. Five and, and Klaus come in. The, they had this book, shows the other people who died. They're all their mothers. They all died the exact same day, October 1st, 1989, before they were, were born. So when they arrived there, they created a paradox, but not just a regular one a grandfather paradox. And Klaus is like, what the heck is that? Luther um, leaves the, the Ravens Academy and then he starts like floating. So Sloane is uh, carrying him up to her window and then he he goes inside and he, she says she wanted to apologize. They were being watched earlier by her family. He's like, is anyone watching now? And she's like, no. And then they start kissing and going at it. Episode 303, so this is going to be the last one for this week, uh, Pocket Full of Lightning. Uh, so there's like a narration, dude. Paradox Protocols, Complete Commission Guide to Temporal Anomalies, Chapter 68, The Grandfather Paradox. New Jersey, 1953. Elmer Tattleman hates his grandfather, blames everything on him, his mother's pain, his father's death, and his own sad life. In 1955, Elmer is about to invent time travel. He decided the key to his future happiness was to go back in time and kill his grandfather. He goes in 1905, walks up to a younger version, and shoots him. Um, he completed his mission, but he made one crucial mistake. He went too far back in time. 1925, you see a woman and a dude in a car going at it. Uh, murdering his grandfather in 1905 meant that Elmer's mother didn't exist to meet his father in 1925, which made certain that Elmer himself was never born. So he killed his grandfather, so his mother was never born. But if she was never born, Elmer no longer exists. But if Elmer no longer exists, how could he possibly kill his grandfather? Around and around we go. Elmer has created a paradox, the grandfather paradox. The narrator says, but the story isn't true. If it was, it would put everything in danger. Luther leaves again. He's in high spirits. He like dances home. There's this, you know, other energy wave lights go out things flicker back and and uh, then luther noticed like the newsstand guy like this is gone so more people disappear 
at the hotel, they try to figure out what happened uh, from their paradox. Stan is practicing his karate because his mom told him to. Diego's like, yeah, you suck. So he's got like a cue stick and he's like kind of waving it around and stuff like that. Klaus wants to know more about their moms. Diego figures dad probably had them killed since he hated them in Dallas, 1963. Luther comes in and says that um, he was being held captive by the sparrows and they, they were, they, they barely noticed he was gone. He says that they were pretty nice and their place is amazing. So they want Marcus back unharmed. And they're like, we don't have him. And he's like, dang. So he was hoping that they'd solve this quickly and move on to problem number two, the disappearing people. Five finds Lila taking a bath and then uh, you know she gets out they, they they start fighting and then they stop he asks what she knows about the grandfather paradox she's like well i read the same training manual that you did he says it's happening so he notices that she has two briefcases and she says that she nicked his from the sparrows both of them are in the fritz so that the odds of one failing is in the millions two astronomical so she says it must mean the end of the world stuff and he's like worse it means we have to work together because they don't like each other Luther, Victor, Allison um, talk about the disappearing people and Marcus. Maybe it took him too. Victor says that what if they told the Ravens the truth? Faye and Ben are, they sit in her room and you know she's feeding the birds. She mentions that they're getting a lot of missing persons report in a three block radius. He's more concerned with what the umbrellas are up to. He thinks Marcus and the other missing are because of them. Faye mentions uh, that Marcus, the number one, is gone. And Ben says that he's taking the reins. And Faye laughs. They kind of bicker uh, like over who's going to be the new number one. Mom comes in to tidy up. And then they continue talking. And then, the, you know, they mention some stuff. The mom's like, the umbrellas didn't take, the, take Marcus. God did. And she's like, God is in the basement. And he called Marcus home. And they're like, what are you talking about? Lester arrives at the hotel for a room. He signs uh, the guest book as Lester Pockets. Allison and Victor meet with Ben and Faye. They bicker. Ben asks, where's Marcus? Victor uh, kind of stammers a little bit. Then Allison says, he's safe for now, but that will change if you don't do exactly as we say. Ben's like, I knew it. I knew you had him. And Victor says, there's a lot more going on. The world's in danger. Um, her brother could, or his brother could explain it a lot better. It's a, a time travel problem. And they cause a paradox. And that paradox is swallowing things. Lots of cows, a dog, a few lobsters, and but also people. Allison says, just you know, give them the, the briefcase and they'll give them Marcus. Faye's like, what briefcase? And Allison's like, it's like, oh, the one that they left at their house. Ben says, deal. And Allison's like, good. Meet us at the Hotel Obsidian at four o'clock. So Victor asks Allison, you know, why the hair trigger? He's like, this isn't like her. She's clearly, you know, just wants to go back to her old life with her daughter. Victor admits that he wants to go back to Sissy, too. Diego, you know, he's trying to get rid of Stan. He gives him $8 to stay away from the hotel where it's, you know, and stuff like that. Just go out and have fun. He's like, this is $8. He's like, yeah, that's a month's salary for a kid. Now get out of here. And he's like, I got this father thing down. Klaus, um, he's at the back of the academy. He goes in through this thing. I don't know if it's... Um, a sewer or just i think it was like some sort of sewage thing he he goes into his dad's office reginald comes in he like sniffs something and he grabs a, a fire poker he's like have at you um klaus grabs something too he's like did you do it did you kill our moms and he's like what in the world are you talking about klaus is like just you know just tell me if you did it and i'll leave and his dad's like i don't know you know he's like i don't care about you to lie he's like do i look fit to murder anyone and he's like well maybe not now 
and then uh, Jamie and Alfonso come in to make him take his pills or something like that. Uh, Klaus like hides. He doesn't want to take them, but they insist. And there's like they want him to sign something, and he's like, "What's this?" And they're like, "When we a- ask, you know, he's like, it doesn't concern you. When we say sign, you sign." So and he's like, "Don't you know, make me get Christopher the the floating cube thing?" So then they like rudely leave. And then Klaus comes out. He's like, my God, Dad, what happened to you? And he, you can see Reginald is just like, kind of like defeated. Ben and Faye go down to the basement to look for the briefcase and look for Grace. They see like the light orb and Grace is down there too with her eyes closed. Uh, she's saying that it could be God or the reincarnation of Buddha. And Ben's like, yeah, whatever. And Grace warns him when he reaches out for it. She's like, you don't want to disturb his slumber. Waking God, you know, who knows who he'd take next? And Faye's like, is this what took Marcus? And she says that he went right up to it and touched it. The light of the Lord is too much for mere mortals. And Faye's like, asks, like, when did God get here? And Grace is like, two days ago with their visitors. Five and Lila are like in the hotel basement or somewhere like that. They have like jumper cables hooked up some stuff. They're going to try to hotwire the briefcase. Lila hits a switch. Five's like, oh, he's ah, like in pain. And then uh, the briefcase kind of catches on fire a little bit. And she, Lila just laughs at him. She's like, I was 99% sure that wouldn't work. He's like, well, now we are down to one half dead briefcase. And my jumps are only accurate up to a couple of minutes. So essentially we're screwed. And she's like, maybe, maybe not. And he says that he hates that smile on her face. You know, what's she thinking? She thinks that if they work together, they can create a feedback loop to get enough juice to jumpstart the case but they'd have to trust each other. And he says that she spent the better part of the last 10 days trying to end his life. And she's like, well, you killed my birth parents. And he's like, okay, fair enough. She also says that his family stood by while that greasy Swede killer killed the woman who raised her. And Five's like, the handler was going to kill you. In fact, she did kill you. Then I rolled back time and let the meatball do his work. Luther is at the hotel bar. He's singing Lady in Red. He has headphones on. He's singing very loudly. Diego comes down with like some bottles because he's going to make Molotov cocktails. He looks at the music. He's like, Phil Collins, Neil Diamond. He's like, are you making a mixtape? And Luther's like, shouldn't you be watching your kid? Diego's like, I got this parenting thing down. He's like, the trick is you give him a little trust and everything falls into place. So Diego wants to talk to her about their plan of attack. Luther says that um, Vanya and Allison have it covered. Diego tells him, he's like, it's Victor now. Then Luther's like, what else did I miss when I was kidnapped? Diego's like, not everything is about you. So Luther says that the sparrows are coming to the hotel. Diego's like, no, 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 no. Then he sees Luther. He's like, Lionel Richie? And he's like, he's like, he's cool. He's, then he says that he met someone. He just thought that he'd share some curated songs that also express how he feels in his heart. Diego's like, when did you have time to meet someone? He's like, you've been here two days and the only time you, he's like, is this a mixtape for the enemy? And he's like, hey, Sloan is not the enemy. They are not the enemy. This is all one big misunderstanding. So he wants the family to behave so they can get along so then he and Sloan can fall in love, get married, buy a dog, grow old on a porch. Diego tells him, he's like, you're pathetic. So Klaus is sitting with dad they're watching tv he tells klaus to never turn your back especially not in your children he's like you can try your best you give them all but it's it's just too much klaus teaches him he's like well you know if you don't want to take your pills you know you just stick it right here you know teach them how to he's like oh it's an old rehab trick and then um he's like oh but i have to take them it's the rules whatever and and reggie's like 
he he mentions ice cream too, or something. Like, or, or Klaus asks him if he's ever been to Baskin Robbins or something like that. And then uh, Reginald's like, he he's like, I didn't like you before, but I'm start. You're starting to grow on me. Lester sits in his room listening on his headphone. He eats a sandwich from his suitcase, and then he takes off the headphones. He puts on a stethoscope and he listens to his stomach gurgling while he eats. It's like okay. Luther asks Diego if they should do something for Victor since it's a big deal. And Diego's like, just be cool. And he's like, well, he's like, what, do you want to throw a party? And Luther's like, why do you hate little sandwiches? Luther says that he wants him to feel welcome as her brother and feel loved. Victor then walks up. Diego's like, Luther wants to throw you a party so you feel loved. Do you feel loved? And Victor's like, uh, yeah, I do. Then he's like, good. Can we go back to saving the world? Klaus is eating ice cream while watching TJ Hooker and Reggie's like sleeping on the, on the couch. Uh, then he hears uh, Grace singing from somewhere. He goes downstairs. He sees the orb. It looks like it's bigger. Grace just kind of like walks by him and starts like talking in tongues. Lila and Five join hands. They power up while, you know, holding, just sort of holding hands and holding onto the briefcase. A lot of energy flowing or like it's almost too much or whatever, like screaming like Then they disappear. They end up like out in it's like snowy winter, and he, Five's like, "Good idea, Lila. Welcome to the Ice Age." She looks behind him. She's like, "Look." So it's a commission building. They go run towards it. Diego and Luther ask Allison and Victor, "What's the plan for when the sparrows will arrive?" And Allison's like, "Oh, just follow our lead." He's like, "Uh, uh, uh." He wants to know what the plan is. But then they arrive. They're early, so they're all wearing their jumpsuits. They face each other in the lobby. Allison's like, "Where's the briefcase?" Ben's like, "Where's a brother?" She says, uh, maybe uh, we should try this again before I lose my temper. Sloan whispers to Victor. She mouths, she's like, run. He's like, bun? Allison says, hand it over or no deal. Ben's like, well, there's a tiny problem. Deal's off. Stan comes running in. Molotov, cocktail. Diego's like, no, 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 not now. He drops in. Uh, Stan drops the, the bottle, the lit in a garbage can. But then it like catches fire with like a banner like, hang up. So there's now there's like a fire going. Lester comes out of the elevator. Ben tells the sparrows to power up. Um, Chris, the, zoo, the cube, zaps them. They're all like knocked on their knees in pain. Allison tries using the rumor power, but then Lester's like walking towards him. He takes off his headphone. He does his like echo yell and his like energy flows out of him and it like incinerates the crows that are flying, hits the sparrows. Um, Luther grabs Sloan and like, you know, shields her. Faye is like knocked down from the birds getting wiped out. Um, the others look kind of like Jamie and uh, Alfonso. Their, half their faces like kind of like melted and stuff like that. The cube plops down. Ben yells like, pull back. Cube seems to be okay. Gets up. The umbrellas get up and look at Lester. And Victor's like, oh my God, Harlan, is that you? And that's where it ends. And that's where this uh, this week's umbrella uh, Academy is going to end. Who saw so what I will tell you? Who is Harlan? Harlan was Sissy's son back in 1963. So we only had to wait three episodes to find out. Because at first, I, I when I was like watching the first episode, I see him. I'm like, who the heck is Lester Pockets? Because it said that in a suitcase. So I Google Lester Pockets, and then there's an article came up. It's like um, the real identity of Lester Pockets revealed. So I'm like, okay, we're going to find out. I don't want to read that. So close that page. Go back to watching. So there you go. I don't know if I'll do the rest of the episodes next week or break it down into three weeks, maybe. Because again, this is this is a lot to to talk about. 
So that'll be it for this week. Okay, and now for Stranger Things. So last two episodes of season four, uh, we got episode season four, episode eight, Papa. I'm just going to jump to it because this has already been a long show, and these are long. Oh, these episodes are so long. Uh, I think this first one was like an hour, like almost an hour and a half, and the second one was like almost two and a half hours. So it was, it was like four hours total. And I said, it's like, I'm going to try to be brief. I don't think it's going to happen. So let's see. So it starts off uh, 11, you know, it's a flashback. She's looking at the wall where the hole sealed up in the past, you know, to the, the upside down. Papa uh, Brenner comes in. What have you done? And Eleven's like looking out angry and tired. And he repeats, what have you done? And then she passes out. So that was when she was a kid. Then we see Nancy's watching a, a flashback. She's seeing when one uh, Vecna got his tattoo from Brenner. He's get, you know getting it on his arm. Um, so did the kid Henry Vecna one whatever. He's like squirming, and Brenner's like, "See, it wasn't so bad, was it, Nancy?" And it's like, "Wait, how's Brenner talking to Nancy?" And he turns and looks at her, and he's like, "Why don't you take a seat?" And she like runs out and the lights are like flickering because, you know, so Nancy's still seeing like Vecna's origin story. Steve is trying to wake her in the real world. You know, she's like in this trance or whatever. Actually, now she's in the upside down still. Right. Because they didn't they didn't cross over yet. Uh, but then uh, the others are on the other side in Eddie's trailer. And they're like they're looking around. I guess they're trying to find music or something like that 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 would wake Nancy up. But do they know what she likes or whatever? So Nancy's running. She reaches a dead end in the hall and like the exit's all boarded up. Vecna's walking towards her and he's like, it's not time for you to leave. And, you know, he wants to show her what else, you know, there is going on there. She's like prying the boards off the door. And then Brenner is on the other side. and He's like, take a seat, Nancy. And she finally, uh, she kind of wakes up, but then she's strapped to a chair by tentacles. Vecna approaches. He He's like, he says he wants her to tell Eleven everything that she sees. Uh, she starts seeing like flickering, like red cracks along the ground or anything like that. The grandfather clock, she screams and then she wakes up in Steve's arm. So it's like, what the heck was all that about? In Russia, the Demogorgon is still thrashing about in the like battle arena. Soldiers are running about. Um, Hopper and Joyce are basically catching up with each other as she like tends to his wounds, like, you know, what's been going on. Uh, Cause they, you know, they each thought each other was dead. And she, Joyce tells Hopper's like, they, you know, we had a funeral for you. And he's like, did anyone show up? She's like, of course, you were the hero of, of Hawkins. He's like, oh, you know, whatever. And then um, he's like, how's, how's Elle? And like, she's, Joyce's like, she's good. She misses her dad. The Demogorgon finally climbs up out of the arena. Soldiers are firing on it, but it's like, it's like not doing anything. It's not, it's like this bulletproof. In the control room, they're watching the Demogorgon on the monitors. Uh, then there's like another screaming behind his door. And Murray's like, oh, don't tell me they have another one. And then Hopper goes there. He, and they're like, don't open that door. He opens it. There's another one in, inside, like strapped to a table. And it looks like they're trying to dissect it or something like that. Because his chest is kind of like cut open and everything like that. It's still awake and thrashing everything. So Hopper just goes up to it and like shoots it like point blank, whatever. And I guess that, that was enough to kill it. Or maybe he found a vulnerable spot, whatever. But like beyond the room, there's like these big kind of glass tubes with more little, you know, smaller demogorgons just like floating in like this yellow fluid. And then there's this at the end, there's like this big container with something massive just like kind of swarming about and everything like that. And then Antona finds like a shaft that they can escape through so they can go down through this whatever this this ventilation shaft or something. Um, Eleven's revived. She has flashes of her mom. She gets up. She walks over to Nina 
the the big uh, deprivation chamber thing. She lifts it free, you know, from the bolts. It rips up off the ground. Her nose bleeds a tiny bit. It floats up, and then she lowers it, and she turns and she stares at the other, kind of like, "Oh, I'm hot stuff now. Look at that. My power's back." Jonathan's driving the pizza van. He's trying to stay awake. They're headed to the coordinates that Susie gave them because they're trying to figure out where Eleven is. Mike's, you know, talking to Will. He's worried that after this, when they find L, she won't need him anymore. And, you know, because she's special, Will is trying to, like, comforting him. And, you know, he's like, you know, you're scared of losing her or whatever. And then he's like, can I show you something? So it's it's a painting that he has been so super secretive about the, or whatever. It's like the four of them, whatever, fighting a dragon. They're like in suits of armor or whatever. He said that L asked him um, to draw it. And she, she like, told him, like, what to draw or whatever. And he's like, look, you're in the front. You're leading us. And he's like, see that, that coat of arms? It has a heart because you're the heart. And he's like, you gave L the courage and the feeling and the purpose, et cetera, all this like that. It's like, you know, she needs you. She always will. And Mike's like, oh, thanks, and everything like that. And um, then Will kind of like looks out the window like away, and he's like fighting his own tears. So it's like, what the heck, Will? What is your problem? Because what we think or what, you know, I think it's what is happening is he has feelings for Mike, apparently, because, you know, maybe uh, Will is gay and he's in love with Mike. And, you know, maybe he's just coming to terms with it, but he's not admitting it, even though Mike is in love, although he won't say it, he's in love with with Eleven. And like during as they're talking, Jonathan keeps like kind of looking back and, and, you know, he's driving, keeps looking in the rearview mirror at them like he's clearly listening to what they're talking about. And, you know, he's concerned about something. So it's like, does he know about Will's feelings? I mean, maybe being his brother, you know, he's he should have an idea what's going on. Brenner tells L that after the attack, she went into a coma. She pushed herself beyond her limits. Um, what she displayed that day was beyond anything he imagined, a potential that he only dreamed about. When she woke, something had been lost, memories along with whatever they found that day. But he knew that her powers hadn't been lost. They just needed a spark. So that day, a doorway to another world opened. He always thought that Henry, the Vecna, Henry Creel, was out there hiding in the darkness. So Owens mentions that he's claimed three victims so far because when he saw the eyes, he knew that it was him. So he's like uh, Henry Vecna. He's sending us a message, letting us know that he's back. So that's when uh, he Owens went to see L. She asked, she's like, well, what about my friends? And Owens like, oh, you know, they haven't risked contacting them. But he's like, I believe they're fine. Brenner's like, I'm not going to lie. They're in terrible danger. He's like, with each victim he takes, Henry is chiseling away at the barrier that exists between our two worlds. So when that barrier shatters, Hawkins will fall. So then she gets up and leaves. And she like goes in a room and she like meditates or whatever. Nancy tells everyone um, that Vecna showed her like the most awful things. She saw this dark cloud spreading over Hawkins. There's like fire, dead soldiers, this giant creature with a gaping mouth. Uh, she's like, there's so many monsters. There's like this army and they're coming to Hawkins and to their homes. And then he showed her her mom and Holly and Mike and they're all. And Steve's, he says, he's like, he's just trying to scare you. He's like, it's not real. And she's like, not yet. She's like, there was something else. He showed her gates, four gates spreading across Hawkins. And it looks like one is at Eddie's trailer. Max, then she's like, there's four chimes on, on the clock. It's always, it always chimes four times. So he's like, he's been telling us his plan the whole time. Four kills and it's the end of the world. And Dustin's like, well, he's just one kill away. 
Max tries calling Joyce and it's like just still no answer. And they're like, well, you know, she's a telemarketer. So, you know, the phone's always busy or whatever or something like that. Um, Eleven can see them now because so she's meditating and somehow she's able to reach across whatever and make a connection so she can see them having this discussion. Nancy tells them that they have to go back to the upside down and they're like, what? We barely got out. But she's like, this time we'll be prepared. We'll get weapons. Robin points out that Vecna Henry one, cause they don't know what to call him has superpowers. So she's like, it's not a fair fight. And Dustin's like, well, he's just like 11 and you know, we know all her strengths and weaknesses. They're like, weaknesses you know what weaknesses she have and there's like when she remote travels she goes into a trance-like state so when he attacks his next victim dustin's like i bet that he's back in the attic his physical body's defenseless robin's like well you know that sounds good in theory but we still don't know when he'll attack or who he'll attack and max is like i do she's like i can still feel him she's like i'm still marked so uh, she's like, if I ditch the Kate Bush music, it, you know, she'll be able to draw him back and she'll distract him and then they can do whatever they need to do to end him. And Elle's just like watching all this and, you know, she can't interact with him. In Russia, they make it out of the prison. You know, there is like way outside, you know, across this field. So they have to talk to Yuri about trying to get out of Russia since their other plane crashed. Um, you know, they, they finally take the tape and gag out of his mouth. He wants to make a deal. Well, even though he already screwed them over last time. And then uh, finally, like, Antonov, like, pulls out his gun and he says that, you know, either he's going to help them or his brains will be all over, you know, the van or something like that. Eddie mentions there's, like, an Army-Navy surplus store. They can go and get stuff there. Um, so he, they need a way to get there because it'd be too far to take the bikes. So they sneak over to, like, a neighbor's, like, camper van and they, they hot wire it. Because the, the couple's like sitting on the outside in lawn chairs and it, it, he hot wires the van and they steal it, which is kind of sad. <laughs> Eleven uh, marches back into the other room. My friends, I saw them. You told me they're safe. They're not safe. And she's like, they're going to try to kill him. Owens says that he has people in Hawkins and he can like send them over. She uh, She's like, no, send me. Brenner says that they're not ready to take him on and she's not. So whatever he's been doing all these years he's grown stronger and brunner's like you're just not ready owen argues like against him he's like you know we need to move now before it's too late and he's like plus this is 11's choice you know she she wants to do this you know that's up to her so steve talks to nancy and he you know as he's driving to the camper and he's talking about how he always dreamed of having like a big family and having six kids three boys and three girls and like every summer they take vacations and drive across country and see the different sites and stuff like that. And she's like, well, that sounds nice except for the six kids part. That sounds pretty horrific. He's like, well, I feel like I've had practice already and like motions to the others. Um, Lucas is talking to Max and he, he's like, well, you know, maybe we can go to the counselor's office, see if, you know, there's Vecna targeted any other kids that had like headaches and stuff like that. And, and she's like, just stop. She's like, you know, so Vecna pulls out your darkest memories, whatever. So all she needs to do is when she's there is just run to the light and like hide in a happy memory. Um, Yuri turns out he has a helicopter and they're like, wait, how's this helicopter going to get us, you know, to America or whatever. And he says he just needs to do a little work. It turns out he's never even flown it. So he might need to do a little repairs on it. Joyce wonders if Owens could could help if he has spies over there or something. Uh, Antonov tries calling. You know, he gives a number. 
So he's like, okay. Then he hangs up. They're like, what? That's it? They're like, no, now we have to wait for them to try to call and then they'll call back. But he's like, but assume that the KGB will be listening. So make sure you talk in code. At the Army Navy surplus store, it is packed. Um, the people are just buying stuff. And I guess there's like no age requirement, whatever, because you know people can just buy any weapons they want. Robin sees that girl, Vicky, that she likes. And Steve nudges, like, what do you want? Why don't you go talk to her or whatever? Then this boy comes up behind her and then they like kiss. And Robin's kind of like shocked because, you know, this is news to her. And the the girl kind of like, you know, looks over at Robin and then Robin's like, you know, they make eye contact. Robin just turns and runs. So she's just like upset by this. Nancy um, sees Jason, uh, Chrissy's boyfriend. And, you know, he's he's still mad. You know, he wants to find Eddie because he blames Eddie for Chrissy. You know, he thinks that he killed her or whatever. He's trying to buy a, a 357. She, she was buying a shotgun or whatever. And he's being like a real jerk because then when she has a shotgun, he's like, someone could just grab it like that. What do you, and she's like, could let go of my you know gun or whatever. So he's just being a big jerk or whatever like that. And then because he's like, oh, is, is Mike here? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, what about his friends? You know, Because he's looking for like the Hellfire Club and everything like that. And so they, they leave. Uh, soldiers are... At the Nina base, uh, you know they're starting to they're moving around with guns. Like, what's going on here? Eleven is dressed, and she takes a look at. She goes in a room where where the Nina tank is, and then the door shuts behind her. Brenner's in there. She's like, "Where's Owens?" And then we see him get grabbed by the soldiers, and they like they're like rough with him. They like slam him against you know his head, you know, bend him over a table or whatever, and he's, he's getting all beat up and everything. Brenner's like, "Oh, Owens had a change of heart, and there's nothing that you can or that I can do to." Uh, to stop her or something like that. Um, and she's like, well, I'll force the door open. And Brenner's like, if my men hear you coming, then they'll kill him. So he's he's like, you know, alone, you'll never find your way out of the desert to your friends. So what, you know, we're, they're going to do is complete their work together. When he decides she's ready, then they'll return to Hawkins together. And she starts questioning his methods and, you know, like, like what she did to her mom. And he's like, it was for her own good. She was a danger to herself and others. And then she, like, says some stuff. She mentions Henry, like, keeping them locked up. And she's saying that, you know, he had her searching in the darkness for Henry this whole time. Everyone was dead because Brenner couldn't stop. And she always thought that she was the monster, but it's really him. And she says that she will open the door and leave with Owens. If he tries to stop her, she'll kill him. So she blasts a huge door open. Then Brenner comes up behind her and injects her with a, you know, sticks a needle in her neck. She like slams him back and he slams into Nina and she pulls out the needle. Her vision's like starting to fade a little bit. So I don't know how much you know he injected her with. And Brenner's like, you'll soon see the truth, Eleven. She like lifts him up you know, with her powers, slams him against Nina again. And she's screaming, whatever. But then her vision's fading more and more and she's out and he falls to the ground. The kids are are preparing uh, their weapons, like like Dustin and Eddie. They're nailing like uh, putting nails in like a garbage can lid as like shields. Uh, Lucas and his sister are making spears. Stephen and Robin are talking, whatever. And um, you know they start talking about like Vicky and, and and the dude. And he's like, you know, he's like, it doesn't make sense that 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 dude they saw kissing. He he's like, he's two years older and he's in college, so you know he must be home on spring break. And, you know, they're making Molotov cocktails with kerosene, whatever. And and Robin's like, you know, she has a feeling that 
you know, that they won't make it through this. You know, she's so she's kind of like, it's kind of silly to worry about my, my love life or whatever when, you know, there's so much more at stake. So she's like, she doesn't think they'll make it through, but, you know, they have to try, right? Eleven wakes up and she has one of those uh, power inhibitor collars or shock collars around her neck. Brenner standing in a door. He's like, oh, it's just a precaution. And, you know, hopefully I won't have to activate it. He's like, I know you're angry with me. He's like, this was the only way. Then some alarm goes off. He's like, they found us. So we see like four like Hummers and two helicopters. They arrive at that door that's sticking up on top in the middle of the desert. That Lieutenant Colonel guy, Sullivan, whatever, he's there. They they blow up the, the door uh, the, and then they start coming in with like big shields or shooting at the, the MPs in there. Brenner like carries a 11 out because she's still kind of doozy, whatever. So she can't walk on her own. And he's like, we have to go. He's like, they've come to kill her. But it's it's uh, it's kind of silly because when the soldiers are coming with the shields walking down the hall, it's like, why don't you shoot at their feet? You know, you, that's it's not going to kill them, but it's going to take them out and make them drop the shields probably. So it's, it's just, it seems kind of silly. Uh, Sullivan, the colonel dude, he walks in like he's indestructible or whatever. And then uh, they find Owens beat up in handcuffs. And he's like, oh, looks like we had a falling out here. It's like, let's try this again. Where's the girl? So up top, Brenner carries Eleven out, and he sees like a bunch of like dead lab coats lying in the ground. So they must have tried escaping and just got like shot down. Then um, he gets shot by someone, one of the choppers. He, they're like shooting again around him. He's trying to walk. He's still carrying Eleven. Then he gets shot in the leg, whatever. He drops Eleven. He gets shot again somewhere, like in the the, the stomach or something. And Eleven sees the chopper. They're getting ready that they have her in a target. So they call Sullivan after ask for permission to take the shots. And Owen's like, it's like, oh, you know, we don't have to do this. It's like, you know, we can put her, it's like, I can do it. I can put her in a medically induced coma and, you know, we can see if the, the killings keep happening. So Sullivan kind of thinks about it and he's like, take it, like take the shot. So then um, they see that some civvies are coming. So the pizza van is driving up the, the road. Uh, they, they found like some, tracks in the dirt argyle found it they're like military grade like big tracks so they figured to go this way because they're having a hard time finding the place so the pizza van is coming then sullivan's like ignore them and take the shot so then the the soldier looks but she moved she's not where she was she's standing off the side a bit and then she's trying to bring down the chopper so it's like a little shaky so the guy can't really line up the shot then she starts making it spin a little bit and go higher and she screams and then brings it down. Boosh. So she basically just murdered these soldiers. It's like, okay, cool. Um, then she falls to her knees and then the van pulls up. Mike comes out, hugs her and, and Will's standing there watching and she gives, she gets up, she gives Will a hug. Jonathan's like, we have to go. And then her collar clicks and like clicks open. So then we see Brenner's like holding the control thing in his hand, lying on the ground, like dying. She walks up to him. She's like, Papa. And he's like, I want you to know I'm proud of you. So very proud. You are my family, my child. I've only ever wanted to help you, to protect you. Everything I did, I did for you. I need you to understand. Please tell me you understand. But she doesn't like say anything. And she like puts his hand down. She gets up. She's like, goodbye, Papa. And she walks away. And he's dead. <laughs> then well, at least we assume he's dead. Then finally, Sullivan, the other soldiers come up and he sees the van driving away. Brenner, like, oh, he's not there. He rolls over to watch too, and then he's like on his back. Then he dies, unless unless they grab him and revive him, because I don't think we don't know that. No one checked. There's no like flat line, but he's probably dead. 
Eleven says they have to go to Hawkins now, and Jonathan's like, "It's over two thousand miles away." And she's like, "Well, if we don't, if we don't go there, then they're gonna die." And then uh, you see the camper driving. They arrive at the old Creel house, and that's the end of episode eight. So that was that wasn't too too long <laughs> for that um, episode, season four, episode nine, the piggyback. This episode is two hours and twenty two minutes. See how long it takes me to go through this. So in Russia. Yuri's still um, working on the chopper. He took a piece out um, to like make the stall things or whatever. He gets gets in and tries starting it. It's like just like won't turn over or whatever. And it doesn't really sound good. Murray comes up to him. He's like, "Hey, you're trying to break it, whatever." And he's like, "What are you talking about? No, I'm just trying to do it." He's like, "You just want us to get captured so you can get a reward, whatever." He keeps doing like it sputters or whatever. So he's obviously stalling. Joyce and Hopper are inside, you know, in the room where their phone is, and they they are getting changed with some Yuri clothes from his smuggling, whatever. Like, you know, Joyce finds a shirt with like Hulk Hogan on there. It's like the smallest shirt that she could find. They talk about food and going out like on a date or whatever, and like dessert and stuff like that. Then they start making out, of course, and then the phone rings that interrupts them. In the camper, they're talking about the plan. So then uh, they or they they go back to Eddie's. Uh, camper or uh, trailer and the others uh uh max lucas and erica are at the creel house so they start climbing up to the upside down steve tells dustin eddie not to do anything stupid because you know they're just decoys they're supposed to distract the bats and they're like oh don't worry he's like you know you can be the hero that's all that's fine with us Jonathan is on a payphone and he's trying to get like a plane ticket or you know, he's trying to figure out some way that they can get to Hawkins, even if it's just like one of them or whatever. He's like, one way doesn't that have to be one way, whatever. And then Elle says that she has a way to protect Max from here. She said that, you know, she went to, into Mama's mind. She went into Billy's so she can go into Max's. She can um, carry her, you know, uh, Max can carry Eleven to Vecna so she can piggyback. That's the name of the episode. So, you know, she's like, I just need to get in a bathtub or whatever, you know, for like a sensory deprivation tank or whatever. But Argyle has like another idea because they're also going to need like a lot of salt. So, like, where can we get salt at this time or whatever? Max walks into the house. She has her headphone music on. Jason um, is shooting like football dummies for target practice. Then one of his uh, buddies comes up. He's like, oh, you might want to hear about this. He's like, you know, that murder house or whatever. Because uh, I guess someone out there saw Erica because they're trying to get a walkie-talkie signal. So she goes across the street into like this big play structure and stand up there to try to get a walkie-talkie signal to signal the others. And then some dude's like out there. I don't know if he's walking dog or something like that. He must have seen him. And I don't know if he recognized her or whatever. And he must have called Jason's friend. Maybe they're at Jason's friend's house. I don't know. It, it wasn't really clear. Hopper tells the others about um, the phone call. So it was Ellen, the, the lady that works with Owens. Uh, they're talking code, whatever. She says the doc is indisposed. The doc's with the girl, and the girl went off to fight some evil in Hawkins. And they all went off the grid. And uh, Joyce's kids are with her. Joyce mentions that they could kill the particles here in Russia. And you know that would probably help with the fight. Because uh, that must, so I guess that's what that swarming thing was in that cage. Murray isn't happy with the idea of breaking back into the prison because they just got out of there. But, uh, you know, Murray also, or Yuri mentioned that he had a flamethrower. So they're like, you know, that that could help them. Because they, they figure since they're all kind of with the hive mind stuff or whatever. So if they destroyed a particle or the demogorgons, that'll 
impact um, Vecna. Argyle takes them to the pizza shop and uh, they basically are going to use the, a little freezer as a sensory deprivation tank. They take this, all the stuff out, they put water in there and they pour salt and 11. It's just the right size for 11. Steve talks to Nancy as they're walking through the woods. He's talking about how she helped change him two years ago. And he wonders if things would have been different if they met right now. Then he says that uh, the dream that he had about the kids and the trips, he's like, that was all true, except I didn't mention you were there too. And then Robin comes up and she's like, I found a house. You know, So before Nancy has a, a chance to, to say anything to him. At the prison, there's no guards at the gate, so they just drive right through. Uh, over the radio, we can hear, you know, we inside, you can hear screaming and gunfire, which I don't see why the radio's still on, but so there's still chaos going on inside. They go through into the hatch um, that they escape through. Then Hopper, you know, as, as he's about to climb down, he sees like gunfire in a distance inside the prison, so they know that things are bad. Antonov is watching Murray work on a chopper, and he, um, then he tries like pumping him up. Because he, you know, because Yuri's like, why should I help the Americans or whatever? And he's like, this isn't about the Americans. He's like, you know, there's, we've always talked about the threat to the motherland. He's like, you saw the evil yourself and all this stuff like that. And um, so Yuri, you know, he, he finally starts saying, he's like, yeah, this is to help, to stop the evil that's going to invade and plow over the motherland and kill everyone and stuff like that. So then uh, Antonov kind of like walks away. Yuri pulls out the piece that he took. So it's like, did he change his mind? Is he going to help? Max is still listening to music. Um, she and Lu- Lucas, so they don't, they can't talk in the house because they don't want to wake up Vecna or make any noise. So they're writing notes to each other, like on, on like index cards and like a, a, in a notebook thing. And this is the stuff that always, always bothers me whenever they do this is people write like one line, one sentence, one word on one sheet of paper. So she writes on like one little sheet, hi. And then Lucas writes on there, hi. And it's like, I'm glad you're here. No, maybe he wrote first. Uh, and then it's like, I'm glad you're here. Me too. So it's like, they keep doing this. And it's like, you're going to run out of pages. And then Lucas writes, movie Friday. And then Max is like writing. It's like taking her a little while. And she draws a picture, like stick figures holding hands. And there's like seats behind him or whatever. So then Erica signals from the play structure with a flashlight that she's got a signal or whatever, that, that they're move, ready to move to phase two or something like that. So Max takes off the headphones, turns off the tape player, and she starts calling out the Vecna. She's like, I'm here. She's like, no more music, no more games. She's like, what are you waiting for? And then uh, like the lamp, they're, they're holding these lanterns and it's kind of like buzzing and guiding her like upstairs. Eleven and, and Mike talk. He kind of goofs around a little bit because he made like these... St- glasses like the cover like uh, everything you know for the sensory deprivation um she takes his hand she says she misses him he's like oh i miss you too he's like you know i've been thinking about our last talk he's like i just want to say but then argyle slaps on a pizza mike is like freaking out he's like there's pineapple on the pizza and he's like oh just try it my dude you know because argyle's like a big stoner and everything will watches them from the kitchen with jonathan they're mixing the salt and then jonathan uh brings up that he's like you remember when you had a that lego guy stuck up your nose he's like uh maybe kind of not really so he's talking about he's like i feel like you know he because he's talking about how he had to perform surgery had to get tweezers and pull him out and uh, he's like i feel like you don't um 
come to me for help anymore. He's like, yeah, I know part of that's my fault. You know, I've been a little distant and, you know, getting stoned or whatever. He's like, but I, I miss talking to you. And he's like, you know, right now we need to talk more than ever. He's like, just don't forget I'm here. He's like, I'll always be here because, you know, you're my brother. He's like, there's nothing in the world that will change that. And Will's like sobbing. He's probably basically like, dude, if you're gay, it's okay. You can tell me. I love you. You're my brother. I don't care if you're gay, if you're not gay, if you are, whatever. I'm here for you. So they hug. And then um, they say the water is ready. So Levin gets in. She can see Max and Lucas uh, walking with the lantern. Uh, the lantern goes a little dim. So the Levin's like, Max's plan isn't working. So Max knows that she has to think about her worst thoughts. So she starts talking about uh, what Vecna said to her about wanting her brother to die. She thought that Vecna was just trying to get her angry, but she's like, but it was the truth, wasn't it? She's like, Billy made my life hell. So sometimes at night I would pray that something awful would happen to him. It's like, he drove so fast that I just imagined him crashing and dying. She's like, I wanted him out of my life forever. And the day he died, that's why I was just standing there watching. She's like, it wasn't that I was scared. She's like, I just, I didn't know if he deserved to be saved. So she's tried to forgive herself, but she can't. So now when she lies in bed, she prays that something horrible will happen to her. So that's why she's there. She just wants Vecna to take her away and make her disappear. Lucas interrupts and he's like, is that all true? He's like, did you really want Billy to die? And he's like, have you had thoughts about like that about me? He's like, normal people don't wish others to die. So obviously it's Vecna now messing with her. And then, you know, she's really in a trance and, 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 you know, Lucas is sitting next to her. Eleven's like, get out of there. Uh, Max strikes Lucas and then he turns into Vecna and Eleven goes to Max. Uh, and the lights start flickering at the pizza place. Eleven tries thinking to Max, you know, there's lots of memories. Eleven thinks that she's in a Max memory now, but you know, why is she, you know, talking to you. It's like weird because she's supposed to be in this deprivation tank, you know, focus on this, but she's talking to the others in the pizza place. She's like, oh, I can see them. They're doing this. Oh, now there's this happening. Oh, now I'm in a memory. But it's like, you should be focused. The whole idea is, is your sense, you're depriving your this other senses so you can just focus and immerse, yet she's constantly talking to them, which is just, so they're, um, they're skating. There's a bunch of kids like, roller or skateboarding and what are those like sewage drainage things um the big thing i forget what they're called culvert culvert not a cul-de-sac like where um in greece was it greece where they they were drag racing in there and in terminator 2 they're riding down there you know what i'm talking about right bunch of kids on there skateboarding and you know where's max at you know they don't see her she must be there somewhere so there's a signal initiate phase three Eddie starts, uh, he, he found his guitar or whatever. So he starts playing. He gets on top of the, the, the camp or whatever. He's playing it really loud because he's going to be real. He starts doing Metallica song to get the bat's attention. Max tries running out of the house, but the doors are boarded up. Uh, then Jason and a friend arrive at the house and start chasing her. Max sees Billy trying to break through a door uh, to her. The bats are coming. Stop the guitar. Max is at the, she ends up at the snowball dance or whatever, but it's like empty. And Eddie and Dustin are like hiding inside the camper as, as the bats are like smashing on the outside. Hopper, Joyce, and Murray enter the prison. The glass cages with the other creek um, demogorgons are busted open and empty. And it's like a bloodbath inside. There's one soldier who's like injured, but he's still kind of alive. So Murray talks to him. 
he says, uh, you know, the monster came, a uh, gunfire hit the other cages, and then they came out. Um, so then they're like, well, what about the particles? So they call it the shadow, and it went into, but then he dies before he can say who it went into. So did it go into the other creatures? Like, what what happened? Uh, in the Upside Down, they enter the Creel house. Um, Eleven finds little Max, like, skateboarding, and um, Elle says that Max can't see her or hear her. There's no sign of Vecna, but then she finds something that doesn't fit. Uh, there's like a memory in a memory. And Max is sitting at the ball like in the gym. Then the balloons on the table start bursting. They're like filled with blood or whatever. Eleven finds uh, the DJ turntable from the, 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 the snowball on this overpass bridge. Lucas is uh, trying to signal Erica, but she's pinned to the ground by Jason's friend, so she's not even there. And then Jason walks in, and Lucas he's like, "You shouldn't be here right now." And then Jason sees Max in a trance. He's like, "Is this what you what you did to, to Chrissy?" Lucas like, "Don't touch her." And you know when he gets close, and Jason pulls out his gun. He's like, "You're you know I'm gonna step back by the stairs. You're gonna wake her up from whatever this is." And Lucas is like, "I can't." He's like, if, if I wake her too soon, we all die. And Jason's like, if you don't, then you're going to die right now. So this is the thing. How can this like high school kid, I don't know if he's 18. He's He just buys a 357. And he's like threatening to, to kill a kid. For, and he doesn't, he doesn't have a justified reason. He thinks he does, but even so, that's not a reason to kill. Hopper wants to lure the monsters into the, the arena, the monster trap arena. He says, because they're a hive mind. So if you find one, then they'll all come. Inside the house, upside down, uh, Robin, Nancy, and Steve are on their way up. Then Robin gets pulled by tentacles. Then Steve gets pulled. You know, they're just trying to hack away. Then Nancy gets pulled. They're pinned against the walls, and tentacles are getting tighter, like choking them. Hopper finds a little critter in the hall, so he you know gets his attention and starts chasing him. Uh, Eddie and Dustin are getting attacked. Dustin climbs the, the sheets through a hole uh, to, to the other side. Eddie's uh, about to climb up, but then he cuts the sheet, and and Dust is like no, and then he, Eddie goes outside, hops on a bike to distract the the bat some more. Max is uh, still at the gym and at the dance. Then a door opens, and Vecna's like, "You can't hide," and she you know, she tries thinking about happy moments, and then Vecna shows her her friends are in danger right now, like all the things happening. That you know they thought that they could stop him, but he's like, it's time. And then he's behind her, and she goes flying and slams into a wall. Lucas tries to explain to Jason that there is no cult. They didn't summon Vecna. Then he's like, he asks, you know, then why was Chrissy going to Eddie? And he's like, to buy drugs. He's like, no, that's that's you know a lie. She doesn't do drugs, or whatever. And you know he tries telling her that, that she was scared and she was seeing things. And Jason's like, that's a lie. He's like, if you know there was something, she would have come to me. So he's about to shoot. But then Lucas kind of ducks and like you know dives into him. There's a fight. Erica, you know, is still out outside, and she kind of uses the distraction to get free and kick the you know the other Jason's friend in the crotch. Um, they're fighting. Jason's kind of getting obviously he's going to be a better fighter than Lucas, so they're like fighting and everything like that. Lucas is getting some blows in, but you know Jason is still getting the upper hand. Beckton tells Max that she's braver than her brother, but in the end. She's still weak and fragile, just like he was. So like all the rest of them. So she will break. And then he lifts his hand to her. And then he he goes flying back. And he's like frozen in the air. So Levin's there. She's holding him up. Then she like turns him around. 
was she like think she's a badass or something like that it's like why don't you just like stop him right there instead of putting on the show and doing all this he just like looks down at and growls at her he's like you and she says hi and then she slams him through the bleachers eddie is is still riding on the bikes leading the bats away dustin's trying to like stack some stuff up so he can jump up to the hole and pull himself through he goes and then you hear something snaps so it's like did he snap did he break his arm so Eddie, he had to ditch the bike. He's running now. And then he's thinking about uh, like not knowing what to do. So he's like, that's why he ran and left Chrissy. So then he turns around. He's like, I'm not running this time. So he's going to face the swarm. Hopper is running down the hall as, as a little Demogorgon creature is chasing him. Lucas is still fighting Jason. Eleven checks on Max. And she's like, touches her face, and like kind of pinches her cheeks. And she's like, are, are you real or did I make you? And Eleven's like, I'm real. And she's like, how? And she's like, I'm piggybacking in a pizza dough freezer. And Max is like, what? Then Vecna gets up. So then uh, Eleven tells her to stay there. So Eleven and, and Vecna face each other. And Elle's like, if you touch her again, I will kill you again. And he's like, is that what you did? Did you kill me? I'm so glad you are here, Eleven. This is going to be beautiful. So beautiful. Then he raises his hand and a bunch of splinters rise from the bleachers and then he shoots him at L. She like knocks him away, but then he kind of uses it as, as a distraction and he like shoves her aside. So she slams into something. Um, so it looks like maybe, I don't know if Dustin broke a leg because he's kind of like limping. Um, maybe he didn't break anything. Maybe he just sprained it, but it sounded like something snapped. He's outside the camper calling to Eddie and he goes, goes out. Eddie, meanwhile, is he's you know, a ways away. He's he's standing as the the bats are swarming around him. He you know some of them are, are start attacking him one by one. He's like knocking him back with the shield or whatever, but they're they're still like coming at him. Max is running up behind Vecna to stab him as he's like dealing with Eleven, but she kind of like screams a little bit. So it's like okay, you're just giving him a warning here. He turns around, shoves her aside, and she's like knocked out. Eleven tries attacking, but then he stops her and then he lifts her. Before I kill you, I want you to watch. Then he like shoves her through a portal or something like that. She gets dragged by tentacles and she's pinned against like the door to the house. She sees like dead Chrissy and like I think maybe that other kid Philip or whatever. And Invecna carries Max and she gets lifted by tentacles. So she's like pinned on, you know, because she's going to be, that's going to be her resting place, I guess. Eleven yells, Papa is dead. And she's like, she says that she knows what he did to to Henry one or whatever, that he was different like her and Papa hurt him. He made him into this. He's the monster, Henry, not you. Then Vecna is like, you're right. We are different. And Papa did hurt us. But he was no monster. He was just a man, an ordinary, mediocre man. But he saw greatness in others, in us. But he couldn't control us. And then he's like going on. He's like, he didn't make me into this you did so there's a, a flashback to when uh he was when 11 like blasted him and sent him through the portal his skin's kind of like melting or burning or whatever because he thought he was in purgatory or whatever and then you know he's in this world he's like i became an explorer so he's just like wandering around then one day he found something that would change everything he saw a way to reach his potential and become the predator that he was always supposed to be and then there's like this huge cloud of particles in the sky and it kind of makes that like spider like shape or whatever so he reaches out to it so it's like all he needed was for someone to open the door and she did that then she started to resist so he sought out his own door and he saw her power so once again she freed him 
And he's like, it's over. Your friends have lost. Lucas is getting beat up and Eddie um, is getting, uh, he's like getting choked by like a bat tail or whatever. Hopper's like knocked over on the floor and the critter's like in his face. And he's like trying to keep it from like chomping his face off. Steve, Nancy, and Robin are getting choked. Uh, Lucas is getting choked by by Jason. Uh, Erica's like pounding on the door to the attic. She's like, like, Lucas, let me in or whatever. Vecna says that he wanted to have Eleven by his side. Now he just wants her to watch. So he goes over to Max, raises his hand to her face, and she starts like floating in the real world. Uh, Lucas can only watch because, you know, he, Jason's like holding him down, like trying to choke him or whatever. And then Mike tries waking L up in a, in a dough freezer and Will tells Mike, he's like, he's like, don't stop. You're at a heart. And then Mike's like, oh, I just want you to know that, you know, that he, I'm here and I love you, L. Do you hear me? He's like, I was scared that, you know, you weren't going to need me. He's like, I, I don't know how to live without you. He's like, I've loved you since that day. We found you in the woods and everything like that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You have to fight now. Do you hear me? You have to fight. But it's like, why are you trying to wake her up? Why did you take her out of the tank? I, I don't understand. And why are you talking to her? She needs a focus. The tentacles loosen on, on Eleven a little bit. Lucas um, gets like a surge of adrenaline. He kind of like knocks Jason's head into a window and he like starts hitting him or like that. He I don't know if he, he knocks him out or, or something like that. And then uh, Max, her, her arm snaps, starts breaking. So it, was, it was like her, her left arm. Hopper is like yelling. He's about to get eaten. Eddie is screaming. He's like getting torn up by the, the bats. Max leg snaps. Then her other arm. Lucas starts yelling. Eleven screams and she's free. Um, then it like kind of fades black a little bit. Then Vecna gets shoved back by Eleven. Joyce, um, she comes running up. She zaps a Demogorgon with like this like taser pole or whatever just like big pole with like a cattle prod taser at the end lucas tries catching max when she falls so both her arms and legs snapped um hopper and joyce they run into the arena and then they duck into a cell like off to the side the demogorgon and the smaller ones follow murray starts like torching him from above vecna starts screaming in pain because he can feel that steve nancy and robin they get free from the tentacles holding them on the wall um, the little Demogorgon critters are like charred. The the main one is still kind of alive. He starts getting up. So Harper, Hopper, Harper, Hopper <laughs> starts shooting it with a like a, you know a machine gun. But then he runs out of bullet. He sees like a sword because you know they kept weapons there. So he picks up the sword. Vecna is now pinned against a pillar. Nancy, Steve, and Robin they approach his where his body is and its nesting whatever. Vecna tells Eleven that she and her friends think that they've won, but this is only the beginning, the beginning of the end. Uh, Nancy, Steve, and, and Robin, they they light their Molotov cocktails. Vecna's like, you have already lost. And Eleven's like, no, you have. Hopper charges uh, at, at the, the Demogorgon. Steve throws a flaming bottle at Vecna. Hopper swings and kind of ducks, chops off one of the Demogorgon's arm. Vecna, he starts screaming, and then uh, you know he gets hit. He's in flame. His his body starts dissolving, and then his real body falls in flame and and sizzles. Then he looks at the three. Robin throws another cocktail at him. He stumbles back. Nancy approaches with a because she um sawed off her shotgun. She sawed off the 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 end of it. So she shoots him, shoots him. Shoots him, shoots him again. Um, Hopper ducks, ducks, swings, chops the Demogorgon's head off. 
Vecna feels it all. He's screaming. Nancy shoots. He goes flying out the boarded up window, lands on the ground. He's in flames. And at this point, there's like still 40 minutes left. I'm like, are you serious? Antonov and Yuri arrive at, at the prison in the helicopter. So uh, Yuri got the helicopter working. Outside, Nancy, Steve, and Robin see the Vecna's body is gone. So maybe he's not dead. Because that's what he said. Dustin reaches Eddie and it's bad. He says, he's like, oh, uh, look, he's like, I didn't run away this time, right? He, he tells Dustin, he's like, you're going to have to look after the others for me. And he's like, no, no. He's like, say it. And Dustin's like sobbing. And Eddie's like, say it. Eddie says that, you know, he's finally going to graduate. He's like, this is finally going to be my year. He's like, I love you, man. And then he's dead. And Dustin's like, Eddie, no. R.I.P. Eddie. It's sad. Erica makes it uh, into the attic. Lucas is like, we need a doctor. Call an ambulance. And, and Max is like, she's like barely awake. She's like, I can't feel or see anything. And her eyes are kind of like glossed over and everything like that. She's like, I'm scared. Uh, and then we see Eleven is kind of with her, like in a, in a no environment version. You know, she's sitting with next to Lucas and Max, but obviously Max doesn't know. And, and she's like crying. And then Max starts, stops moving. And Lucas sobs in anguish and Eleven's just sobbing. So Max is dead. So first Eddie dies. It's like, oh, sad. Okay, we got a loss. And then Max dies. It's like, are you serious? Two people? The clock chimes. Nancy knows what that means. It means, you know, Max is dead. And then the house starts cracking. Lucas drags Max's body away because there's like big, huge cracks or whatever. The world is getting cracked by portals. The four uh, cracks going all over the place. They finally like meet in the center of town. Mike tries waking Eleven up. Um, She's still sitting by Max and Lucas and Eleven whispers. Then she's like, no, you're not going. No. She reaches to Max and there's like a bunch of memories of them like when they first met and when they started growing into friends and sleepovers and all stuff like that. Then it cuts to two days later. So families, you see everyone's like driving out of Hawkins and then uh, Pizza Van is is entering Hawkins. They just see this line of cars leaving. Um, Hawkins, there's like smoke clouds going and like helicopters flying over. The news says it was a 7.4 magnitude earthquake. The death toll now is at 22 with hundreds more filling the county hospitals. And that's not the only tragedy. There's a string of high school murders linked to a local satanic cult known as Hellfire. Eddie Munson, the leader of this cult and prime suspects in the murder, has been missing since the earthquake and is presumed dead. So it's like Eddie, the nicest guy, is everyone's going to think he's a cult killer. So then I, I think it was Nancy's dad's like watching the news, or whatever. And mom's like br- brings some stuff out of the attic for Nancy to look at. And she's like, no, that's fine. Like some stuffed animals like that. Um, Steve, Robin and Dustin are outside. Also, then the pizza van shows up. She's like, oh, someone ordered a pizza. So they all get out. Nancy sees Jonathan. Uh, Mike's mom was there too. Cause she hugs him. She's like, you're never going on vacation again. And you, you know, alone or whatever. And you can forget about college. She's like, you're staying here. Jonathan asks Nancy if she's okay. Uh, and you know, she wants to tell him, but he's like, what about the earthquake? He's like, I know, I know about, it. I know more than you think. And she's like, how? So they say, they, um, they've been trying to call him. He's like, yeah, I know we couldn't risk contact. And she's like, risk contact. He's like, oh, I'll explain everything. He's like, and he's like, I'm just glad you're safe. Steve kind of like walks by and sort of rolls his eye, whatever, you know, with Robin. And she like puts her hand on his shoulder. Dustin tells 11 and will 
that, you know, they're like, where's Lucas? They're like, oh, he's in the hospital. And Eleven's like, is he hurt? And Dustin's like, no. And he's like, oh, God, you don't know. So Mike is reading The Talisman by Stephen King. Is it Stephen King or Richard Bachman? Um, anyways, The Talisman. He's reading it to Max. So Max is in a coma. She has a neck brace and casts on her two arms and, and legs. Erica's like sitting there too. The others arrive. They hug. Uh, Eleven's, she's like, I'm sorry. Then Eleven asks if they know when she'll wake. And Lucas is like, like no. And they're, they're like, she might not. Her heart stopped for over a minute. I don't know how they would know that. And she died. So clinically, she died, but she came back, and the doctors don't know how. They say it was a miracle, but obviously it was a, it was eleven. Mike and Will look at eleven when when he says that eleven sits on the edge of the bed, which I wouldn't even want to touch the bed with someone with all these broken bones. I would feel like just the slightest jostle would would hurt. And she takes Max's hand. She's like, "I'm here, Max," and she closes her eyes. Eleven closes her eyes. Steve, Robin, Dustin, they go to the school gym with like boxes for donations. They have them separated and stuff like that. And uh, the lady's like, oh, thanks. Or you need a tax receipt for donation? They're like, no. Is there anything else we can do? Because they want to help out. So they're doing different things. Like Steve's like sorting out different stuff. Uh, Robin's like making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And then Vicky comes out from like in this other room. And she was making sandwiches too. So things are a little awkward and they're like talking and Vicky's just kind of rambling on a bit. She's like, oh, I've just been a little frazzled and, and stuff. And she's like, and my boyfriend came, you know, or he was my boyfriend. He's like, he took one look at all this, you know, stuff and, and just took off. And she also mentions like Fast Times Original High because, you know, there was this ongoing thing like who rented that on that account. And, you know, she's said something how there is a plot to it or something like that. And then uh, she rambles on. She's like, oh, look, man, I'm talking about my dumb boyfriend and, you know, just so much worse things going on. Robin just kind of looks at her and um, they're just like, talking to each other and stuff like that. And, and Steve looks at them and kind of smiles. So it's not clear Vicky has any feeling. I mean, she's kind of nervous and everything around Robin. Maybe there might be something. Don't know. Dustin goes, uh, so Eddie's uncle, he he's putting up a missing persons flyer. There's like this bulletin board and people are, they drew like a satanic, like a pentagram on Eddie. So he took it down. He put a fresh one up there. Then Dustin, he calls him. He's like, my nephew was innocent. He's like, I'll keep putting these up no matter how, you know, until we find him. Dustin, you know, he starts to walk away and Dustin's like, I was with him when the earthquake hit. And he's like, starts crying. He, he takes out. Uh, Eddie's necklace has like a pick on it. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I wish everyone could, you know, could have gotten to know him to really know him. They would have loved him. Even at the end, he never stopped being Eddie. He never, you know, I never even saw him get mad. He could have saved himself, but he fought. He fought and he died to protect this town, this town that hated him. It's like, he just isn't just innocent. He's, he's a hero. And Mr. Munson's like crying. Pizza van pulls up to a cabin. Uh, it's pretty trash. There's like a hole in the ceiling. So I guess this is like Hopper and an Eleven's old place. Uh, so Jonathan and Nancy are like boarding up the window, you know, whatever. Then he says that he's sorry he wasn't here. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of happy you weren't. And he kind of looks at her. And she's, she's like, that you were with, you know, Will and Mike. And Jonathan's like, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you were here because who would have been in charge, Steve? And she's like, well, he's actually grown up quite a bit. And then, you know, Jonathan's like, um, are we okay? And she's like, yeah, uh, you know, totally. You know, life keeps throwing things at us, whatever. And then she's like, you know, what about your college application letter? Did it ever come? And he's like, no, 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 not, not yet. Because I think he didn't apply. 
Will and Mike talk. Eleven's upset. Um, she's in a room. You know, she's upset because she never lost before. And you know, Brenner said that she wasn't ready, and now she's you know wondering maybe he was right. Will says that you know Vecna isn't dead; that he can feel him now that he's back in Hawkins, and you know just because like from that first time when he was there or whatever. And so Will's like, you know, he'll never stop until he's taken everything and everyone. He's like, we have to kill him. And Mike's like, we will. Then this like black Lincoln pulls up. It's like tinted windows. They're like, who's this? Eleven in a room. She finds a Coke bottle and she spins it. So she's thinking when they did spin the bottle or something like that before. Then she's and it's weird because then she's like back at the hospital. Like when she closed her eyes and then she's in the black void and she calls out to Max and then the bottle stops spinning and then Eleven's back in her old room. She hears like car doors, whatever. Someone's coming to the door. The door opens. Hopper's there. Hey kid. She starts sobbing and she's like hi. They hug. And she says, she's like, I kept the door open three inches. He's like, it's okay, whatever. He's like, I'm here now. And, you know, he says, you know, she, and he, she's like, you look. And he's like, less fat. And then he takes off. He's wearing a cap. And then he says something that he's like, I, I kind of stole your look, you know, with, with his haircut, whatever. Then she hears Joyce outside. So she goes out there. They hug. Hopper nods to Ellen, who leaves. So Ellen drove in there. Hopper tells Mike, he's like, oh, you've grown. And Mike's like, you've shrunk because he's not as big as he was. They hug. Will feels something at the back of his neck. He kind of rubs it. He looks up. They look at the sky. It's like a little dark or whatever. There's some low rumbling. And then like, wait, is it snowing? People, and Because like Nancy's little sister, whoever's little sister is like, ah, it's snowing. But I don't know if it's ashes or something like that. Everyone's like looking at all the falling stuff across town or anything like that. Everyone's, they, uh, the, the people at the cabin, they start walking through the woods. They get to this like hillside with this field. There's like all these flowers, like crazy amount of flowers. But then there's like kind of this line where like everything's kind of gray. So 11 goes up to when you see like the flowers like wilting and dying. And then there's like red lightning in the sky. Um, and then there's like, you know, in a cloud, there's red lightning and smoke or whatever. And they just glare at the lightning, fade to black. And that's the end. So it's not over yet. There will be another season, but who knows when. Um, it just seems kind of crazy because all that is like, okay, Vecna's dead. <laughs> End the story. And they, they could have ended it right there, but I, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, the show the show is super expensive for Netflix, but apparently it's super popular as well. And then, you know, I, I see like the merchandise at Target. I don't know if people are buying it. But who knows? So it was good. I, I, I think it was happy. My big fear was that Eleven was going to be coming in screaming and using her powers with her. And she's always got like the same little amount of blood that drips down like the one nostril. So I was like, is it going to be like all about Eleven saving? So I, I really liked that they had that it was split up, that everyone was like carrying their weight. I mean, even Eddie, Eddie sacrificed himself. And I love how Steve, you know, Steve and Nancy's like kicking butt and Steve and Robin you know, with their Molotov cocktails and even Lucas, you know, fighting Jason to try to, you know, protect Max and, you know, Max putting herself, using herself as bait. So I, I love that everyone had like a big role to play and it wasn't just Eleven. Yes, Eleven played an important part. You know, she was there to try to help and strengthen Max and fight against Vecna while they're doing this because, you know, the plan wasn't going perfectly as, as they thought it would, but it wasn't just her. So I'm, I'm glad about that. So that is it. That is going to be, um, that's it for the, for the I, there's nothing more to say. Um, it was good. Watch it all super long episodes i i don't know why they didn't break it up why 
It's just weird. I mean, I'm not. I can't complain. I do. I am happy that they separated this because even though this was for like four hours, so thank goodness it wasn't all in the first season because I would feel compelled to talk about it all at once. So here I did. I talked about the rest end of the episode because this is way too long. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to a secret podcast from heck. You get 30 minutes of extra content. I'm losing it. I forgot what I was saying. So uh, usually I talk about comics. I talk about New Teen Titans from 1980. This week I'm going to talk about a movie. Twip. It's a movie. I don't, have I ever talked about it before? Maybe not. So it's like I said, it's one I meant to talk about before last December. I just didn't get around to it. So maybe you can kind of figure out. It's kind of the, I feel like I may have talked about it somewhere, but it's kind of readdress. How does it hold up type of thing? So a big hint. Um, you yeah, don't know exactly, but uh, maybe I'll do another movie the following week or who knows what. Um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman for mech and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right. What is going to happen next week? Next week, I am really excited. Next week is going to be... Thor, Love and Thunder. So we we have that this week. Um, The following week, the 14th, I'm not sure um, what's coming out then. But then the following week is Comic-Con. So um, there's not going to (laughs) be, there won't be a movie that week. um, And we'll have to see what I can do. I have no idea what I'm doing at Comic-Con. Like if I'm going to even have any interviews or it's going to be interesting being back after two years, three years, two years, whatever. But that's going to be it for this week. Hopefully I'll have internet by the time, actually by the time you listen to this, I may not have internet yet. But hopefully this week I'll get internet because this this sucks. Um, I hope you are doing well. I hope you have a way better week than I did last week. I hope this week is way better than last week. Hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're taking care of others. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. 